All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Break the Rules stream. I am your host, Lev Polyakov. It is a great pleasure to be here today to talk about the based question, which is the most important question, more important than Russia, more important than uh, whatever else is going on in the world. Uh, I think this is a very interesting opportunity to have representatives of the online esoteric, I'm not really sure what to call it, the very online crowd, which would be the Prudentialist to my bottom over here wearing a crown like the king that he is, as well as the wonderful Hannah Cox, who is a, a co-host of the new uh, Based podcast. And this is uh, considered by a friend of yours, Prudentialist uh, Orrin McIntyre, to be an example of a cultural appropriation. And of course, we have the great Remzo. And we have for the first time joining us not on the uh, Twitter thing, but uh, live for real. We have Grayson Quay joining us. So thank you very much for coming in. Gio, where are you? Come in. Anyway, that's that's all I have to say about Gio. Get Gio in here. That's all I got to say. So anyway, cultural appropriation uh, let's start with, uh, well, let's start with Hannah, actually, to talk about, first of all, who you are, how you got here, and why it is that you chose BASED, and then we're going to get to the cultural appropriation question from Prudentialist. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, my name's Hannah Cox. Um, I'll try to sum up my background quickly, but I've had kind of a weird career. I started off working in music in Nashville for some time, stumbled into politics, doing some work for a Second Amendment group on the ground there, and ended up really falling in love with it and decided to change my career. So I jumped into politics full-time in 2016, started working for a free market think tank in Tennessee, where I was instrumental in passing lots of public policy, everything from ending uh, the final income tax in the state to overturning healthcare regulations like certificate of need to passing school choice programs, criminal justice reforms that really span the gap. We also had a pro bono litigation group within the organization that I was also influential with. Uh, we would sue over things like private property rights. So I really got like this great early education in a lot of different public policies and legal issues. Um, after about two and a half years there, from there, I went to run a group called Conservatives Concerned about the death penalty. And I was their national manager for almost three years, during which time I helped overturn the death penalty in a state each year. And then during COVID, um, I was off the road. I wasn't traveling or lobbying as much. So I had a lot of time on my hands. And I started writing a lot more, started um, doing a lot more online. My platforms really kind of took off. And after a few months, I decided to launch a project, a concept that I'd actually had in mind since 2016, which was my uh, initial podcast called Based. And the premise of Based uh, was, was built upon something I noticed working out in the field, as you can tell from the public policies I worked on. I often was working with like both the far left and the far right. And as a libertarian, I was kind of in the middle, and, and I started realizing that they weren't so far apart as they thought. A lot of times people actually agreed on many of the major issues we were facing. They just had very, very different solutions to those problems. And oftentimes it was because they didn't really understand the public policy or legal issues that created them in the first place. And if you don't understand what creates a problem in the first place, of course you're going to then probably prescribe bad solutions oftentimes prescribe bad big government solutions that are what created those issues initially. So I wanted to launch BASE as a place for people to come together and be able to kind of look back at the public policy history of major issues and also acquire the ability to do that, right? To kind of learn how mm. to think about these things and, and not be told what to think by me or anybody else, but really learn how to research, 
how to like trace the steps back of bad policies out there and get to the root of them. So that was the uh, initial concept. It took off quite quickly. It ended up in the top 10% of podcasts within its first couple of episodes. I named it based um, for three reasons. One, I had seen the term based used on Twitter a lot to refer to things that were like upfront, truthful, um, speaking truth to power, saying like what things were, even if it wasn't popular or even if it wasn't like uh, following the political narrative, kind of like not politically correct. And I thought that was a great terminology. I'm pretty blunt, pretty straightforward. And then also the show itself is supposed to be looking for the root, the base cause of problems. And last. I don't know what's going on. Shit, they got her. They got her. Well, while they got her, I want to go to Prudentialist and uh, Geo, that you are back with your beautiful black fez. I was that here is... at the very beginning, but he didn't look at the chat. I like looked at the messages. Be yes, spiritually, <laughs> because I was looking at the messages beforehand, a couple of minutes. No no Geo. Anyway, Anyways, another anyway. Episode, fine episode, by the way. Uh, hail to the truckers. Tomorrow mm -hmm. they're going to Ottawa. And hail Pootler to his future victory against the evil American Empire. We're going to win this one, Lev. We're going to being... win. Hail Pootler, hail Pootler. You're being played for a sucker, Geo, <laughs> but I love you nonetheless. But no, this is something that I want to get into with the truckers at least. Well, Hannah, yeah, well, well some, some base ground, some ground that we could all agree on. Oh. Hannah, a quick blurb about the truckers, and then we're going to get to Prudentialist. Just like a quick yes or no, do you support the truckers or don't you support the truckers? Sorry, I just got back in. I don't know what you're talking about. The Canadian truckers, the ones that are uh, riding right now in Canada against the uh, policies that are being enacted there. I'm not following, so I can't weigh in. No problem. Let's go to Prudentialist, and let's talk about the cultural appropriation of base. So you heard what Hannah had to say. I, I love how I'm already being put in as sort of this anti-position, um, despite the fact that I think there's plenty of room for nuance. Appreciate it, Lev. All right, um, then Geo's going to be the anti-position. You're going to be you're going to be the voice of reason between the two sides, and I'm just going to chill here. I don't so. know. I just think, never mind. <laughs> don't worry about it. Go ahead, my friend. Oh. Well, I, I think the issue that primarily comes up, of course, is that I think, as um, Mr. Uh, Quay had pointed out when he was talking to uh, Palumbo about online pushback, of course, that that was going to happen, right? It, uh, the Internet is a wonderful place where people can uh, have a wonderful feedback loop for what they want to say. And I took the time to actually read uh, Hannah's article about why they're founding it and what they're doing, which, of course, had nothing necessarily to do with the pushback. I think it has to do a lot with the word. Um, which, of course, is, I think, in its evolution, changed a lot from maybe when it was used in 2015, 2016, um, which is always funny to to read the the sort of the origins from it and its slight reference to freebasing. But um, I, I think that it also has a lot to do with the fact that many people, whether it's online or work in actual politics, I, I work in local regional politics where I am in Texas, I won't disclose where. Um, but, I mean, there's always frustrations, right? And it's very easy when words aren't, always with a clear set definition that can provide reasons to to get up in arms. Um, and so the, the quip about uh, cultural appropriation, as uh, Twitter personality Orrin McIntyre put it, uh, is kind of funny because there's always the people want to have labels that they assign to themselves. So it's uh, somewhat of a fight for territory, but also, I think, an ideological one. Well, how would you also uh, define what based is? Hannah defined it. How would you define it uh, differently if you do define it differently? Well, I would just add to her definition that it is uh, upfront, blunt, oftentimes crass, 
but um, usually in the face of sort of that friend-enemy distinction. Uh, I think the right uses it as a, as a plain Jane, simple way to just say, these are the things that I want to do. Uh, I kind of play the game of friend-enemy distinction, and this is what I would like to see accomplished. And I think that's why you can get based being used from everything from free market libertarian-oriented solutions to uh, people saying that, like, listen, the real issues with the NGOs and things have to be done about them. So it's anywhere from people like Ron Paul to more maybe state power oriented candidates like J.D. Vance, you know, having their audience to say what they're saying is based. And uh, Geo, do you differ from that opinion about the uh, word base, what it what it means? Because now you're saying that we can't use the word based anymore within your no, circle. No, it's done. It's cringe. It's over. When a meme dies, let the dead bury the dead, <laughs> as they say. Um, I, I actually was uh, binging uh, Grace and Quay's articles. I, I think very fine writer, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe one day I shall grace my presence on the Spectator. Um, well, my friend Ben uh, Ben Sixsmith already writes for them, so um, I think that based the problem is that when you have this weird appropriation of a particular American Creole, um, it's. I think people realize that it started off as like this ironic 4chan meme, uh, like a lot of things back in the day where they would appropriate like eubonics and various what people, I guess nowadays refer to as like black Twitter memes. Like uh, the one, the big one I remember way back, this is like ancient history was like the three fitty thing. That was like, ugh. but um, I, I think the problem is that when you come to the realization that these things ultimately do have a life cycle even just like talking about it or debating about it in the terms of, you know, oh, this is a major significant, like, let's call it signifier in terms of mimetic language. And it's like, this is a serious issue. And to a degree, I extend like memes matter. But I think like even just framing something like internet lingo, such as based around like, you know, well, there's a debate to be had and who owns it? It's like, I think it kind of violates the spirit of the meme enough. It's like, we're already sort of beating the dead horse. And I don't know if, um, but then again, I'm, I'm I'm giving away the kayfabe of the show because of course there has to, you know, the content must flow, but I do think that Prudentialist is hundred percent right. I think that, um, the problem is when you spread ideas through mimetics themselves on any side of the political spectrum, you're inevitably going to, wedge yourself to the life cycle of those memes in general and the problem especially with the online right is that we're very good at the generative aspect of it but when it comes to the appropriations or ironic appropriations of something um to go beyond that framework is sort of like the biggest i would say alchemical stone on the internet Mm. how do you cross over ironic meme culture into a form of sincerity which is something that i've been writing about since like 2016 and i still don't have an answer so and i would love for uh, hannah to respond as well as uh, remzo and grayson but uh before that i also wanted to give my own uh output about what i think is going on here the reason why i decided to do this it's not even so much for the word based as it is for the need that i think a lot of people especially like a lot of people online have and when they see based being used for something new, something that's not really within uh, their particular uh, sphere, they may get a little bit uh, nervous about, well, not nervous, but they may find it to be a little bit cringe for them because, you know, it's their word, it has to do with their particular culture. And I think that the reason why this kind of culture, while it's still changing and evolving, is an important one, is the whole phrase of uh, man cannot live by bread alone 
where when we're talking about something like economics, which for me as a, uh, an expat from the uh, former USSR, in fact, I was born when it was still the USSR, Hannah, I am very much in favor of capitalism, free markets, all that good stuff. But the problem that I'm noticing is that when that is just the thing that is associated with based, if we're talking about, you know, fighting against communism, which I'm in favor for, I don't know if that's going to be enough of an answer for a generation that didn't really have that many people to look up towards as far as what is the telos? What is the end goal here for us, for people like beyond just having freedom and having the ability to buy goods at a low price? So that is just my thing that I wanted to add in here where I think the frustration is coming from. And I'm curious, Hannah, uh, what thoughts you have on this? Yeah, so I will add, I don't know where I got cut off in explaining why I named it base, but um, I was going to finish by saying my knowledge of its usage by what I would term the alt-right or nationalist was zilch because I don't follow the alt-right or nationalist. I'm not in those communities. And so by the time that I even saw it and became familiar with the terminology, it had already become something that was being used more in like libertarian circles, I would say. Um, but even then, when I take it off of Twitter, I have other large audiences on places like Facebook, which are typically much less online. People tend to be much older, more grassroots. Um, they still to this day are like, what is base? Like I have to typically define it at least three to five times a day because they don't know. So it was not a mainstream term. I do think my usage of it has made it a bit more mainstream. But the reason I used it was because I intended fully to imprint my own ideology on it, which does incorporate free market capitalism. I do call myself a rabid capitalist. I think it's done more to eliminate poverty and generate wealth throughout history than any other system we've seen devised. But I'm certainly not somebody who cares um, just about that or even I would say the most about that. My prominent thing in politics has always been what I would term civil liberties. Like I said, I started off working on Second Amendment issues. I then went to criminal justice issues. I care a lot about free speech. I care a lot about human rights. Um, and so that is the thing that I think I actually tend to focus on a bit more in my work. And if people follow me, they know that. Um, and then lastly, I'll add that for me, what's more important than even sticking up for a certain system, because I kind of feel this way about like when people call themselves libertarians and I see them being anti-immigrant or pro-cop, I'm like, oh, you're not, they're not a libertarian. Like, why are you saying that? Right? Like Liberty words, hangout. Yeah. Like things get co-opted. So I understand that feeling. Um, no, that truly is a based account, though, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I think it's more important to highlight how problematic uh, both sides are, both parties, how much corruption is being done to people. And I think that's actually where people should come together. I'm not very much interested in fighting turf wars with it, be it people who call themselves libertarians. I don't think are libertarians or be it nationalists. Mm. I think the real enemy is the government. And I think that if people quit wasting their time with these kinds of things online, maybe we could go after mm. the real enemy. Well, to, to, just to be clear, what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about based, uh, who are the people that you're saying uh, beyond the new people that you've introduced the term to? Who do you define the people who had that term originally well, originally, for, until you used it as being. Yeah, so it came to my knowledge that this was something that the alt-right considered to be their word after the show blew up. And it only really came to my knowledge because I started getting a lot of like anti-Semitic comments, um, which was weird because I'm not even Jewish. Uh, so I was getting a lot of anti-Semitic comments, a lot of like anti-female comments. And it was, I mean, it was always from these like 
you could just tell sort of disaffected accounts didn't have real names and really have faces. And, you know, thanks for the ad revenue, baby. Like you're increasing my algorithm. But that was how I first became aware this was something that that sort of crowd even considered to be there. So that's really my only knowledge of it to this day are the people who leave nasty mm. comments. So you, so you would only define that crowd as being alt-right and nothing more? Um, I guess... By alt-right, I am encompassing things like white nationalists. I'm encompassing things like, um, I mean, I think maybe there is some mainstream nationalism within it, but I, in my experience with that community, no, they tend to be very far right. Here's can, can I can, respond? Though? Yes, please respond. Although I oh, would, but I, I, want, I wanted Grayson okay. then while yes. Remzo didn't get, oh, he's, he's, oh, no, no, he's yeah. going to be back. Don't worry. See, so, uh, Grace, what do you think of this? And then, well, well, then Prudential says, I think Prudential says a lot of thoughts on that one. So <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts too. Yeah. Um, so I, one thing I just wanted to say in response to what Hannah was saying is that I've actually kind of stopped using the term alt, right? Just because it's, it's, I think stopped being useful. Um, you know, cause I do think it means everything from like, well, I don't agree with the mainstream, right. Uh, the, you know, the dead consensus of, of, you know, the last decade or so. So, you know, it can like we've gotten to the point where all right can mean everything from like, I don't really like George W. Bush and Mitt Romney to like, you know, I'm an ethno nationalist uh, and I want to kill the Jews or whatever. So, oh, this is YouTube. We got to be careful oh, with the AI. Sorry about that one. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, We're called, let's just say name them. That could be a good, oh, God. you know. I just said, I said I did. No, but um, it, 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 is, it is funny, though. Like, again, even even things like that, even the most anti Semitic things that I would get, and I'm, I'm Jewish, by the way, you know, matrilineally, I'm Jewish. I think a lot of the anti-Semitic things that I get on, uh, you know, on the regular, these are not from whoever I would term as the official members of the alt-right. A lot of it is young kids who are very online, who don't have a lot of good role models in life. So oh, they do, like, they do something. Hold on. Like no, that. this is not an <laughs> insult. This is not an insult. They would do That's what any an young insult. prank, uh, oriented generation would do hannah they are doing what the hippies would have done in the 60s they're doing what a lot of these cult countercultural oh, no. <laughs> movements would have done no really because we're the real punk they punk. have to they, yeah they have to have somewhere to vent and a lot of this let's face it it is going to be these edgy memes it's going to be a lot of sneeding a lot of feeding speaking of which please need the super chats but oh, uh, by the way, Remzo's back yes the yes there. but geo uh go for it let me know what you think wait grace didn't finish though Oh, oh yeah, no. I mean, I, I think I think what Love's saying is really accurate mm -hmm. that you that based does have this connotation of you know being very in your face and very brash and sometimes very crass, right? You know, it's it's as was mentioned before, it has this uh, origin point in freebasing. Uh, you know, so originally, like saying someone was based meant they were acting like they were high on cocaine, um, just that they were you know acting very erratic and crazy and aggressive. And, you know, that can be like, you're crazy. It can be dismissive work and be like, man, you're crazy. Like, wow. Like, you know, almost like admiration. Like, you don't care what anybody thinks about you. And I think that there is this desire to be contrarian for its own sake that can eventually lead you to some very dark places where you're like, yeah. Mussolini was good, actually. Like, <laughs> well, he was good, actually. That's not, that's not a debate. <laughs> well, oh, um, I think the problem... Um, the, the problem is, okay, do you know there's some certain bread tubers, and they'll never come on the show, by the way. That's we've tried. It never works. Uh, there's that one guy, what's his name, Innuendo something, who had this video about the basically started the meme of the radicalization 
pipeline, right? Uh, the problem is that they their claim is that if you use ironic memes like based or or Giga Chad or you know Gamerhead yes, which are all derivative of the same sentiment that Grayson was outlining, the, then oh well that's going to lead you to becoming like a um, you know reading James Mason Siege or whatever. Uh, I think like the problem is that you have in terms of the genealogy of like the alt right quote unquote, which I think is largely a dead movement, is that. You have like the ideas certainly have diffused to the broader right wing in general to the point where even like the most mainstream of figures, even if it's, you know, let's face it, even if it's just Tucker Carlson, we'll talk about things like, well, maybe, you know, if European civilization is like demographically replaced, maybe that's a bad idea. So, but when it comes to the alt-right proper, a lot of these accounts, they've sort of like cloistered themselves into like their own little fan base and they still have like some legitimacy among themselves and they're still like sort of kind of events around like um the one millennial woes thing is still like relevant but by and large these movements have themselves bifurcated into different factions and but the the thing is that when it comes to based is that or any meme of this caliber it tends to be shared among everybody and for example like Hannah here is saying, I'm going to graph my own ideology on it. But I think everyone graphs their own ideology onto meme culture, even if it's just like some leftoid on Twitter using like the gamer head. Yes. Even though it's like totally bereft of context and putting a wall of text on it, of course, which I mean, we could get into why there's the wall of text, but I do think that it is interesting when you start to like pull back and analyze, okay, how did this become a thing? Like, for example, I remember I'm old enough to remember when like, cuck was a big thing now nobody uses that term because it's like become so uh like facebook boomer conservative that it ceases to have any relevance and maybe in the future there will be some other term of endearment towards contrarian ideas to the norm i don't know but anyways uh who's next prudentialist or i don't know it might be a good idea to get hannah in as much yeah as can, yeah so yeah exactly yeah, she's yeah. short for time put her in okay yes. yeah, yeah there you go yeah, no, go ahead. I don't. I don't have a lot more to follow up mm. from that. So. Well, then I have a question for well, Hannah yeah. because uh, okay, here's What's the libertarian thing. Yeah, well, like, what, what do you think? Um, where do you think libertarianism, from your mm. definition, stands politically, though? Because I think the problem is that, especially among like I would say the blue check class, they still think that a lot hey, of no. like capitalist. Yeah. Well. <laughs> hey now, you, you're an all star. Good ones. Um, so they still have this, there's still this pervasive belief that libertarianism is like part of the right. But I think having been a libertarian a long time ago, I think that there was this massive split between like the Ron Paul people going to the alt-right and like libertarianism becoming something else. Like a lot of, there's a lot of right-wing critiques of capitalism nowadays is what I'm saying. So how would you view yourself? Do you view yourself on the right or as something entirely different than like the, the monolithic right and left? Yeah, so I come from the right. I was raised Republican. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm from the Deep South. So like I and I I don't know, it's hard for me to verbalize because I really dislike where the right is going. But I still do identify if I had to like go one directionally, I, I would say I'm a right leaning libertarian, which is funny because online, sometimes I get pegged as a left leaning libertarian. Other times it's right. Like, you know, you're truly in the middle when people can't even decide which kind of libertarian you are, I guess. Mm. Um, and I think libertarianism is fractured. I don't think that it has, I don't think it's a cohesive movement right now. I think you really do see 
um, one side that's kind of trying to be Republican light, sort of with the Mises caucus. And then I think you have kind of the left, which is somewhat the old guard, the think tank world that, um, especially during COVID, I don't think has been particularly consistent mm. on civil liberties and on private property rights, which would pertain to capitalism. <laughs> so it's, it's a hard place to be. For me, where I've ended up after a long time of actually getting public policies passed is uh, intending to really focus on that because that's where I think you get stuff done is focusing on public mm. policies, finding anybody you can who will come together on key issues and actually getting stuff done because I don't like either Democrat or Republican parties mm. where they're at, but I'm under no illusions that if the Libertarian Party were to gain power, that it would become just as corrupted mm. and would have just as much well, as many issues as the major two. Well, with the right specifically, what issues do you have with them as far as where you see them uh, going right now that you find troubling? Oh, yeah. Well, the first thing, I mean, when I started working in politics, I immediately just realized Republicans were not who they said they were. You know, I truly believed in limited government and individual liberty and free markets. And even before Trump, that was not something the GOP was actually voting for or standing for. So I always disagreed with mm. where they were on things like our foreign policy, although that mm. has gotten some. Yeah, well, better. the Warhawks seem to be out and the people who are more getting in are more of the populace. So the populace, yeah. do you have and do you have any problems with the way the populace are acting and the direction that they're yeah. headed? I have a lot of issues. Um, first and foremost, as uh, Gio just said, you know, they're turning against capitalism. Increasingly, they are just as big government in their ideology and in their solutions as the left. Um, I see that they are also working against things like immigration, which I think are a net positive for economies, and which I think are real civil liberty issues. I don't see them getting serious on things like policing, who are the people who are actually taking our rights and killing us in the streets. And I, I just don't really get anything from the GOP these days. I don't know what they're good for. They don't mm. cut spending. They don't actually limit regulations. They don't uphold civil liberty. So to me, they're sort of the worst of both worlds at this point. I don't know who's asking for a political party that is both big government when it comes to economics and big government when it comes to how you live your life. No, thank you. Well, with immigration, well, hold on, hold on, Gio, Gio. I gotta, I gotta say something here. This is very important. So with immigration, myself being an immigrant, I think immigration is important. But what I always say on the stream is that I value immigration when it comes to people being of the same, if not higher cultural level in terms of being able to assimilate to wherever they happen to be. That would be uh, where I would uh, draw the line in the sand here. I think the problem that a lot of people have just with the idea of like you know immigration like just bring people in for the sake of the economy is again going back to the idea of telos you know that aristotelian idea of the uh the inherent purpose and objective of a thing if the inherent purpose is just to make money and just to have freedom okay so let's say we have money and we have freedom what's next what do we do with this money and what do we do with this freedom which is why i think culture is a very important thing something that i think the the uh, um, more populistic elements have been focusing on. Of course, there's always extremes that, you know, people can uh, take with these things. But do you see how something like that is an important issue and is something that I think a lot of especially younger, very online people are concerned about and why they're finding at least just pure libertarian free market talk to be very empty when it comes to that idea of the telos or uh, Aristotelian final point? 
I think there's been a lot of fear mongering and I think that many people never meet those who are different than them and actually don't even know the immigrant communities they're talking about. I've gotten to spend a lot of time in them and I think they do work hard to assimilate and I think that there are things we could do to incentivize people who want to come here for the right reasons, who want to come here because they're fleeing dictatorships and socialism and all kinds of other evils and who would work harder to uphold American values than many Americans that I see day to day who are complacent and who are, you know, take for granted what we have in this country. And so those are the people I'd like to focus on getting here. And while I am very, very pro-immigration and probably uh, much more radical on that than other people on this call, I'm willing to compromise on these things. So if we can come together to find ways that we can increase immigration um, and that I think could create better assurances that we have the proper protocols for people to be able to assimilate and to uphold these values, I'm all in. Uh, let's see. Uh, Prudentialist, any thoughts there? All right, guys, I do have to run. I have another. All right. Hannah, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate your time. As you're leaving, I did want to to thank you for coming and thank you for the work you're doing. I, you know, we might have disagreements on big picture stuff, but I agree with you on a lot of the issues uh, on the granular level. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate the conversation. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's where I find myself being with a lot of libertarians. Like when they, like when people who I know who work for libertarian think tanks tell me the specific issues they're working on, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Um, just like well, as, you, an, as an all-encompassing ideology, though, I find yeah. it very, very lacking. I think like, oh, Prudential, so you go ahead. But mm-hmm. like really quickly, I think that the perception that I have, maybe it's just because I'm in an echo chamber, but I notice that when it comes to average people, I, I think that the opposite is true. A lot of people want a socially conservative and um, I know it's like a stupid label, but like fiscally liberal, whatever, left-wing um, order whether it's populism or not, I think, um, you know, as much as I hate him, as much as I beef on him, and I think I call him a gargoyle, but Richard Hanani actually did have a good article where he said that the problem is you have on the left, you have like a small cabal of people who, because they serve elite interests, get massified. But on the right, you have libertarians who actually get policy stuff done more or less, as opposed to the greater right wing. But because they're a relatively smaller group, in my opinion, relative to the mass vast majority of people that would vote Republican, they, they sort of are promoted out hand because they serve a certain interest. Whereas like someone, if you have like an explicit, like whoever that is, DeSantis or whoever, I don't know, um, I'm on the fence with that, to say, yes, we need a fiscally liberal and socially conservative rearrangement of the GOP. I think that would be immensely popular. I mean, I'm Canadian. It's never going to work here in Canada. Canada, we're we're, we're a lost nation, but uh, non-nation. Mm. Sorry. Well, ca- Canada is fiscally. You have a lot of thoughts in this. But Canada is fiscally there. liberal, though. Wouldn't you say that, Geo? Canada. Okay, you know what Canada is? Canada is if you would take Oregon and make it a country. That's what Canada is. It's basically the bluest of blue liberal <laughs> Democrats, but they because they hate America, but they love American Democrats. They have this like weird mm. passive aggression towards america where it's like we hate america we're not america but if like you know if Biden or bernie sanders pats us on the head then we love it right because mm. like for right. example can I, uh, can I jump in about yes. Canada real quick this yes. is why this and is then why i want to go to remzo this is why my theory is this is why i have the theory that the show letter kenny is a psyop i love letter kenny but it's like <laughs> set in, it's set in this like rural area of canada that would traditionally be like the most conservative part of the country and they all have like you know that like their way of like speaking and and acting is like coded to be very like 
what you would associate with right wing people. But, you know, when you look at their actual like beliefs, they all like just toe mm. the line completely with whatever the ideology is. Is, is that show related watched, to uh, is, 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 Kenny for that. is it? You give me an example. Of, is like, it related to uh, Kenny versus Spenny, by the way? No, <laughs> no, no, no. God, no. <laughs> God, no. Like Little Mosque on the Prairie was like that. But that was just like a diversity cheap pop. So they're all like a bunch of libs on Letterkenny. Is that the whole deal? They're like, well, like you have to like you have to like dig below the surface. But like you know, yeah, just like anytime like a social issue comes up, they're all just kind of offhand, just like oh yeah, of course, you know, like whatever the that's the, the talking exact, point is. That is what Canada is. It's crushing. Like even though you know they're all like oh you know going to have some beers and you know right right or right or snowmobiles and stuff you know like that mm. like that's yeah, kind of their exactly. thing. They're like they're Canadian rednecks, you know, but they're 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 totally yeah. like they've accepted the left's kind of cultural agenda completely. Be no, oh no, because I want to time you have mm -hmm. like a like the the truck convoy thing yes. anytime you have like an explicitly somewhat to the right movement it's gets coded as like america like for, for example <laughs> they're already saying that oh my god tomorrow is going to be the sixth times a billion all the trucks are going to explode or something i don't know um that's the whole process is because wow. we have such a tightly controlled cultural and media apparatus that it's just calm the images of thought are so powerful in Canada that like it's unreal. Like Americans, they will never be able to relate to this. By, by the way, look America. at this. Look at this comment over here from Hopper. Lev looks like a young Trotsky. I don't know. I don't see it. Rems, Remzo, do you see it? <laughs> I mean, Trotsky was a bad-looking guy. If we're gonna be honest. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he got all yeah. those dames. He got that uh, Mexican, he was, he uh, what, what's her name? Yeah, Frida. He, he had a nice train ride. It was all great. Yeah. Nice train ride. All right, so I want to get to Remzo about the uh, Telos question that I asked Hannah. I don't think I got a... Uh, uh, an answer to that particular question and i'm curious since you are the resident although i get, i'm half libertarian but you are the more full-on libertarian than i am let's say so regarding the hot dog with bitcoin one time there we go so regarding the teleological question here i think <laughs> this is the frustration of a lot of people where they look at libertarianism and they would agree that yeah maybe it wouldn't be bad to have a you know f open market and uh to have more freedom you know i don't want the government's boot on my neck but at the same time something's missing something's not quite right here is this all is it all there is you know just this consumerism and we see the degradation that's going on in certain parts of uh civilization just because we have the internet all the time and it's broadcast but it seems to be getting worse in terms of people talking about things like degeneracy here and there and what do you remzo think of that teleological question and do you do you feel my frustration that some of these things are missing from a lot of the things that libertarians talk about? And maybe they shouldn't talk about them. Maybe it's not their particular forte. But do you see why that's a problem with some people accepting more libertarian policies when those things are not addressed at all? You know, Lev, I think a lot of people are really stupid. And, um, you know, ever since I left... Washington, D.C. to come here to Wisconsin, I didn't realize how much of an echo chamber I had been in. And it wasn't just an online echo chamber. I think largely it stayed the same. It follows you everywhere because it's just a representation of you. But but it was a, it, it was a representation of people that were just severely disconnected from the general real politique. And um, I don't hear this being spoken a lot as much as I used to think I heard it. And that, that, that's very key right there. What do I think people are talking about versus what do I actually hear them talking about? And I, I, I think that was a big 
eye opener moment. You know, I, I want to answer your question by kind of answering something different, which is the the use of political labeling. Because I'll be quite honest, I didn't quite know whether based was a label or whether based was an action. I was just very confused because nobody really knew what it was. And that's why I think there's strength in what Hannah's doing. She took something that's popular and she's going to take it for herself and she's going to rebrand it because she sees it as something that has strength to it. So she's like, I might as well take the power play and take it. I mean, how many, you know, like American greatness, America first, MAGA, let's go Brandon. I mean, these are all things that, that come and go with the tide. I mean, I, I remember you know, when, when progressives used to call themselves liberals, now they almost never call themselves that anymore. But I want to talk about four people real fast. I want to talk about Ed Crane, the Koch brothers and um, Murray Rothbard. And I'll, I'll throw HL Mencken in there at the top. You know, HL Mencken was the first person to call himself a libertarian. And even as the broader liberty movement in the, you know, late fifties around the, you know, to the mid sixties, when the Goldwater era was happening, um, you know, they, they still, you know, these classical liberals, these Austrian economists and such, they, they were calling themselves libertarians, but only amongst each other because they realized it didn't quite matter to the world. So then when you have Ed Crane working with the Koch brothers and uh, they're trying to make, you know, these libertarian, these libertine ideas try and, you know, mass appeal it to folks, that's where you see the first split with Murray Rothbard. Marie Rothbard is like, no, you're, you're doing this all wrong. And uh, ultimately, when you actually read the arguments and everything, it never had anything to do with a, with, with a schism of ideology. It always had to come down to a schism of practice. And that's what formed the Mises Institute with Marie Rothbard. And, and libertarians have always kind of fallen into this. I, I wrote in my book, um, Stay Away from Libertarians, the libertarian schisms. It's this need to continually self-segregate. Well, you know, I'm an anarch- anarcho-syndicalist. I, I didn't even know what the hell that was. Everyone I knew who called themselves that was a jerk. So I was just like, I don't want anything to do with that. But I'm a, you know, I'm an anarcho-capitalist. Well, you know, I'm a small L libertarian. I'm a big L libertarian. I'm a conservative libertarian. It, it got to the point where it's like what, what I found, and I think this is a, a larger reflection of political movements it's the the people that care more about labels the people that care more about like these these political secular catechisms they put themselves through the more they care about that the less i realize that they actually impact the world because what i noticed was that when charles Koch actually stopped caring about whether or not people were libertarian he cared more about whether or not he was actually impacting um, legislation and laws through coalitioning and working with different people, that's when he realized, um, you know, if I care less about who I'm working with and what they believe, and I care more about issue per issue, how to get things done, um, this is this is how I'm going to do it. And I think, if anything, right now, within the libertarian community, uh, we transitioned from, you know, the argument over what is based, you know, some people are saying, well, it's just an excuse to be an asshole and everything, to what is now being considered post-libertarianism. And post-libertarianism is essentially this concept of the, the post-political moment. It's this idea that if the Ron Paul moment was really between 2008 to 2012, and that was the rebirth of the libertarian movement, then what we saw post-2016, I would say the real design point is 2020, not electorally wise, but because of what happened with the lockdowns of the pandemics and the crash of civil liberties and everything else. The post-libertarian moment got to the point where it's like, listen, we're not going to save the world because I think at least in my personal opinion, I don't think the natural state of man is one that seeks freedom anymore. I think man naturally seeks servitude and safety. So I don't think libertarianism is about saving the world at this point. I think if anything, if you identify as a libertarian, the most you could do is save yourself. But then the question is once you save yourself, 
what happens then and not and i'm not discounting no but i'm not discounting the saving of yourself as being something that's uh you know some kind of a lower position i'm saying that's a very important thing but the question is once you get your creature and comforts in check not specifically you remzo but pretty much anybody uh once they get their creature comforts in check once they're in a pretty good situation or once they do as much as they can to make sure they're in a good situation the question is is, then what what is the reason for me to live and i, I know think, it's a I very deep, a deep good, thing but this is what i'm yeah. kind of grasping at with the word based because uh, real quick i just want to say that one other thing that i think we missed when talking about the word based is that it's also a euphemism for grounded it's a euphemism for being grounded in something that's uh, I'd say, you know, like that whole quote about tradition is not the worship of ashes, preservation of fire, you know, grounded in something that's bigger than you, something that makes you grow as a result of being a part of it. That is something that I see based as uh, being, whether we're talking about following certain ancestral traditions, whether we're talking about reaching deeper into the heart of who you are and knowing thyself as that whole philosophical uh, term goes i think that that is something that could be you know brought together with the word base but what do you think yeah i i I agree with you for that but i think now we we need to ask the big question which is the people that are really you know that they're at that point in their life they care more about actual action because they have a network established and they know how to get things done and they're not having conversations like this like you know i've been in enough of the smoke-filled rooms during my days of a, you know, as a political operative and everything to remember that they never had these discussions. I've never, I, I, I can genuinely tell you, I've never been around politicians in private situations where amongst each other, whether they were with their allies or their enemies, they ever had deep philosophical discussions over how they identified. That was always something for the public. Maybe, maybe they and do I that at I, Bohemian Grove. No. I don't know. Listen, man, listen. I've I've made three oaths in my life to God, the army, and the Wu-Tang Clan. So I don't know about that. It almost seems kind of... It almost seems kind of... Yeah. That that they never talk philosophy? Bummer. Yeah. Not the Wu-Tang thing. No, No, but it almost seems kind of... Wu-Tang is life. It almost seems kind of pathetic, Remzo, that you would have these politicians like, uh, who's that guy that Alex Jones caught uh, when he interviewed him about Bohemian Grove? What's his name? He was the Clinton advisor. Oh, I know he he ran away and was like, "You have to make an appointment with me. You can't film me in public." David Gergen, that's it. David Gergen. Yes. That name in a minute. So when you I know with an agreement. <laughs> okay, so when I look at uh, that guy, what was the L God? <laughs> Who I look was at... he? What was the effigy? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Mo Mo Lock Mo Problems. That's what I always say. But when I look at uh, when I look at people like that, I don't see somebody who's that philosophically interested. I see somebody who may enjoy dressing up in funny outfits and parading around. But that is another thing that I think is lacking today. That our leadership does not have real legit mystery school traditions that they're a part of. So if you look at ancient Rome, for example, Remzo, or ancient Greece, what did they do? You know, they had Saturnalia. They had all kinds of different mystery school traditions that they were a part of. Today, it seems like they're phoning it in. If they do it, then they're phoning it in because nobody that I could take a look at right now in the political spectrum even comes close to a Marcus Aurelius or any one of these names. So I'm curious, Remzo, this is kind of shifting the conversation away, but I think it's still based in this particular topic. Why do you think it is that we aren't getting 
these Marcus Aurelius type figures or people who we would look back on, like Cicero, for example, people of that ilk that we would look back on and praise as being the uh, foundations of their time. What do you think is going on there? I, I would juxtapose you in saying that I, I believe they all have the same ideology, genuinely. What, you know, if we're talking about our elected officials, you know, whether, they call, whether they consider themselves conservative or liberal, I think it has to do with the pursuit of power. And, and I mean, you know, let's look at the United States, for example. You know, you, you always hear around the campaign season, let's remember what the founding fathers talked about and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we have new founding fathers, whether we like to admit it or not. It's FDR, LBJ, and, um, and, and uh, Wilson. I mean, Woodrow Wilson. So we've got those are our three founding fathers. And what, what did they go after? They went after a very, very hefty pursuit of power that aligned with their progressive goals. So I would say that, you know, in terms of the uh, the educated class, what they found is that, you know, it, it's like it's like whenever I used to interview economists and stuff like that, I would always ask them, it's like, why? If you know how the economy works and you're so good at finances and everything, why aren't you rich? I've never met a rich economist. And the only rich economists I've ever actually met were people like Stephen Moore, who became econ Fox News whores, where it became less about actually trying to advise based off principle and it became more advised based off who's writing the check. Those are the only rich economists because they're not putting out actual policy. They're, they're putting out propaganda depending on who's who's paying them. I mean, he went from from, uh, you know, from Ted Cruz to Donald Trump in less than a second, started changing his stance on border walls, spending and infrastructure and everything else. That's not the club for growth, Stephen Moore and people like that. But there are no rich economists. It's like, you know, there, there was an article at the American Conservative a while back. Um, it was uh, why, why writers make horrible politicians because there used to be. And I still think that, you know, the, in the conservative movement, there's kind of like this fetishization towards the, the columnist, the writer, the pundit. It's like this person knows it. This person has the feel for it and the drive for it. This person should be president. Those people are actually like the worst people to get involved. And it's not it doesn't come down to a character issue. It comes down to the fact that, you know, you get to the point where rough and tumble ideology ends when actual action has to be taken because you don't get any takesy backsies when it comes to that. Mm. And uh, Grayson, what do you think of this? And I'm going to go to a prudentialist. Well, uh, Ramsey, yeah, thanks for. I'm glad you were here. I'm glad you're here, and I really appreciated everything you said. I think that there I is. I put pants on for this. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, wow. You didn't have to. I know, but I did. Okay. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely something in the idea of it being all centered around the pursuit of power. And I think that you can connect that back to the idea of being based as speaking truth to power. Um, I had this real kind of, you know, schizoid uh, epiphany as I was as I was listening, which is that I think being based is a deeply uh, Judeo-Christian concept. And what I mean by that is that why would you want to identify yourself with a crackhead acting crazy on the street? Um, that is that is sort of by definition, the most you know marginal figure you could identify yourself with. Right. But it goes back to this idea, right? I mean, like, you wouldn't want to identify, you know, can you imagine someone in ancient Rome being like, oh, yeah, you're just like the, the beggar on the street, man. That's awesome. Like, hmm. well, no, we do, we do have, sense. well, no, we do have certain figures out there, like, uh, for example, uh, uh, who's that, the cynic philosopher? What, uh, uh, Zeno. Uh, 
Diogenes. Yeah, sorry. Diogenes, yeah. and not the Diogenes yeah. from that stream geo. You know who I'm talking about. But uh, well, this and, is. I mean, I think this is of one piece. You have you have kind of the uh, philosopher, uh, the dissident philosopher tradition in Athens. You have um, Diogenes as kind of the the strongest embodiment of it, but you have Socrates as well. And then you know, in Judaism, you have the prophetic tradition where you have all these people acting super crazy, um, being asked to like perform these very strange actions in order to kind of allegorize uh, the the current state of, of Israel or Judah. Um, and then, you know, with Christ, you kind of have the ultimate marginal figure becoming the ultimate center. Um, so I think there's something there in the idea of being based that kind of the most marginal figure or idea you can imagine has merit and value to it by its very nature, right? It's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like Rene Girard writes about where you know, kind of the the victim or the marginalized is placed at the center in in Christian and post Christian society, and that that explains so much of what's going on hmm. right now. Um, but but is and that's it just what the victim? Sorry, but is it just me, oh, go for sorry, it. Go for it. I, I, I was just coming. Yeah. Um, so I think that that explains also the tug of war over the term based, because what I think is kind of going on is you have, um, you know, I think the reason that them trying to use it struck a struck such a nerve with Sarbamari and Patrick Deneen and Adrian Vermeule and all these people is that um, there's this sense that the two kind of dominant ideologies, which as Remso was saying, are, you know, you could look at as two sides of the same coin being, being liberalism um, or being the pursuit of power, however you would want to have it, it was kind of progressivism and kind of right libertarianism, I guess. And these two kind of divide the world between them, right? Freedom in the boardroom, freedom in the bedroom. Um, and I think that when the reason people took offense at uh, Hannah and Brad calling their new site-based politics is that it was the center trying to appropriate the margin. But that's like the paradoxical thing in Christian and post-Christian society is that if you can appropriate the marginal identity, you've you've seized power in some way. And they're saying, you know like, no, we're the people on the margins, damn it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what I think is going to be interesting is, you know, in, in, in marketing, I'm probably screwing up the term, but it, it's like the two year test. If you can look at your own logo and company name and not feel kind of cringy when you look at it, it shows that you've got good longevity. I don't know if Based has that. And I'm not saying that as like, you know, a silent diss. I just genuinely don't know. I think this is one of those things where it's like they're really going to succeed because they'll, you know, and ultimately because they've owned it at this point, they have to continue to do that. The real test is going to be whether or not they stick with that or switch it for something else over time. But, I mean, I think that that's the very difficult thing. It's like how you had all these right-wing spinoff groups, PACs, publications, whatever. They were trying to take, you know, America First, MAGA, all this other stuff. And, and they're mostly gone now because – or they rebranded like half a dozen times because when, when you tie yourself to a moment, you divorce yourself from, you know, all the future possibility that can come with that when you do that. And that can be the same about anything. But I mean, that that was my only personally as, as a as a as a digital marketer. That was just my thing. It's like, can they take this very, you know, off kilter political jargon word? And can they one, can they own it themselves? Can they make a fixed brand ideology behind it? And two, will they pass that longevity that comes with it? Well, I do think well, based is on its way out, but there is this weird thing where you do see certain terms that originate in kind of fringe cultures making their way up to the highest echelons, right? You have like 
like being canceled was something that originated in like you know caddy twitter fights like you know oh so and so is canceled like this this guy yeah. stood me up for our tinder date so he's canceled right like but once it gets to the mainstream doesn't it die isn't that yeah, exactly. the natural well, now cycle there's like now there's like you know uh prestigious think tanks having symposia about cancel culture and you know there's french academics talking about le woke coming to to destroy their society like it's mm. it's insane and yeah woke you know woke comes from a a fringe culture as well. Yeah, so. yawn. Uh, you know, yeah. now I, I want to hear from Prudentialists because some people have been saying, Prudentialists, are you asleep or are you charging yeah. your power level? And also, look, Prudentialists, I, your face has already been seen on a different stream. I wonder, could you reveal your... There we go. Look oh. at that. Everybody is on Holy camera shit. now. Everybody... I always thought you were black. <laughs> Everybody Maybe subscribe. Everybody subscribe right now for Prudentialist <laughs> and his wonderful mustache uh, and his beautiful sweater. I love your sweater, Prudentialist. Well, thanks. Um, but no, one so of us has there. to shave. <laughs> well, we, we, yeah, uh, at we least, all, at least I know. he's not talking about pillaging and just uh, see. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, well, no. So like, it goes. I'll, I'll start from the back, right before Hannah left, and I'll try and bring it up to here. I think that one of the biggest issues with it is, is that it is also a generational issue because if there's any proof of the last 26 years, so my lifetime. Is, is that you've had a generation and probably two now that have been raised almost entirely online and their politics are online. Um, we've seen over the last 60 years, single parent households go up, you know, school quality has decreased. And so people turn to the online sphere for a sense of parenthood. That's why you have channels like um, How to Dad or Dad, How Do I Have Over a Million Subs? There's these vital advice that they're not getting. And so you have this whole generation and a half of people that are completely deracinated. And that's why you do get the whole problem of digital deracination. People are overly online. And that's why a lot of people kind of struck a nerve when this word was being used. I think that the word is probably on its way out because I think in the same way that like um, conservative is out. Uh, you know, notice how like the progressives aren't using liberal or woke anymore. Um, yeah. It's an aspect of identity and especially with like the niche part of it all. I mean, for goodness sakes, um, you know, Martyr Maid on Twitter had his whole thread reviewed on Tucker Carlson. Aaron McIntyre had his whole like Twitter joke put on Tucker Carlson just last night. Of course, the fringes come to the online sphere. I don't think they're necessarily dead, though. I just think that the left and right, to use those terms loosely, have different ways of mimetics. The right jokes and says, like, oh, the left can't meme, but the left's memes are, you know, diversity is our strength, you know, things like that, that have now allowed Tumblr users from 10 years ago to now have their language appropriated and used as, like, the national gender strategy, according to Kamala Harris. So there's some things there that has how the fringe comes to about it, but the right fringe never gets anywhere. Because I think in some ways it, that the left is now experiencing, it gets gatekept. The RNC changes its rules during the 2012 convention to have some screwery and skullbuggery with Ron Paul, just in the same way that we miraculously see all of the moderate candidates in the 2020 Democratic primary cancel right before Super Tuesday. So the vote is flipped progressively between Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. There's an issue of gatekeeping. And I think that if anything with our politics, especially because you do have people in the heartland or people who aren't in the DC circle, they get so concerned and they'll wave their let's go Brandon flags because they do feel like they've got nothing else going for them. And I, I work in local areas. I talk to my local GOP and we talk about local issues and policy because I think that matters. People have the most power geographically close to them. But I think it was Garrett Garrett that said it best that, you know, the revolution's come and gone. Like, Remesso's right. Like FDR, Wilson, and the rest of them, that's what happened. He wrote about it in 38. Um, Burnham wrote about it in 1941. And like that's people are finally kind of coming to terms with that, that the revolution was, it did pass us. And uh, you're, we're seeing such this reaction and everyone's pulling in 10 different directions about it. And whether it's going to be post-liberal, post-libertarian, post-Christian, whatever it may be, is 
kind of, I think, we're the point in time where we are because people are realizing whether you're overly online or you're working in traditional spaces, that there is a huge disconnect. Or even Mike Cernovich today was talking about polling, about how most people are afraid about what they say online getting them canceled versus household accidents, car pileups, you know, murder, getting robbed, you know, the basic, yeah, (laughs) the things that people would actually be scared about, right? And so I I think just to sort of wrap it all up here and back to the word in this sort of political moment is, is that we're in now a situation where people are sort of trying to figure out what comes next. Hmm. Um, I do think we're sort of in a transitory moment in our politics because you'll get people who are online or or, or, or sort of fringe. I, I, I try to avoid labels as well. I think the only realist I really like term I stick to is realist because I talk about foreign policy. But that is such a, an interesting moment, right? Is is that we're now in a spot where we, you know, what what comes next? The the sort of the MAGA America First movements either been co-opted or they've changed the brand a million times, and they're all in their niche communities. So there's no real organization. And you're now trying to talk to the next generation of voters and young men who are overly online, who find no aspect of real world friendships. And how do you bring those people to care about anything when they've been, I think, in a lot of ways, just blackpilled on the entire political situation where they feel like they haven't had power for decades? That's a much better way of saying what I was saying earlier, uh, which uh, Gio found to be uh, insulting towards the audience. But guys, I did not mean it in an insulting way. I'm just saying some of you are, you know, grasping for a leadership figure, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you get uh, laid, Lev. You get laid. <laughs> all right. Well, whatever. Uh, there's a tweet by Andrew Sullivan uh, that I retweeted today by a 48. No, come on, Gio. This is what it's all about. We want to get a, We got to get him on the show. All right. Oh, Andrew God, Sullivan. No, BTR. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Grayson. Really. Grayson, God. help, help God. us out here. So, OK. So here's the tweet. By a 48 to 27 margin, respondents under 30 agree that, quote, my fear of losing my job or reputation due to something I said or posted online is a justified price to pay to protect historically disadvantaged groups. Let that sink in. So that's, <laughs> I like how Remzo is letting it sink in. So this is something that we're dealing with right now. And the question is, where do we go from here as far as, are we imagining a future where these are going to be the people who are going to be ruling over us? But are they, if they're saying things like that, are they secretly Machiavellian, some of them? Do they know what this game is? Or have they just been cucked spiritually so much that they're actually going to be a pushover to get rid of and uh, put somebody else in power who would be uh, opposed to a lot of these uh, leftist policies. So what do you guys think? And I know, let's go with uh, Remzo first. I, I, I mean, I have to, I have to say like, this is a me opinion because, you know, in, in, in my post-libertarian journey i've had to do a lot of reevaluation, and i mean you know i think i think hannah was slightly pointing a certain direction when it came to people who have a different stance on immigration and i want to bring this up with like you know i'm the product of two parents that weren't born in the united states i grew up in a border town in arizona um and i've tried and i've lived and traveled around the world and i i think that uh you know mass immigration just for the sake of it and constantly using jobs and workforce participation as the excuse is wrong 
because what ends up happening is that we, we need to realize is that as much as there's a, a logical side of humans, there's also a faith side. There's a different side to us. Like we're complicated beings. And, and with that said, I mean, I don't think that economies are just self-sustaining markets that trade and exchange. I, I think that, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're a product of civilization. They're a product of civil society. And that when you're bringing in people just for the sake of, you know, their, what they can give to you financially or what they can do for you uh, labor-wise, I think that not only dehumanizes them, but that's also an underhanded way of saying that I could find people who are willing to work at a more subhuman level than you can. And to deny that, I think, is wrong. Um, you know, I think that that's part of the the issue with, uh, you know, libertarians and the term globalism, because, you know, like five, six years ago, I would have considered myself a globalist in the sense of I want unilaterally free trade because, you know, when goods cross borders, soldiers won't. I still believe that to a large degree, but I don't believe in, you know, cutting your nose to spite your face. Well, it's also, I think, a question of uh, approach where a good economy and a good culture together would create something that would be, you know, very substantial, both in terms of having a high trust society and having good economy. So, for example, if you're in a situation which is the opposite of this, where you have all these ghettos and favelas and very undereducated uh, people everywhere, and at the same time, what do you find? You find that these kind of societies, they have these elites that are on the top. There are a few of them, and a lot of them don't go into business. A lot of them just go into government jobs, and they're just the default ruling class. That's not a system that I want to live under. But the yeah. opposite would be if you were to have, let's say, more people who would be better educated and have the same kind of uh, cultural ideals to yearn for, and not only yearn for, but actually be able to deliver on those. And then what I think you'll find is you're not going to have, I mean, this may be just too transhumanist idealistic uh, of me, but I think we're already seeing it in places like South Korea, where the amount of robotics that goes into the production of various products has increased, uh, I don't know how many fold, but it's quite a it's quite a thing to behold. And not that they don't have their own problems there in South Korea, you know, emotionally as well with the culture that they're in, but uh, it's still something to look at and say, can we live the kind of life where we are going to have more things that are going to be automated, done by machines, that today are done by people, because we're going to have enough smart people out there to ensure that these things are actually going to run properly. And then maybe we can have different focuses on the society, maybe even going back to certain, I wouldn't say ideals, but certain things that people look back in the past and say, man, if only I could live like this, if only I could live without being clustered together around thousands of people, if only I could live growing my own food, you know, having a household, you know, but at the same time, not having the death during childbirth, at the same time, not having the looting and pillages that would have occurred when somebody invaded your village. So I think that's kind of the thing that people are trying to aim for. People are approaching it from different directions, but it's very rare to have somebody like you, uh, Remzo, speak about like the situation with immigration in the way that you did. And why do you think that is? Why do you think it's difficult to touch that third rail, not to the extent of saying, oh, I'm going to include this and this and this person because they look like so on and so forth, but for the reason you stated, which I think is, very, is a very valid and well, uh, critical difference there. Yeah, but don't you think there's always been like that sort of um, escape hatch for libertarians since like you know, 30 plus years now. I mean, since Hoppe and Heinland and so forth that you almost need like some form of an authoritarian structure over this like ideal libertarian society. Like, I think that, 
I, I think um, we always tend to reinvent I, I the think, wheel. I guess that's probably. I, I, what... I feel. I feel like you're you're accurate when when you say that, Gio. You're actually very accurate when it comes to it. And I think it was. Um, I, I'm, I'm probably getting it wrong. Somebody will correct me, but I don't know if it was uh, Ludwig von Mises or somebody else. But they basically said for us to reach like the pinnacle anarcho-capitalist voluntarist society, you would need a change in human evolution. Well, was it also Mises who said he actually thought like the British Empire was good? Uh, because it like enforced the free trade oh, I'll, over I'll, a large I'll, proportion I'll take of the it, I'll take it a step further. I mean, F.A. Hayek supported universal basic income. Even even Milton Friedman didn't go as far as that. I mean, I think it often gets put on him. But I mean, Milton Friedman puts for like a negative income tax. I think it gets to the point where libertarians start to realize that the feedback loop hits them a bit too hard. And that, you know, it, we're not going to make the world in our image. And I think that's part of like the individualist paradox. It's like we know how the world should be and why aren't more people like us. But I think that the real, like, you know, the, I'm going to use another term, the red pill moment is when you realize that you're, 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 you're not one of many, you're, you're, you're one of as many as you could find. And they're very rare in that regard. And I mean, going back to uh, what, what you were mentioning about automation, uh, Lev, I mean, that that's what really kind of freaked me out over the last couple of years. And I think the pandemic was good and bad in some ways because it showed how technology could be our friend, but how technology isn't sometimes. I mean, thanks to 2020, I mean, some people might disagree with me, but there's no more starving artists. Like the need in North America to provide like copywriters, graphic artists, programmers, people that usually, you know, worked in the areas where it was like your mom was saying, can you make money from that? <laughs> like you, you now have a more global audience, yeah. especially as like, you know, India and Africa as developing nations continue access to global markets. So, I mean, in, the, in America, if you were able to have those skills, well, 2020 accelerated that for you by almost a decade. Oh, but yeah. at the same well, time, you know, plenty I, of starving artists, though. There's, oh, yeah. I'm not saying you know, it completely. Yeah. Not, did, not me. Like, I'm selling my NFT. It's, it's super it's rare. A di- it's a different case you, now. But if, yeah, if I just finish real fast, thing. you know, like I mm-hmm. used to say that, you know, what, what would be a doomsday for feminism is when we could create robot women that could cook and fuck you. Like when that when that that's, day comes, and that's, uh, that's artificial be a big problem and artificial wombs, artificial wombs. That's oh, another that's big so one. terrible. <laughs> no, that's and, and artificial wombs. I just want to. I'm speaking directly to the audience. When they create artificial wombs, you are morally obligated to smash every single one you see. Yes, but Larry, yes. unless it's actively yeah. incubating a baby, then then you. Can. Oh, <laughs> I I have to go read Rad Fem Hitler tweets after that. Obviously, <laughs> um, no, I think that. Uh, it's it's really funny. Sorry, I'm getting distracted by some nonsense on Twitter. Uh, I think the problem is that there really is. I think the problem with libertarianism is that there's sort of like not a lot of appeal to like not just average people, but I think they don't really address the heart of like why the particular re- regime that we're living in, why it's so decrepit and sort of on its not even on its way out, but necessarily, but rather its ability to. Um, basically contort the lives of most people. I think the problem is that when you've given the sort of sources of power, the, the ability to do whatever they want more or less out of some sort of principle or whatever. I think that a lot of people left libertarian specifically libertarianism specifically for this. I mean, even, but, but nowadays I notice that the ex libertarians are sort of like going to this like weird, um, how shall I put it? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little bit confused. Are you talking like the pursuit of power or the acceptance that the state is inevitable? The, no, like the acceptance of like other forms of deterritorialized sources of power other than just the state. 
Pretend I, mean, I was educated like in the American public education system. <laughs> yeah, like that's the problem. But but then I noticed like the people that were libertarians who have gone to the alt right, a lot of them now they're sort of like in this weird position. Like I mean, Richard Spencer is like the biggest uh, example of like you know Biden's doing a great job, and uh, I don't know. I mean, well, I I also learned today, love, that Greg Johnson of Countercurrents shares the same opinions on the Russia Ukraine situation as you, my friend. So. I wonder, maybe we could have Greg Johnson on in the whole Inter Interesting. Talk about I, well, that. I, I want to also get some actual Ukrainians uh, who are there to, who knows, maybe Lord Miles is going to show up surprisingly. He's, he's is he going up, there? He's going he is, there, yeah. Can I jump in? I wanted to have Go for some it. thoughts in response yeah. to, to Remzo and the Prudential. Oh, and before that, that, before that, I also want to say that we are going to have a Twitter space after this part of it concludes, you're all welcome to go in there, whoever wants. And Orrin McIntyre is going to be joining us for the Twitter space as well. Oh, yeah. So there awesome. we go. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So in response to Remso, uh, I did want to, like, kind of follow up on immigration because that's something that I'm, like, really in flux on. Um, like, I can definitely see ways in which immigration is a net positive, especially economically. I think... I think in certain areas, high-skilled immigration is kind of a no-brainer. Like, you want to fix healthcare, can flood the zone with doctors. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I haven't, like, spent a ton of time in the immigrant community. I'm not going to pretend I have. But, like, the interactions I have had with immigrants, um, I've mostly come away incredibly impressed. Like, you know, I've met guys where they're like, yeah, I lived here for four years, and then I had enough money to, like, bring my wife and, and kids over. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like... I could never do that, you know? Um, and I also think that there's some sense in which, like people said Rome had a genius, right? Gen the, the genius of Rome was, was rulership to rule the world, right? Um, I think in some sense, the genius of America might be to kind of create a society in which everyone can become assimilated. And that's not to say that America has to just be this tabula rasa. Um, I think that there's nothing wrong with saying like America has certain founding principles and those founding principles are in many ways derivative of European civilization. Um, I'm totally fine with having, you know, an elite kind of based on that ideology that remains static, that is itself kind of very multiracial. Um, but that's just kind of where I'm at on immigration in terms of like, you know, letting con like caravans of people cross the border, like, Hell no. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people. And will. also, sorry, sorry I can I just, to... yeah, oh, I just ahead, want to just yeah. And I, and I also think that like, you know, when, when people do come in, there has to be the sense, like it's a privilege, not a right that you're here. Like you jaywalk, you smoke a joint, you, you know, get a domestic battery charge. Like you are on the next plane home type thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the issue is, and I, I never like to call, I never like to refer to like mass groups because, you know, it's like the whole Latinx argument. I always thought that was dumb as hell. Latinx. Um, yeah, Latinx. <laughs> but, Latinx, it, it, like you Queenx. know, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the issue that you have sometimes is that I think a lot of people um, tend to think of, you know, the, the immigrant community in one or two camps, either they're just, you know, robbing the welfare state of your hard earned tax dollars. And then the other one is that everyone coming over is a lawyer. You know, I think I think we just need to accept that, you know, it, it's not a black or white issue and it is more nuanced. I mean, you know, I, at one point I looked at New Zealand years ago as a possible place to go move. And uh, oh, I mean, the immigration does that. Bullet. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> but, talk about a long station. Oh, right I was, there. I was sweating bullets later. I'm like, thank God it didn't work out. Mommy but, drama. Um, have, <laughs> you know. But, you know, it's um, like the, the, the standards to get into the, uh, you know, hyper 
um, you know, the, the hyper multicultural progressive haven of New Zealand is so freaking difficult. Mm-hmm. Like it is, and they take in very few people a year. And I yeah. mean, they, they have the right to do that as a country. And I think, you know, we just need to accept that, you know, the immigration argument should never be distilled as to whether or not they're going to kill everyone or they're your messiahs. I think that's that that's largely been a propagandized argument. But but to kind of move it a little bit forward, I mean, you know, Prudentialist was talking about this and uh, Grace and you, you did touch on this as well. It's this idea of, you know, we, we can't get off the grid. And Gio, you mentioned, you know, like we're never going to be able to go back in time and, you know, grow our own cabbages and live in the woods. I, I think the future and I think libertarians are going to be some of the people that are going to be most publicly visible when it comes to this, because to answer your question, I think libertarians maybe, you know, misconstrued or don't understand certain things or have not come to terms with certain things. But I think the one thing that we'll always get right is that, you know, we, we, we don't believe that our history started with the last election, like a majority of, you know, the, the world voting populace, if they're lucky enough to vote. I think that we understand that human nature is, is that people work in their natural interest and that the natural state of man is one that is going to seek power. That's why power should be as limited and, you know, dispersed as possible. But, you know, I think uh, going back to the grid argument, the, the, the post-libertarian moment is identifying that there are no grids to run to. You can't escape. They'll find you. I think the key is to live on as many grids as possible. That's why, you know, I, I changed the whole format of my podcast and, you know, really the course of my career because I was very much in that political activist sphere. sphere. And what I realized was that I wasn't doing anything. I was too busy arguing about, you know, how I identify and these big esoteric arguments that people enjoy, but I wasn't benefiting people. That's why I help people. Um, you know, develop skills, develop active and passive streams of income, develop new ways of getting out of the system so they could take as much power that has been taken from them back because the world is global, whether we want to admit it or not. And if you could be somebody that has as many has as has as much capital, has as much you know options as possible, has as many skills as possible, not only will you never be starving, but you'll be able to escape a lot of situations that sadly a lot of people are going to have no options other than to comply or die. That is pretty dramatic when you say it like that, but uh, it may be the case, honestly, for a lot of people. I mean, I'll, are... I'll close with this real fast, Lev. Like, libertarians, you can't save the world. You might as well save yourself. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I will mind say... if, I, if, if I chime yeah. in on the, the immigration thing? Because I, I, I find it interesting. Sure, and then I had a question it, it, for you, actually, Prudential. Oh, go yeah. for it. Yes. Cool. Like, it's really, it is a nuanced oh. issue, and I, I agree with Remso entirely. I lived in El Paso for almost a decade, and you can tell that not only do you have like the Paisano issue of people who like say live in, in Ciudad Juarez and would come over to El Paso to work, but then you also had sort of this issue of identity because it is it's sort of its own enclave. Um, but conversations become about like assimilation, right? Is that well, how do you identify? It's usually Mexican first or El Pasoan first, and then maybe American later. And what I is like the real nasty side of it though is that you have people come over who genuinely want to work and like provide for their families and get a better opportunity because that opportunity is available to them. But you're also living in a in a city where the median household income is $23,000 and the city manager who has overseen God knows how much destruction of just proper mismanagement like of funds. Yeah, no, no. Well, it's like a mayor, but it's it, the mayor's more ceremonial, less power. The manager is more in charge of like the budget okay. and things like that. And he's, he makes like 400,000 a year. Um, and I like, I get it, right? Like government salaries, you're always going to enrich yourself, but at the same time, the situation in Juarez is not like great. You had a, a string of violence back in like 08, 09 through 09. It's recently seen an uptick war, more. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's only gotten worse, especially towards women. And so the, that issue becomes a problem. That acts as a pressure, and they recognize themselves as two communities. And then, of course, on the other side, you've got 
various bands and caravans, which we can't even dive into the question of like Catholic charities and who they get funded by. But it, it, it's complex because these are societies that want to come in and whatnot. But the assimilation question, I think, becomes really difficult because we want to have that, right? But at the same time, um, how do you encourage those values to exist where you have, like you said, Grace, and the, that sort of elite at the top that hold these like American-esque, you know, values that descend from European tradition that have this narrative. And to a lot of extent, in my opinion, a lot of that's been erased. I do think that sort of Christopher Caldwell's book about the 60s sort of reiterates that LBJ sort of mm. sets the course of history in 65. A age so of I think, entitlement. Yeah. So, I mean, the age, the age of entitlement, which I think kind of really makes it difficult for assimilation when we have so many different groups applying for things. We're, our policy in Ethiopia, right, where they're dealing with the, the Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam, for instance, has a lot of pressure about the whole Tigray Civil War. Because why? Because we have specific groups that aren't assimilated that are adhering to their own interests um, towards the White House. And I think that's what makes it such a complex issue is how do you foster that? How do you make sure that things are not dangerous? And at the same time, how can you ensure that whatever incentive we provide or whatever you know opportunities are available don't actually hurt where they come from while at the same time our, our own country? Well, at being yeah. on the border in El Paso, by the way, birthplace of uh, Eddie Guerrero, uh, where do you stand in the uh, Castizo futurism question, Prudentialist? No, <laughs> I, don't I think bring it up. <laughs> you're, yeah, okay. Um, my, my answer is short and simple. I do think that it's mainly an online thing. It was a great way to sort of have Twitter back and forth trolling with some of the more ethno-nationalist side. I, but at the same time, it feels like a very weird internet rehash of like um, people like... Um, Carl Rove saying that like Hispanics will eventually vote conservative. And ironically, that may be coming true. Who knows? Um, 2022 and 2024 will only be able yeah. to tell for us. But I, I find it to be very meme -y. And though, That's Grayson, the I know Grayson, right. Grayson, I have a question for Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, you've got uh, Adrian Vermeule's uh, Empire of Our Lady of Guadalupe, right? Along, along oh, God. Lines. Well, <laughs> you mentioned the Fed calves. I mean, that's what BAP calls them. But it is, it is kind of strange how a lot of those figures they've sort of like as of late have this like very weird approach to like quote unquote post-liberalism mm -hmm. and a lot of people like on me and Prudentialist side we like you know don't exactly trust them but it's just <laughs> well you go go ahead Grace. yeah sure I mean like to, to to kind of cap the immigration thing like I you know I don't think that like you know New Zealand or Switzerland or somewhere that doesn't that has stricter immigration controls is some evil like ethno-nationalist state because Again, I think that I think that it's totally reasonable for them to say like these, you know, these are our people and it's our job to kind of take care of them and ensure that they prosper. I just think that there's a sense in which the United States has some kind of genius as, um, you know, a, a place that can assimilate people from around the world. And that, you know, perhaps the best way forward is to find a way to follow that as kind of our national destiny without losing ourselves in the process. But anyway, um, so Prudentialist, you're, you're talking about things being being very online, uh, you know, the Castillo Futurism thing, which I'm not even familiar with. I guess I'm not. Don't, online. don't, don't, don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. it. No, um, <laughs> I'm I online don't, enough I don't have, I, By the way, I don't have any side on that issue. I'm friends with uh, people on both sides, except for this one uh, Finnish autistic person, but that's about it. Um, like, I'm online enough that I like vaguely know who BAP is and that he like posts a lot of homoerotic <laughs> Greek stuff, but like oh. I, I haven't read his book or anything. But uh, no, I think I think based is another example of something that's very online. Um, you know, I uh, you know we might be 
seeing it transition out of that in real time, you know, Probably. like, like you were talking about with, with being cucked, right? Like, I mean, on the show Brooklyn nine, nine, like one of the characters called another one a cuck. And I was like, well, okay. Like now we know like, that this, this has been over no for like now. at least a year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I like how yeah. stick still uses lame stream media. Cause he's kind of a boomer when it comes to that, but he embraces I, it. I like the, the rush Limbaugh, God rest his soul, uh, drive by media. We should bring that one back. Yeah. I think that one's a good one. Wait, why is it called was... drive by? Because they don't do any reporting and everything is kind of like, you know, yeah. gut reaction headlines. Mm. But, but Grayson, yeah. you said you had a question. Yeah, sure. Um, I want to just, yeah, I just kind of wanted to ask you about the idea of based being something that's very online and whether there's like a good side to that. Because on one hand, there's like this meme I saw where it was like, you know, a hundred years ago, you know, you'd have somebody in their town that's like, hey, I want to screw toasters. And everybody around them's like, hey, you're crazy. And they're like, yeah, maybe I am. And they live a normal life. And now it's like, hey, I want to have sex with toasters. And you find an online community of 10,000 people who want to have mm. sex with toasters and you end up being absolutely insane. Are you a, are you a Kids in the Hall fan by any chance, Grayson? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not familiar, but... Uh... The whole toast <laughs> fucking thing from... Uh, right Brain Candy. Great movie, Brain Candy. Look it up. Anyway. So, there's, so there is this sense in which being very online does like, you know, you see this with the dissociative identity disorder trend, right? Where it does kind of really uh, amplify these these incredibly deviant and harmful behaviors but at the same time like I do think there's something good for that I mean like you know if you're the only gay kid in your tiny town and you you know find people online you can talk to them you don't have anyone in real life and you don't kill yours you don't you know you don't KYS, thank you and so. thank you <laughs> and you don't KYS like that's that's a win I think right um you know you're alive still um but you know I was thinking about this with the base right like you know I grew up like you know, a kid going to going to church, going to Christian school, right? Um, and I now we're know, all the gay kids very... in small towns in the online right. <laughs> <laughs> I um... sure than you know, actually. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, I'm derailing you. <laughs> no, I, I, fine, I went to, I went fine. to Liberty University, and one time I was sitting next to a, a guy on the the. The, the tram bus that was taking Jerry's wife ever campuses. come on to you? I wish she did. <laughs> I wish she did. I don't want to work. I would love to be a kept side piece for her. But no, like this this guy was like, you know, part of the part of the young Republicans. And I thought he was just like, you know, a, a Jerry Falwell Jr. type. He was a worship major of all things. And he was on the <laughs> phone. Was... And I thought he, he was talking to like his wife or something because I knew he was in a relationship. So, you know, he hangs up and he's like, oh, sorry about that. And I'm like, oh, like, you know. Was, was that your girlfriend? He's like, no, that's my husband. And I was just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's oh, like a yeah, direction I didn't think it was going. Yeah. You I said know, young like... Republicans and my husband. That's kind of. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> no, that's part and parcel <laughs> of joining the young Republicans. I swear. Yeah. No, what do you think? Becky Falwell is a fox. I, I'm actually <laughs> offended. Oh, yeah. He didn't want to come on to me. <laughs> I, I she didn't want to Ronald you. She did as a professor. Uh, but I don't think I, don't think I would have wanted wait, oh, to see Jared yeah, Jr. Sure. in the corner staring at me. But <laughs> Grayson, Grace, I think you still had the, your question. Just pretend he's sure. out there, Rem. So. Yeah. Hardly um, he's breathing um, at me. So yeah. <laughs> so my just my question about like based being very online is like, do you think that there's anything good there? Because I don't know if I'd had the concept of being based when I was a kid, like it probably would have encouraged me. And you do see there's this movement that's like. Um, 
you know, a really strong trend in, in certain Christian circles of like big Eva, like evangelical uh, Christianity mm -hmm. in general, like drifting to the left just because they don't really have any resources to resist this idea of like, oh, come on, it's just about being nice. You know, it's just like our ideology is just common human decency, right? Like, you know, embrace CRT and all this other stuff because it's just human decency. Cut your kids and dick off. And like, and the response to that is like, you know, being is being based, right? Is is being like, yeah, no, LOL based, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the, well, the, the, the yes man meme, right? And it, I think it gives yeah. you a, a defense mechanism and it gives you a sense of like, no, I'm not just a weirdo. Like, I'm not just a loser. I'm not just a square. Like, I'm based. I do think it provides a certain sense of online identity. That, that's for sure. And it's a great way to almost, in a sense, counter virtue signal or anti-anti-virtue signal and let other people know that, you know, you disagree with what's considered to be paused or what's considered to be a part of this progressive, <laughs> woke, you know, woke mess that has sort of steamrolled most of society in, in very, the, very the rapid gay, The global succession. American empire. Yeah, or, or what people call the, the big gay, the global American empire, right? And I, yeah, you're right. There's a lot, a lot to it because I think, especially in the last two years, with everything that's happened with the, the, you know, the virus and everything, if online communities definitely had saved a lot of people, and we, I, I'm a part of, a, you know, my own circles, and we all relish in the fact that we can all have these conversations and talk with one another. The issue, though, I think that has been a, a big conversation for a lot of us is that great, it's overly online. You can find a community, but that community is mainly online. Um, and which, you know, for many people who have opinions that may be considered outside of the, the norm or outside of the Overton window, it, people get worried about, you know, meeting in, in real life or that they're just happy to just type away and resign themselves to that location. There's always a Fed on the other side. Oh, yeah, there's always a, there's yeah. always a glowy on the other side. Heaven forbid you go meet somebody, right? I'm going to go meet Schizo Mutual, you know, 1247 with no real name on his Twitter account. This will be great. I'm going to become great for 14 And I already told him my name and address. It'll be fine. But the, the, the other yeah, the other side of the coin, however, I think, and this has been a conversation I've been having on my channel, I've been talking about with numerous other people, is, is how do you translate all this energy and how do you translate this sort of just digital deracination where you feel like you're going to, especially with younger people, where they will just speed run, so to speak, through every ideology or denomination <laughs> or religion. Yeah. And then they find themselves all burnt out because the zealotry of a convert is gone and they just find themselves this empty sort of black pill husk. And I've talked about it to the point where it, it requires older people, and I think even people my age or you know anyone older, to sort of invest and take stock in those young people who are looking at the world or modernity, and they find it to be this, you know, the, this Nietzschean abyss they're really tired of staring back at. And you have to invest your time to sort of teach them these skills and teach them how to do things. And so whether you're an automotive mechanic or you're like Remzo who wants to create multiple forms of passive income, I think it, it behooves us either as in, after we've saved ourselves, I think, at least in my perspective, I'm more community oriented and, and more church and small towny, I guess, where after you save yourself, I, I can't look at that and just say, all right, I'm good. I, I have to look at my fellow man and see who has a chance and, and to aid them. Because I think at the end, whatever comes next will require some form of community. And I don't think that that has to be just on every platform online. I think that also has to exist in the real. But how do you like, um, well, I wanted to ask about passive income, but I think like the fa it's fascinating what uh, Grayson, you brought up about the evangelicals. I think like, in some ways it's a good thing and in some ways it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing that the GOP will be robbed of like, well, maybe that is a good thing. What am I talking about? <laughs> You're Orthodox, right, Gio? 
No, I'm really Catholic, yeah, but... Jesus okay. Catholic. You just, look you, just look you just look orthodox. Well, speaking, okay, hold on. Speaking, speaking of Christianity yeah, yeah, denominations, I want to make an announcement. It is finally confirmed we have a guest tomorrow for the uh, great debate stream on whether... Oh. Some of you guys are not going to like this. On whether Christianity was created by the Roman elites. And this is going to be with, uh, with James Valiant. And who is debating James Valiant? It is uh, Lambda. Twitter at I am Lambda. He is an English Baptist uh, YouTuber. Lambda Bible Studies. I'm going to paste that one in as well. But also it may okay. be that... Grab is Lambda the one who did the stream with uh, Sargon of Akkad? Yes. That's, that's Mr. Luke. Yeah. Oh, that was excellent. And yeah, uh, wow. not only I gotta see that one. And not only do you have to look forward to that, but you're also gonna look forward to Graventus possibly appearing sometime oh, around the middle oh, as well. God. So so there oh. we go, fellas. It's going I'd to love be to pop into the uh, after hours room on that one. That's yeah, it's gonna be a very interesting experience. But I think um it's interesting that you mentioned of evangelicals. I think the first one was that Schaefer shell Schaefer shell, that uh Schaefer sellout who was talking about like um, oh, the conservatives are evil. It was like this thing in the Atlanticist, the Atlantic, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> and I think it's funny because I was reading this article about this thing in evangelical circles. It's primarily for women, of course, called Enneagram or something like that. I don't know. And it's like, oh, you know, the Enneagram. That is a, that is some real culty stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, are they trying if, to sell you like essential oils? I think no, it, it but is, no, but MLMs yeah. do MLMs do take on this weird evangelical like twist sometimes too. It's it's very strange. Like if you can get, I wanted to ask you like if you can get into it more. Like how do you see that the like landscape of evangelicalism in America is like changing towards like I guess maybe wokeification is a terrible word, but you know, but all, like as a Catholic myself, as a Mediterranean, this is like so alien to me, like just doctrinally, but also just like the the vibe of like American evangelical Protestantism and like, are they consciously trying to like lift themselves out of like, you know, Pat, um, Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, Chick-fil-A evangelicalism, or is it kind of like, uh, like, you know, pop country music type thing? Like, what is it? Like, what is this property of like a leftoid version of American evangelism? Like, I don't know. Well, I can't speak. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for like American evangelicalism just because I'm not an evangelical, right? Like I'm an, I'm an Anglican and I'm a, like a very high church Anglican. Like I consider myself an, an apostolic Christian rather than a Protestant. But um, uh, I think that there's... I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm like a full deep fried Baptist. So mm. I mean, hey. So, yeah. Have you noticed these um, trends, Rams? Well, oh, yeah, go ahead. Wait, how about... Yeah, how I mean, I just, I just wanted to say like, I feel like the, the trend generally is that, yeah, like you said, like they do have this strong association with, you know, Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, this type thing. Um, you know, and I think that what's happening is that partially it's just that they don't have a really strong intellectual tradition to draw on um well, and that the academy is so left-leaning um that you know if you want to kind of be intellectually rigorous and you don't and you're not willing to kind of draw on the the deeper intellectual traditions of kind of apostolic christianity then you know you're you are left with kind of left-leaning academia um but yeah, you, you've certainly seen, I think, like large evangelical uh, institutions in the U.S. become much more uh, accepting of critical race theory, for example. Um, and again, like I was saying before, I think a lot of it is just 
their success in branding their ideology as just common human decency. Yeah. I, I was um, I, I was a part of the United Methodist Church for like some time. And I mean, everything that you just brought up is why is like, um, you know, basically dead. Because yeah, I mean, they, they schism just recently, actually. They, they schism a few years ago, but it's still in effect. But, like, it, it's it's this really uncomfortable situation where you have people within the United Methodist Church that are saying the Black Lives Matter movement is, like, a continuation of, like, the New Testament and stuff Look, like this that. Is, this is hilarious, though. The, the BLM crowd in the United Methodist Church schismed with the conservatives uh, because at their annual synod, the conservatives outvoted the, the wokesters in the, U, in the UMC. And the reason they were able to do that is because the UMC has, uh, I think they're called conferences, not dioceses, mm -hmm. but they have several conferences in Africa. And so the, the conservative <laughs> Methodists, oh, this is amazing. Please. The conservative Methodists are Why are you saying that? You are going to hell. Yeah, they're a minority in the U.S. But if you, combine, yeah, yeah, if you combine the conservative United Methodist minority in the U.S. with the African ones, they can outvote the, the libs in the U.S. So the, 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 so the BLM Methodists schismed with the black Methodists because the African Methodists were too Against big. Against BLM. We need you gone in future. <laughs> oh God, God bless them. The, the joke is that you're going to have um, uh, black missionaries from Africa come and preach to the white United Methodists. Why are you going to hell? <laughs> Why I you can't wait this? to hear what the enemy racists have to say about that. <laughs> but that uh, actually, well, that actually happened I'm, one time in university. That was that was a good day. Okay. I, I, well, apparently, I mean, I'm black though, as an Italian. But that's neither <laughs> here nor there. I mean, kind, yeah, I mean, kind, kind of gets taken a step back. Like you know, when it comes to a lot of the issues of you know American evangelicalism and everything, I used to be very you know, cynical about it and stuff. And while there are definitely pros and cons to it, like I almost see it as like problems I'm happy to have because it means that people care. I mean, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the Protestant sector of American Christians, like it still largely outdoes, uh, you know, the Catholic and Orthodox churches and everything else. And while certain, you know, factions of it, like the United Methodists, for example, have lost like 10% in the last 20 years. You're seeing a lot more, um, you know, you know, Southern Baptist um, commissioned churches and others um, around that same ilk kind of pop up. And I think, um, you know, like, and I really do admire Jerry Falwell Sr. It's Jr. who I had a problem with, mainly because I'm upset his wife didn't hit on me. But, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, at least evidence of a struggle doesn't always mean that that's a forecast of a downfall. But I think, like, the cultural cache of, like, evangel evangelical, um, like, that particular... Do they even have Chick-fil-A in Canada? No, we don't. We have one, I think we have one in Toronto. Such an imaginary country. Yeah, I know. We we only have the biggest of box stores because literally everything is like neoliberal utilitarianism. Uh, mm. No, I think like the the sort of cultural image of the evangelical is still like the libs still have it as like their boogeyman of like, like I was watching, there is some YouTuber, some kind of like Luma something, I don't know, going after like Chick-fil-A and Tucker Carlson. It's like that's still, they have this like mid 90s early 2000s they're picture. fighting the silent majority that helped yeah. impeach bill clinton hmm. exactly yeah and so i think like the problem with like woke evangelicalism they're still gonna have to like contend with the fact that they're still largely like the boogeyman of like most american lives who say fuck you mom and dad and it's like i don't know i think it as as time goes on i mean maybe people will venture towards like 
more traditionalist Catholic SSPX or like even mm. Orthodoxy. Like I know there's a huge contingent of like Southern Baptists who've converted to Orthodoxy. The ortho- let, let, me, let me concede something. Yeah, let, yeah I mean, let, let me concede a point. Orthodoxy. Is, <laughs> um, I, I've largely <laughs> been, yeah, I mean, over the, over the last couple of years, primarily because of the pandemic and the response of American churches, um, you know, it, 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 it has pushed me personally as, as, as me, as Remzo, I, I've been, you know, fascinated more with, um, with, with, with the high church of the Anglican tradition. I've been looking heavily at, you know, Greek, Greek Orthodoxy and stuff like that. And I'm starting to understand why a lot of my peers at Liberty University at the time who grew up from a very, you know, Southern Baptist evangelical upbringing, why a lot of them did a hard turn towards Orthodoxy. And I think the issue that a lot of American evangelicals have is that is the issue that a lot of groups have, which is when does your history start? And I think with, uh, with with the church, you know, primarily from a Baptist view, you know, we, we talk about the Bible, we talk about those things, but it's like our history only started like yesterday, like last weekend at the recent potluck. But when you, when you divorce yourself from <laughs> at, the cookout. Lo- at the cookout, hey, man, listen, that's why I'll never stop. Like when they bring those green bean casseroles in, I'm a sucker. Oh. But, you know, it, it, when, when you look at, you know, some of these older churches in the Christian tradition, you know, like there's a sense of identity, there's a self of belonging, but there's also more reason behind action. Like a big, like a big issue that a lot of my, um, you know, Protestant, I'll, I'll talk wide, widely Protestant friends have, ironically, they're the ones that call themselves based a lot, is that they have, you know, just this giant opposition to like big cathedrals and big churches and beautiful pieces of art and things like that. And they even have problems with instances that are burned and stuff like that. They're like, Oh, this is too much. All you need is a shack and a country preacher and a guitar and you're good. But you know, but, but but it's like, you know, there's a reason, there's a reason why it was that way. It's because largely in Christian history, it was, it was a visual history that had to be communicated. And even in our day and age where literacy is higher and everything else and access to information is higher, that'll always be the most personal way to communicate history to somebody. And I think that's what is missing in a lot of um, the, the Protestant front, you know, especially amongst American evangelicals, is that we feel that we are divorced from a longer history. And I think that ties back to the definition of based as rooted, right? Where like... I think when you have, um, especially when you have a denomination that leans really hard on the idea of sola scriptura, of scripture alone, um, you know, you don't really have a, a, a history to draw on because you don't really need one. It's just you and your Bible, right? Um, and like, you know, on one hand, like you said, like that's just not workable because by that margin, like, you know, most of the Christians who ever lived were not reading their Bibles because they couldn't read. Yeah. Um, and they were doing the Mass in Latin. So even if they would be able to read, they wouldn't understand what was going on. Yeah. So I think I think that's part of the attraction of, of you know, traditional and, and high church uh, traditions in Christianity is this idea of being based, of being rooted in something larger and older and greater than yourself. Um, yeah. Because I think it gives you more resources to push back on all this, just uh, I think somebody on Twitter I saw called it just all this cultural malware that's getting bri- uh, beamed into your head all the time. Mm. But the question is still cultural about malware. Self- but the question is still about uh, self awareness. <laughs> where right where now, you I where I think that there is a certain a certain inherent feeling people have, like for example, when they see things like the drag queen story hour or or things of that ilk. There is, I think, a natural reaction that people have that hey, hold on a minute, something something might be kind of wrong here. What's going down? And I don't think that requires that much introspection to understand. At the same time, though, 
my only concern again with being based in the rooted sense of being part of something where traditionally like uh, you just said right now Grayson a lot of the people who are listening they were probably inspired visually by the beautiful architecture and the stained glass windows but at the same time I'm not sure how much they understood and also I don't know how self-aware they were of doing good for the sake of doing good as opposed to doing good because if I do this I'm gonna go to hell and I think that there is a distinction here yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's an aspect, I think, in, in uh, you know, Geo might disagree with me on this, but I think in medieval Catholicism, you do have this aspect of like using hell and using purgatory also to scare the peasants uh, is something that's that's present. Um, but to go back to um, the idea of being based as, you know, an online identity versus being uh, kind of rooted somewhere, what Prudentialist was saying, like, I think it might honestly be a good thing if based is reaching the end of its of its uh, life cycle as a as a cool very online meme. You know, I, I almost hope that it becomes as ubiquitous as as Cuck or Snowflake because I want it to I want it to belong to the people. I want mm. I want people to have this this word and this resource that they can use to push back against the the insanities of liquid modernity. And I think ultimately it does have to move offline because. You know, people, like you were saying, do need to log off and live their lives. Like I, you know, I live in, in the DC area, right? I'm like, very, I'm My plugged into the DC scene. <laughs> like I'm, I'm doing the DC thing. Right. But like, I want to have an exit date. Like you were saying, yeah. like you're saying credentials, like I want to eventually move somewhere else and, you know, do things with my hands, grow, a, have an actual yard, grow a garden, maybe run for city council, you know, so a warlord. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mad Max for uh, ra rating the local. CBS you need when you look at your friends in your network. You need to start really asking yourself who has like the most warlord potential, and you're gonna weed out a lot of distractions. It's like there was an Onion article a few years ago where it was like uh, back when the Onion was funny, where it was like, yeah, this is probably our most modestly priced living room set. Says man who would have been feared warlord. For <laughs> oh, years yeah, that was great. Or, or there was that comic with the guy who was uh, chasing the boar. Like Chuck Liddell a little bit. I have yeah. a friend who's like exactly that. Like he, he looks like like sitting at a desk. He looks like Mister Incredible. Like he's like six <laughs> yeah. foot seven and just like gigantic and is just like. Yeah, there, you know, I think that okay. uh, I think that this would be the best strategy for your firm moving forward. So, okay, so there, if we have, you need to be just like ripping think... people's spines out of their heads. You know? Oh, there are some people I think that if like they lived in like maybe the previous like few centuries, they could have been like, for example, Khabiba Negomaranov. He could probably have been an epic warlord. Like oh, the he's in charge regions. of Mongolia at that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah he's the he I mean, we still because have certain. It, we have the so, massive certain... discipline. Yeah. His, his winning record. The fact that he was he's a family man. Um. The like the man basically choked. This is the respect. He choked out Josh. What's his name? And he was mourning the death of his father. And Josh went back into consciousness and comforted him in the octagon <laughs> that to me is an epic warlord like incredible no uh, i'm not even joking uh, great to, to, if i could respond to grayson's point though geo because i think <laughs> that he's got an interesting an interesting point to make about having it for the people but i think that that requires grayson like an actual set definition which is why i think what hannah was saying is she wants to apply her own definition to it even though i vehemently disagree um, maybe as an online person, but also because I would disagree with things that she is proposing in terms of policy. But 
I think that you would have to apply a definition for it because this is an issue that I think for those that either come to church or who had stayed in a, in a particular denomination in faith have this issue for, especially for those who are online where they'll, they'll, and I don't, I don't want to use the word LARPy or being on like that, but it, it's a part of it where they'll say that there's something, but they don't uh, walk the walk, so to speak. And I think that you have a point there about maybe using the word based as in based or grounded in tradition. Uh, especially for the right, because a lot of people will say, oh, like, well, I want to be like X, Y, and Z. I want to join the church because they're like based and red pill. It's not like this evangelical shack that I'll see in my small town. And it's like, great. Here's this, the Philokalias, start reading, and then they automatically start getting uh, Yeah, you, you, I mean, you definitely have these, like, like you were, like, I think Gio was saying earlier, like, speed running, or was it you? Well, yeah, like, I, like, I mentioned Speed running yeah. through everything. Like, you have people like Zoomer Theosis who are just clearly, like, incredibly oh, immature. He makes, he makes us all look bad. On, he makes mm. us all look like, very strange. Like, yeah. well, I, I, I actually, I, I, uh, apologize to Zoomer Theosis. I think, uh, he was missing. Why would you do that? <laughs> well, <laughs> He's gonna. He's gonna. He's watching this right now. I bet he's yeah, gonna be on the Twitter spaces I after this. I misjudged him, and I think it, it is a good meme example. Although I would think that the other. Uh, nah, never mind. I'm not gonna start a, a beef. No, but, you, but, you know but I, who, I do think but, I get what you mean. Like it's yeah. kind of like people that. Um, I think a lot of young men in particular don't have a direction. They're sort of like speed running yeah. ideology. Well, when it when it when it um, comes to like religion and tradition, though, I yeah. think that like even if the online right or because I mean. There, there is Pascal would say there's some sort of God-shaped hole in them, and it's not always necessarily Christian because there's aspects of the right that are, are not within the the Overton window that have decided to go towards like ancestor worship or various forms of Indo-European pagan traditions, which of course gets the back and forth between even those fringes on the right itself between Christians and whatever it may have. But I think at the same time, right, is that there is this lingering call for what it is, and I think that Lev kind of mentioned at the very beginning about teleology. And I think that's one big thing that sort of separates in very broad sense, like the left and the right. And I'm sure there are people on other sides that may not have it. But having a good teleological grounding, I think, is something that needs to be a focus. And yeah, politicians are, out, are about power. But for the average Joe that wants to survive modernity or whatever you want to call it, having a good teleological grounding is what matters. And so when I'm on stream or I talk about what I want to do and the things I do in real life, I just say, listen, my goal for right now is to plant the vine and fig tree that my children will sit under and live in a world where they're not afraid. If I can accomplish that, I will die a happy man. Hell yeah, but man. you know, not, for everyone else, it, it, it can vary. And I think that's why so many people get attracted to the church or are attracted to these online communities. If you want the word base to be out there for everybody, it's going to have to have a pretty decent definition. But unfortunately, it's also probably going to piss mm. some people off. Like if Hannah wants to, to stick with that brand, so be it. But I mean, to a lot of people, whether it's online or the heartland voter who doesn't know what the word is, I mean, it, it'll be a, a marketing sell. And I think Remzo yeah. probably would know a thing or two about that. Well, yeah, as, well. Remzo, I, I as a can I, sorry, um, yeah, Remzo, I know you haven't said anything about it, but I wanted to circle back to something uh, Lev was saying. Um, like you mentioned people kind of having this visceral, like, oh, I don't know about this when they see Drag Queen Story Hour, right? And I actually wrote about this in my, my piece, The Battle for Base, that kind of like, uh, uh, sparked this discussion, which, you know, I, I thought like, you know, picture like the average, uh, you know, Joe Rogan listener, right? They're like, oh yeah, I don't like, you know, giving hormones to kids and I'm not so sure about this drag queen story hour stuff. Like this is a little crazy, but like at the end of the day, like what kind of philosophical resources do they have to really push back against that? And the answer's the answer's not much, really. I mean, if you're if you're kind of rooted in the classical liberal tradition of the idea that like the purpose of of society of the state and society is to kind of maximize individual freedom, like this is 
I, I've come more and more to the conclusion uh, that this is where you end up when you have that starting point. And hmm. that's why I think that you need the idea of being based. You need the idea of being rooted. Um, but it doesn't mean to take away bigger to push back against hmm. this because otherwise it's just going to be the conservatives in 20 years meme. Sure, but I here's where I would disagree. I don't think it means I don't think it means you have to take away classic liberalism. How I see classic li liberalism. Exactly hold on, Geo. Hold on, Geo. <laughs> let me let me get this out. This is important. So when I'm talking about classic liberalism, classic li liberalism to me is not a. It's not an end. It's not a means to the end being classic liberalism. It's just a means to at least have a kind of economic and social system where we're not going to kill each other. That's I, I mean, that's what go, it does. Yeah, I mean, if you go on my Twitter, like, you won't see any labels. Like, I used to put, like, libertarian or republican this or whatever, and it got to the point where it's like the, the label stopped mattering because I realized it's like I, I don't want to find identity in these really man-made secular constructs. I mean, mm. classical liberal, libertarian – you know, um, anarcho-futurist capitalist. It doesn't. It doesn't matter because, at the end of the day, those are just ways of mentally mapping out how you reach certain solutions. Yes. You know, mine would involve peace, voluntary action, nonviolence, communication, a method of exchange, value for value. But that's not my identity. I mean, my identity is Christian. My identity is American. My identity falls into other things exactly. that I, I have to lean on more. And I think, you know, and this is the problem with a lot of young men. I mean, I, I, I fell into kind of like a meme circle like a month ago. People were making fun of me, and it was genuinely funny because I started doing jujitsu during the summer. So eventually I, I reached peak podcaster, a podcaster. <laughs> guy who who you know talks about dope and also does jujitsu but it's like you know why did i go for that it's because i moved to a new area i didn't know anyone i wanted to work on these skills and i found a community that's good for me mentally spiritually and physically mm. and I, yeah, I, think I think when like, and you also you know, seek out haunted houses right i also do that really... too but you know choking people now has a great great yeah. benefit to your overall positive imagine choking out a ghost imagine how awesome that would be but a grayson using cosmic jujitsu for yes. that now lev but grayson was talking before about walking the walk right so you know who's really good at walking the walk the chinese get it walk uh, okay, fine. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. So I don't want to reward that behavior. With no, 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 no. But with but with the <laughs> with the Chinese though, you do have a sense of rootedness, even if they're living under co well co communism. You know, not exactly, but rooted within you know the stuff that happened during Mao, but also rooted Ali with all Baba the Alibabaism. Uh, yeah, Alibabaism, as well as I think some of the mindsets that prevailed during all the imperial times in China. I don't think that went away. I think that that sense of being ruled by an emperor is still there with a lot of Chinese people. You could say that they're also based in, for example, they're not going to have the drag queen story hour. They're not going to have, like, wasn't it uh, some policy recently where they did not allow certain groups like BTS because they're too effeminate? You know, yeah. like, people would yeah, point I mean, at they, they, they have this yeah. ban on, yeah, they have this ban on that they're trying to enforce on like effeminate men within the media and they're trying to enforce a, a limitation on uh, the amount of, of video games that children can play which honestly like i'm not super opposed to the idea of limiting you know uh, children's exposure to technology like yeah, my, my, -pop my, my joke whenever i talk to libertarians is i'm like uh you know I, I i used to work at a place where there was this this uh libertarian guy who was a scholar and his big thing was like how permissionless innovation in tech See is important because it's uh not that i'm aware of um, <laughs> uh, but 
his big thing was permissionless innovation in tech because that's why like America has all the great great uh, you know tech companies. And my response was always like, oh great, like the iPhone has four cameras now, and you know sixty percent of eleven year olds are addicted to porn. Maybe in ten years the iPhone will have eight cameras, and all the eleven year olds will be addicted to porn. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I think the problem. This is the problem, though. I think with um with like right wing cinephilia in some ways because there's people like. Um, I'm just making enemies. There's this one particular e-celebrity come off. of the uh, the uh, Castizo variety who uh, talks about how based uh, China is. And I think that there are a lot of based things that China does, like banning, uh, you know, K-pop and, and internet porn. <laughs> but I think the problem is that you're sort of ignoring the technocratic nature of a lot of these regimes like exactly is is the millions of abortions based is that the one child policy based i don't know i mean yeah, some people on the right would when, say so this is that, why I go, this is why i go know. crazy when russia like tries to like frame itself as like the last bastion of you know the western tradition or whatever like you know where, I kinda, when, when i don't know well, okay so i agree <laughs> with russia's, i agree with russia's critiques of the west like when russia's like oh the west is is decadent and horrible and and whatever right. like i'm like yes you're right but also, like Russia is not some like bastion of traditionalism. Russia has no, the highest abortion true. rate no. in Europe. Yeah. Russia has the highest abortion rate in and Europe. And not only that, but with the immigration yeah. from the various places, they have this policy where they would pay them to come in and to vote for, you know, the politicians. And also they allow all the Chechenians to do whatever they want to with the Russian women and nobody bats an eye because of their little contract. So it is far from being a based country in a lot of different ways. And I'm not going to go on the Russian terrain. Well, I'm not going to fall for your trap. Look, this, is your, this is your black and uh, African and blonde woman cuckold porn fantasy where you're like oh the chechens are violating the russian women and putin's allowing it to happen my god this is the alt-right talking about black Why are you this way? for you lev no, except this is Why actually real <laughs> oh is it true though about the chechen men and the women yes it is true geo yeah it but see well, I get. I guess. Yeah. In, in Greater Europe, of course, you have the might. Sorry, Prudentius, I cut you off with the. Oh no! What, what I was saying, though, I think was just that a lot of this, like, based Russia Cornuda, or, based, we say in or based China, is a lot of, I think, just some kind of form of like political escapism, where it's like, okay, yeah. things are pretty decadent in the West. Oh, these, like, you know, oh, Alexander Dugin's got like a really good critique of the West, or Vladimir Putin said some like quote unquote based things in an interview on Russia Today. And I and at the same time, like once again, like don't look at the man behind the curtain. And this is the same thing with China. I the, the funny thing about China, though, right, is that all right, we're going to ban effeminate men and we're going to limit their access to video games. We're going to keep sending all of our elites to American colleges where all of this woke shit is. So you know, it's only I think a matter of time to some degree <laughs> where that happens. But Imagine, like, those social credit, but like mm. woke or whatever. oh god! But I mean, it's coming here already, right? Mm. Um, but the oh. thing is, is that China and the in Russia to a greater extent, I think, from a geopolitical term, um, is what makes it different from say like the United States, especially, is, is that they view themselves as civilizational states. We often say that China has this uninterrupted five thousand year history. It's primarily a Bahan majority. Dugan, well, yeah, yeah, and you have to secure yourself as that civilizational state. Make yourself a middle kingdom. And that's, that's and that's saw. not true either, right? China's been conquered by so many different people. Well, and it's had, and it's had its conquerings, and it's had its and it's had its own various civil wars. Yeah. But this is how, this is the I view. Guess. This is this is the political formula that they operate on. Which is why we're also seeing the ethnic crackdowns inside China. We saw it with Tibet in the mid two thousands. We're now seeing it in the Zhejiang province. I mean, Russia views itself as a civilizational state, that divide between sort of Eastern and the rest of the, the, the steppes and the Urals. And that's what makes it so interesting is that, that you have these 
very complex societies that get looked at by usually geographically illiterate Americans that have no real sense of what on earth those parts of the world are like. And they're like, ah, yes, this is based. I want to go here. Mm. And it, it just makes for very bad discourse. Well, it's a, it's they're, a they're already generally the implying the uh, convoys being funded by Russia now. So there you go. That's... Oh, it's not, like not our, the not our favorite of the man of the Open Society Foundation? Okay. Yeah, ex no, but that's the other side of it is that there's like Russia is um, at the heart of everything. Russia is like the uh, grand uh, puppet master with Steve well, Bannon. Because and, we have uh, to read, because this is the only thing, right, that our like our elites know is, is that it, we everything has to be compared to Adolf Hitler and we have to avoid another Vietnam. And that's basically where yeah. we're at in this position. Yeah. And, and God forbid someone says something remotely realistic or otherwise they get sacked like that German Navy chief. Well, this like, is why I this is why it makes me laugh when like <laughs> this is something I've noticed on like Tucker Carlson recently is he'll just offhand be like, ah yes, Biden is just like this Ottoman Sultan from the 1600s who like yeah. was put in <laughs> place by the by the Queen Mother who was you know mentally ill, but they could puppet him just like mm. Biden's. I'm like, just I, I don't know, just like and, yes, please, more references yes. to just like obscure like history from and, and there is also don't just compare everything to like more and and there is also another thing and there is also another thing that I find that people uh, repeat time and time again when comparing to Russia and China, where they say, well, America's no better than Russia or China. They try to equate the two, and I think that that's a very unnuanced take on a lot of these things, and it is, I think, coming from more of a grass is greener on the other side type of deal. You, you know what you should watch, Lev? What? And uh, you, you're, of course, a co-patriot of his. There's this video from 2014, I forget, I think it could, not Brookings, what's the... Uh, the one that does uncommon knowledge. What is that institute? The libertarian one. Um, Cato. Cato. I think it was Cato or some other institute like that. Um, Mersheimer did this talk called, I believe, how Ukraine is an American problem, and he goes into basically how they're exploited the crisis to gerrymander the situation against Putin and to basically prevent Putin from cutting off the gas. Oh, into, I just, uh, I, I just watched that talk. It was 2015. 2015. Like, yes. It was right after 2015 Crimea. talk with the 2014 yeah. revolution you're talking about. Yeah. From Crimea. And, uh, well, Georgia was like, man, 2008, that's ancient history in internet yeah. time. That, that, but, that's Friedman's book that he references that, but yeah, Mearsheimer's yeah. lectures, 2015. I don't think it's, I don't well, know. I if read it's your Substack I can uh, I can take yeah, a look at it, top. but the the one thing I want to keep in mind with a lot of these things is I don't want people to have the sense that individual countries and the people within them have no sense of uh, have no sense of willpower. It's almost like the CIA is like this demiurge that is able to control all the things that go on in the world, and people can't come to their own decisions and end up changing things on a local level that end up spiraling out. And I'm not saying that there wouldn't be certain advantages that would be taken by CIA or by some other organization, you know, never let a good tragedy go to waste, like they say. But I think it's more complicated than just blaming uh, any kind of organization on puppet mastering every single global event that goes on. Well, Lev, now that we're on this topic, uh, what do you think about the... Uh, do, you, do you think America should pull out? And uh, what, what is... Uh, All right, no, I could, I could give you my take. I don't like I'd the fact that... I'd love to hear it. Yes, I don't like the fact that right now, and I haven't been following it as closely because of all the scheduling things as I would want to, but from what I'm able to see, I don't like this whole... 
putting out the military uh, as, you know, like testing out toys, things of that neocon nature. Rather, I think this is very simple, what, what should be done here. Take all the property, all the assets from the Russian oligarchs in Europe and the United States. Ship their kids back to Russia. Just take all their property. Take all their shit. Why? Because then the Russian oligarchs, as soon as that starts happening, they'll take Putin out themselves. Because that is where all their money is. I, no, well, but he's Putin too powerful for them. He yeah. rides bears. I basically gave you guys the answer to all of our problems right like, now. I don't know. No, he's I'm not. He's not. No, no, he's not. No, he depends. No, no, Geo. He depends on the oligarchs around him. If they so, sense that he is not good for them, then they're going to eat him alive, like the hyenas ate Uncle Scar at the end of Lion King. Sorry, spoilers. Incredibly, incredibly based film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I'm maybe, just saying. What was, that, what was that film where the lions were hunting yes. people? I don't remember. But basically, yeah, but basically one, Russia, yeah. Russia has so much resources in the West. They invest so much money into real estate, into all kinds of luxury goods here. All the kids of the oligarchs don't want to spend time in Russia at all. They'd rather live in the West. They have swanky apartments here, houses. Just take take that shit. Just take it. I heard me. that. Uh, I heard somewhere that all the NHL players that come over here from Russia, like Putin, just like personally gives them like a credit card that's just like no limit. <laughs> yeah, they can just party as much as they it's want just in the U.S. Them. After the salary caps, you know. Nah, Fuck, sure <laughs> Fuck you, Gary Batman. Fuck you. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah. You ruined hockey for Canadians. <laughs> Not that I particularly give a shit about Canada anymore, but um, Gary Bettman is a ghoul. He ruined hockey. They got rid of the goons, and as soon as you get rid of the goons, it was all over. Hockey, now they, they have the fucking Black Lives Matter salute. Uh, it's terrible. There's They take everything working class, and they destroy yeah. it. Hockey used to be the most working yeah. class sport. Next this, is why, wait, Gio, this is why you have to watch Letterkenny. Like, yeah. Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna hate wait, are, are, so puck, much, are Pug bunnies oh, still no. around? The thing, is, the thing is, it's like, it's a genuinely good show. Like, the writing is brilliant. It's hilarious. But just like, occasionally you get these little psyop moments where like, these... <laughs> These, oh, these you know, hardworking like, farmer these rural, guys are in an open marriage. Canadians who just like just like happen to agree with like every new idea yeah. of, the, of the of the trans lobby, you know. And and then there's like no other like um, re recourse to like geography, um, or like aesthetic or whatever affecting someone's. That's what Canada is. Here's a good example. For, finally, my one example I think when you were talking about having a base civilization. But uh, before we go back to Ukraine, I wanted to mention that Quebec. I think is the best example for this. And people have like in Canada, it's a big like cottage industry thing and like political science. Okay. Examine, I was going to say, like, please, please talk about Quebec. Quebec fascinates me and yes, I don't know enough about yeah. it. Yeah. But the thing is with Quebec is that um, if you want to observe a civilization, what you and Prudentius were saying, going completely Sorry, Gio, off. Do we want to, uh, Remso just said he has to leave in two minutes. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Do we want to give him like a, a closing statement? Yeah. Rem yeah, Remso, yeah, final ahead, Remso. words. Yeah, we should just take Canada. That would really unite a lot of Americans at this point. <laughs> it would, yeah. Uh, uh, great discussion. You know, I, I hope at the end of the day people enjoy this. But, um, you know, the, the, the most important thing in your life is taking back your own freedom, you know, seeking your own happiness in a way that's grounded in reality and grounded in things that, you know, give, give you a proper sense of identity other than just, um, you know, a lot of the craziness we've got. So appreciate it, guys. Take care.
Thank you, Remzo. Be sure to follow Remzo on at HeyRemzo on Twitter. Be sure to watch uh, Remzo's podcast on the run. And you also have a comics podcast as well. So be Second sure. Print Comics podcast if you need to laugh at something. There we go. Remzo, thank you so much, buddy. I love right. you have it coming on BTR, and I look forward to having you on again soon. All right. Take care, love. Take care, everyone. Take care. So we are Ciao. actually we are actually going to be switching it up right now into the uh, Twitter spaces, but it does not mean that this stream is over. This is this is how I decided to do it to just test it test out the waters here. I want to bring the YouTube people to Twitter. I want to bring the Twitter people into YouTube so they actually see this particular stream. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to open up my Android emulator. Here is the scheduled space. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to start this space. It's called What Does Based Mean to You? I mean, I oh guess we could... Oh, my God. Oh, boy. We could... Oh. Ah. We're have so much fun uh, deciding who gets to speak. There we go. <laughs> All right, I'm very I, excited for this. Yes, I'm inviting <laughs> the people right now. While I'm doing that, Geo, shout outs to the people in the chat. All right. I also still want to hear Geo's. Uh, it, it, what was Quebec based? We'll, yeah, we'll get to yeah. the Quebec question as well. In fact, maybe we're going to start start <laughs> with that. Quebec question. Okay, shout outs. We got uh, Red Sulfur Cafe. We got. Oh, thank God it's not White Sulfur. Oh my. Goodness. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of phosphorus. Um, Dunk eight. Chino, it's like Chino Marino from Deftones. Um, Dunkachino, like Dunkachino. Oh, there yeah. you go, Dunkachino. Stop, stop asking for my name. We got PCSS. We got Ruben Modwi, Modwi. As always, we got Alex Delarge. We got Titty Don. As always, on Canamanden, Canamanden. We got Oscar Toe. As always, we got Wide Rim, Wide Rim Hatcher. We got Matthew W. In fact, Dunkachino has a $2 super chat. Lev, can you you and Bard debate Logo and Pepe Escobar? First of all, who is Pepe Escobar? Secondly, Pepe Logo Le Pew never... and Pablo Escobar had a child. That's Pepe oh, Escobar. Wow. Well, well, Logo will never come back on the stream. So why not? Right. Why can't he come back? I, I, I would well, be welcome to him coming back. Why, why wouldn't he come back? Well, because he believes that Rene Gunyan was paid off by the CIA. That's why he'll never come back. Um, <laughs> we got Cyber Ninja Zero. We got Matthew W. Of course, we also have Matthew Stelp, but he had to go to bed because he's in England. Um, we got Jack Twist Twister. Effeminate men, no tiger penis to heal impotency. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got Botic. Botic. Uh, we got uh, Geo is a chew. Oh, get him out of here, engineer. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing a, a ghost bit. Um, Alex Alpine. Roger got all C and we finally got uh some acrylic name I can't understand. Um Hopper eight three three eight uh sorry eight three three eight the ABC one two three four five six seven three nine nine Chris Alton as always we got no name uh I said Titty Don um we got Webm Aristocrat as always we got uh oh my god you're punishing me with this name Dush good jokes by the way guys can you hear me let's see hello yeah. hello, hello we got dust you good i can't it's good i think he just randomly typed the keyboard to have his name we got moose mcgot mctrotter lisa boat 
Lisa Bode. Lisa uh, Bode. Seven Ninja Zero. And finally, we have um, Ronald Baker. Uh, who else do we have? Is that an exhaustive list or just a representative sample? Yeah, um, inter intersectional Arianist. Uh, yeah, finally, yes, yeah, so this is just the chat. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look at the new names. Intersectional Arianist, that's pretty cool. Um, why, yeah, Wide Room Hatcher. Um, well, yeah, I, I, I pretty much got everybody. Oh, thank God. It but works yeah, basically, now. Basically, the fact that you can go from a very base, like, religiously oriented people to, like, now if you don't have the sacrament, you can't go into a grocery store unless you're accompanied by a Janny. Bingo. Um, it's like, in a, in the span, like, the Quiet Revolution, I think it only took, like, 10 years or so. And it's very fascinating when you do study it. But unfortunately, like a lot of libs in Canadian academia, they basically have control over Quebec studies itself, especially in political science. So it's, yeah, it's not very good. Yeah, if you can recommend a good book for me on that, I'd be really interested to read more about it. But yeah, like as I understand it, kind of before the Quiet Revolution, so like up until the, the 1950s, early 1960s, um, Quebec had this like, almost integralist state where you had like a very minimal yes. government and then uh education and healthcare were almost entirely the purview of the catholic church and, yes very much so um you know like very quickly like you said things changed and you can point to certain things like there was uh you know there was a lot of economic growth following the, the quiet revolution but at the same time like within a few decades the birth rate dropped from like yeah, point eight to yeah. like one point four or something. Like, and if you know, once you drop below birth rate, it's like, how much? Did, how once you drop below replacement rate, like, how much do the other stats really matter? You know, exactly. Like your society like, can't sustain itself anymore. You know, very very <laughs> cringe. Quebec, uh, yeah, exactly. Quebec became like, like basically any like the nightmare of like the contemporary west in terms of like what the right wing thinks of like all of social malaise attacking it all at once and nowadays quebec is very um there's still some identitarians but unfortunately the quebec identitarian side of it is very much like more left wing than a lot of like euro nationalists like if you compare it to scotland or so forth because in quebec it's very much like a ghost dance around their own language because they really don't have the same um degree of cultural and religious and even ethnic cohesion that they once did and so for example when perizo said money in the ethnic vote he meant anglo canada basically colonizing quebec and so now they have this like, weird neurosis around the french language itself and of course like you know people in france they like thumb their nose down at Quebecois as like not being as being an inferior like dialect so it's like they have a very stark problem with their own like identity and surrounding issues of their own identity even more so than Anglo-Canada so yeah yeah Jack uh, Jack Kerouac interestingly was a Queb um you know he grew, yeah, he grew yeah. up in uh he grew up in in Lowell Massachusetts but in this in this community that was very much like a, a Quebecois colony and uh really grew up with like Quebecois Catholicism um, and, <laughs> you know, grew up speaking French as his first language. His birth name was Jean, um, like really. And, and that's a really fascinating kind of uh, thread to trace through his writing. 
Um, by the way, we yeah, have, uh, I, we're, we're here to talk about being based. Well, so before before the base question, though, before before the base question, we have uh, my friend Catherine Brodsky, who is Canadian as well. So before we move on to base to finalize any thoughts about Canada, what's going on with Canada, I would love to hear Catherine. I know this is kind of abrupt. If you are interested, though, you are more than welcome to uh, speak and let us know what you think about what's currently going on in Canada. Canadian about the uh, the truckers too. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Now, Catherine, she is in um, the uh, western side of Canada, so around Vancouver and so, I think. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, Catherine, I sent you the link. Again, this is very impromptu, so you may be, like, in the middle of something, and that's perfectly fine. But I want to throw it out there. You are welcome anytime. But anyway, right now, let's get to the base question while uh, whatever happens with Catherine happens. One day, one day she'll so, be in yeah. the middle of me cooking her a very nice <laughs> So, okay. All right. So what does, what does base mean to you? And before that, I wanted to get Oren's take on the cultural appropriation. If Oren, Oren, if you were going to be there with Miss Cox today on the stream, what would you have said? Now is your, uh, now is your time to shine, buddy. So uh, let us know. I think I sent him the request. Um, I, yeah. If not, Bob, can you send it to him? Yes, I send it to him, and by the way, all the people who are watching this who are just on Twitter and thinking, what is this, how can we know more about whatever this is? This is Break the Rules. It's on YouTube at BreakTheRules.tv. That's first. Second, you can go to bit.ly slash, oh, I see they cut it off a little bit here, BTR Odyssey. That's the full one. So bit.ly slash BTR Odyssey, that is going to bring you to the Odyssey recording of this is true oh it's minus 22 characters so here i'm gonna have to get rid of some but anyway you get the idea B uh we are on odyssey we are on youtube and we are currently live streaming this on youtube and odyssey right now so if you go to youtube subscribe add a like share it with your friends btr has to grow and it is going to grow with your help so that's all i wanted to say just to get that out of the way break the rules.tv patreon.com slash break the rules anyway uh let us go to yeah so Oren, i'm not sure what his situation is right now so let's go Catherine's accepted the speaker request so there we go you. Really, a quick chime in and then i'll i'll return to listening mode but mode is it mode i don't know Words don't compute anymore, but uh, <laughs> I, I missed, I don't know what you were talking about, but I know you mentioned the truckers, and the one thing that I thought was really interesting with the protest in Canada, uh, we had the truckers protest, we had uh, people in front, I know in different cities, and in large numbers, like thousands, there's pretty much almost zero reporting happening. So the media is kind of deciding what is worthy of talking about and what is not, and they don't want to, and they don't want to give attention to any of these um, displays. And uh, you know, and a lot of people that I know seem quite happy about that. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I mean, like, incredibly. Well, apparently pretty, they're but... they're funded according to some media. Like there is this Matt Gurney schizo thread today about how implying they're funded by russia and uh it's going to be like the sixth and <laughs> well you know well you know who they're actually funded by apparently the biggest donor is jagmeet singh's brother-in-law oh no nah, really no 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 yep. he's the leader of the ndp which is like the lib it's like the 
Bernie bro party in Canada, but like more for people who don't know who's who are American. Yeah, Jagmeet Singh, his brother in law. That's crazy. Yeah, his brother in law is the number one funder of the of the, um, <laughs> the GoFundMe for the trucker protest. Well, see, really? futurism is the future. My. <laughs> There you go. Well, very, very interesting indeed. But I will say, you know, I find that I find it just so kind of fascinating what's going on right now in terms of like finding out information about any of these things. And everyone sort of gets conflated to as like being anti-mandate is the same as being an anti-vaxxer. So even if you're like totally vaccinated and pro-vaccine. Um, so it's it's an interesting time. But I do, you know, the only way to sort of know what's going on around you is like, you know, social media accounts, maybe people's first person accounts. And the idea like that some things should be covered and should some should not for the greater good and sort of the media deciding what that is and what it is not. Uh, it's it's kind of, it's very sort of concerning to me. Um, I'll, I'll go back into the audience. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. But also people are requesting for uh, Kevin Michael Grace to uh, come, come on a BTR. That would be great if we did talk about Canadian politics, although it's kind of like would be boring for most people, but sure. he's like really, yeah, people are pointing out is that the Sikhs, they're disproportionately represented in trucking, especially around Ontario, Southern Ontario, where I'm from. Oh. So Sikh yeah, and you shall find, as they say. Well, it's crazy. A lot of these Sikhs, they come over, they wear cowboy hats and everything. It's, it's over amazing. Over the turbans or? No, yeah, with the turbans, they wear cowboy hats. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, uh, do, we want to, be do we want to jump into the... the average, uh, Anyway, yeah, yes, yeah yes. let's jump into the base question. I know that we have King Salmonfish waiting. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, Oren says that he did not get the speaker thing. This is really weird. I'm going to try one more time. I think this this has got to be the feds, you know, well, in you a, were, the channies I mean, and Facebook. You were glitching out when you tried to send it, so that could be a... So here, Oren McIntyre has been invited to speak. Let's see if that should work. If not, then request Oren, then we'll yeah, yes. get you on. Do yes. we want to... Do you want me to do like a quick little little sure. intro of like the article? Go for it. Yeah, talk about discussion. talk about yeah. your article. So Go for it. Just for anyone who wasn't on the stream, uh, what started this conversation was uh, there was a new website launched a few weeks ago called Based Politics, um, and it was launched by a pair of libertarian journalists named Brad Palumbo and Hannah Cox. We had Hannah on the stream earlier; she was great. Um, but this kicked off a whole fracas about the idea of what based means and which which kind of political community or ideology owns the word based um based typically being associated with kind of more of the new right space uh the the nationalist right the alt-right whatever you want to call it words words are arbitrary um but yeah we're just talking about what based means to you whether you have to be um kind of on the new right on the nationalist right whatever to be based and whether libertarianism can be based so with that, I'm not sure, Oren, if uh, you have the speaking opportunity or not. If if it's not there, just request it. I don't know why it is that uh, the Jannies and Twitter or whatever's going on with the system is not letting you speak. It's really, really weird. I don't think I have anything to do with that. I think it may be something in the settings. But uh, let's try, let's see, King Salmonfish. Let me try to bring you in here as well. Hold on one second. King Salmonfish, always interested Always interesting to hear from the great King Salmon Fish. And Oren, once again, let me know what's going on in the uh, in the settings there. 
like request to speak and let's see if that's gonna work yeah they're the bottom there's a mic icon that you can i uh message doran you could request to speak so i don't know what's going on here that's that's really weird i don't know that's uh, never happened before um so there's other people that i don't know but maybe if you want to take a risk, Lev, um, well, I know well, one of them follows me. Here's what here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna take a risk about 30 minutes in. We're gonna transition this to Odyssey only. It is very important that we promote the Odyssey channel, which you could find by just typing in bit.ly slash BTR Odyssey. That's O D uh, Y S E E. So you guys go there right now, go to the Odyssey. I'm going to bring up the Odyssey chat as well on the screen. So it's both YouTube and Odyssey. But again, if you guys, there are 40 people here. I'm sure not all 40 of you are subscribed to BreakTheRules.tv. So that's got to change right now. So subscribe to BreakTheRules.tv. That's the YouTube channel. Go there. This is simultaneously being streamed on YouTube, Odyssey, and all the other uh, networks as well. We we got to reach out everywhere. So, uh, yeah. You know what, Oren? Try this. Oren, try logging out of Twitter. Just, like, close the application and then come back That's in. what I do. I, I do, even yeah. refresh my phone. Yeah, yeah see, see see if that works. But King Salmonfish, we haven't heard from Good you yet. Good advice for so, everyone, honestly. Yes, honestly, yes. It's the, it's, the <laughs> new, it's the equivalent of have you tried plugging it, you know, plugging it out and plugging it back in. This is the uh, the new generation of that, if you will. But uh, King Salmonfish, go for it. Let me know what's on your mind. Oh, there we go. We got Orin. So, all right, let's see. In terms of the uh, right of way, let's go Orin first, then King Salmonfish. So, Orin, go for it, buddy. If uh, Miss Cox was in the room right now and we were talking about the base question with her, what would be some of uh, some of your thoughts? You are muted right now, Oren. Oh, Oren, he's here? Okay. Yeah, it's all good. All right, can go. you hear me now? Yeah. All right, I was trying to boomer tech this up as much as possible. All right. <laughs> By the way, Oren has achieved a milestone which few Anons have achieved. Here, oh, yeah. This tweet has been featured on Tucker Carlson Live. Mm. Round of applause for Oren, honestly. Man, that's amazing. Yeah, no, that was pretty surreal. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah no i was listening to to the uh the stream on the way back and i i mean i think it's pretty simple from from what i heard from her when she was talking it sounded like she wasn't familiar with the term really or what it was connected to and just heard some people in libertarian circles using it and then said okay well i'm going to turn this into what i want it to be i mean that, that pretty i mean she pretty much said that out loud right is i'm gonna i'm gonna imbue this with my own kind of ideology and, and just take the term as i understand it right that's what you're saying uh more or less, more or I mean, less I yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so i mean there's not really more to say there i feel like it's pretty pretty straight out. i'm gonna take a term i don't understand that i'm not familiar with I hear it's hip with the kids these days. <laughs> um, no, but specifically hip with the kids. I think the uh, the thing that uh, I found to be not weird, but just to show that there is a disconnect here, is she equated the term specifically, and I asked her this, with members of the quote-unquote alt-right, even though this term, I mean, just like Peppy the Frog, you know, it's been something that I wouldn't say has spread everywhere, 
it's been something that's specifically been spread throughout the very online culture of digital, you know, uh, troublemaking, uh, you know, uh, fun having uh, youthful people, sometimes youthful at heart. But the idea being is that these would have been whichever young miscreants would have been, you know, you kids get off my property back in the day. This is just the equivalent of that, but in an online sphere. At least that's the way yeah, that I, I see it. To, I wanted to ask. I actually wanted to ask Oren, like, what is what do you think alt right means? Is that like even a useful term anymore? I feel like it isn't. Yeah, I mean, I, are are dare you traveling back to 2016? I don't, you know, like what you know, it, it's whatever yeah, exactly. that like, was. Is, is Jordan Peterson alt right? Jordan Peterson's like largely a classical liberal. I mean, yeah, you have to remember that when that term first came out, you had people like uh, Cernovich and Paul Joseph Watson using it because what they were trying to describe was. Uh, you know, people who were no, who were not part of the mainstream, but could be identified as as politically right. People who wanted to be outside of kind of the Bush era version of the right wing, but uh, but would certainly would land somewhere in you know something beyond the conservative circle, but something definitely on the right. And really, that term then kind of uh, died because it got attached to. Obviously, the more ethno-nationalist part of what that was, yeah, and so because of that, uh, basically they all had to like go back and renounce the term that they had been using uh, because it, it got associated with something that they really didn't, I think, initially intend for them to, to use it with. And so at, at this point, I don't think even people who would have been, you know, legitimately part of that movement in 2016 even used the term. So. It's kind of it's using extremely dated political language, you know, internet. Yeah. Also, the genealogy, like for example, I know like Spencer, he likes to claim he invented the term, but really the term was invented by Paul Gottfried, and mm-hmm. he goes into it in his book Post Liberalism, and I think the problem is that, like, you sort of a lot of these figures in the alt right, they sort of um, come off as like the county, like the the red state county fair nostalgia tour type thing. Like when they get together and they have like, they still have sizable audiences, but I don't know. I think they've largely have gone off into their own platforms and they've been subject to like vicious deplatforming. Not to say that's right, but there's just tends to be a lot of like little different cults of personality. But I do think that quote unquote alt-right ideas have largely diffused into popular discourse among the like, what do you want to call it? Outer right, dissident right, um, Whatever, like, I mean, you know, like, you know, something awful, like, rationalists will use, like, what, the outer group or outer party or, or the blue, the blue party, I don't know. I, I prefer the new party. right, honestly. Yeah, the new right, I guess, if you were to have, like, a broader it's sort of It's useful as, like, a very blanket term. Yeah, like, I often, I said this, I think, to, oh, I think it was Pill Eater or someone, where I said that this sort of, like, untenable amalgamation of, like, neo-pagans and like christian traditionalists as we've seen with the last like few weeks obviously well like, it's like sort I, of like a new fusionism in some like what do you crazy I, way. I don't know what you mean by like neo-pagans though that's just like that's so online there's like six of those people <laughs> you know like they're not they're not well, a, they're not a meaningful part of any political coalition this is this is just like such a very online right, right. preoccupation but, i i think like certainly like bronze age pervert has managed to reach mainstream voices but i wouldn't consider it like there are people even like who are more like esoterically like adverse to christianity than him like he's very um 
nuanced in his take on Christianity. But I do think that there are certain, the real fusionism that I think is going to be a huge problem in the future is the sort of like techno mom and people who are like trad Kaczynskiites. That's going to be the real dividing line that's at least been with us since like great accelerationism and new reaction. Wait, Gio, sorry, say that again. Techno what? Techno mom? Techno mom? Techno modernists. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, people that are... It's largely around the issue of nuclear power, but I do think that... <laughs> you know, nuclear power. sort of like a... Well, this is what Catherine, uh, this is what Catherine D, or, uh, her default friend, always says, is, like, the real culture war is, like, transhumanists versus non-transhumanists. Yeah, that will probably be... Uh, Speaking of which, we gotta... She's great. We gotta get to Janati on the show, and maybe she could come in with Janati. That would be an interesting stream. What do you think? For those no, who don't Gennady know... needs another... Oh, go ahead. Wait, God. you're saying Janata needs another Sunny? Is that what you were going to say? They're oh, like that, the that Yang. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> can, I, uh, can I ask Aaron another question? Go for it. Go for it. Um, so I, yeah, on the stream, I was kind of talking about this idea of like the reason there was so much of a backlash to the idea of based. I mean, I, I know you had that quote tweet of like, my culture is not your costume, which is pretty <laughs> funny. Um, but, you know, you had like uh, Sora Mamari and Patrick Deneen and everybody just like going off about this. And I, I think that the reason it touched a nerve and then you also had like a lot of people just like in the comments just, you know, making <laughs> random like homophobic remarks about Brad and stuff. But like, I think the reason that this touched such a nerve is that being based is about like claiming a marginal status, like being based is about kind of like standing um standing outside the the consensus and you know shaking your fist at it and you know for for someone who's as a libertarian is part of what is is in many ways a dominant ideology to try to claim that was was offensive is there i don't know like what are your thoughts on that the idea of like being based as like claiming a marginal identity or like a prophetic speaking truth to power identity all right I mean, I think the reaction is pretty clear. Like I said, it it feels like a pretty cynical attempt to grab what is a, a movement you don't understand and appropriate it and take it the direction you want to go, which is literally, like, like I said, what she said it was doing. And, you know, it, it really just comes off, you know, it, it's like, uh, you know, churches trying to do rap videos in the early 90s or something. Like, it, it really has that feel about it where... That one it, fake one was in particular. Uh, Jesus is... Well, I'm not going to say it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, my, my point being is, like, it, it's just... It, it feels false. It feels manufactured. It feels like a cynical attempt to grab a, a part of a zeitgeist that you weren't involved in, that you don't really have any interest in it's it's literally just you know finding a piece of someone else's movement on the ground try to pick it up dust it off and see if you can kind of graft it on you know for attention and so i i don't know i mean obviously in these kind of spaces you're gonna have an outsider feel right for sure um but i think uh, another big like i said big part of that backlash and the reason you saw other people sparking off of it is I think everybody feels that there's something different coming up on the right. It's it's moving from yeah. the outside edges into something yeah. bigger. And everyone, I think rightly, who has any real investment in it feels the need to gatekeep. Feels to say, no, like for once, like, you know, you can't just mm. move in and take over. You can't just pick up 
mainstream support and and just you know uh, decide that you're now the ones driving this bus. We see a lot of this trying to trying to happen right now. We see a lot of people trying to hold up voices from the center center left libertarian space and try to make them the new champions of you know resistance to to covid lockdowns or or whatever you know and then hold them up as the people who are suddenly speaking out against it when you had people who were really taking chances really getting banned off of platforms really losing livelihoods uh taking risks and they're just disappeared and i think people are pretty tired of watching people who are risking nothing trying to co-opt the work of people who actually went out there and did something and i think this is just uh, you know th- this this one thing is not the thing but it's just an example that i think kind of lit everybody up because they saw that obviously but uh, but there's also a question real quick uh, I, I, have the, question. Uh, I have a question i have a question for Oren. that kind of sorry oh, so, sorry oh, real sorry. quick i just have a question for Oren. so then we'll let in more speakers oh, so yes can i can i jump in real quick Liv? I, I sure go for it go for it okay um, I think this is this is really kind of emblematic of the uphill struggle that whatever this new thing that's coming up on the right is uh, is facing, though. I think it is facing this uphill struggle because for a long time, you know, you had like the Tea Party revolution, right, in, in 2010, which was, you know, completely astroturfed. And but you could you could count on this support because you were the policies you were advocating for were benefiting big business, right? You were, you know, your whole thing was like, ah, big government is bad. We're going to cut corporate taxes and cut regulations. And of course you have this just influx of, of Coke money and and money from big corporations. But now, you know, if you're going to say like, Hey, the big corporations have gone woke, big tech is woke you know, all the major cultural institutions in America are against us. Like you are facing an uphill battle uh, to build a movement based on that, just because like, where is your money from? And I know that sounds cynical, but like, you know, somebody has to fund the think tanks, somebody has to fund the fellowships. And if you don't have those, it's like, well, what, how much, how far is your movement going to get? You know? So people were accusing the anti-CRT like in schools, like people are saying, like Chris Rufo is getting Coke money or some other type of money. I don't know. Well, That's people kind of, are looking know, for people are looking for pill there where you, you really can kind of mm. push back in, a, in an authentically populist way. Yeah. But look, yeah. like I, I think that people have this idea that everything must be perfect. And I'm not saying you guys have this idea, but some people who may bemoan the fact that based or other things have been taken, this is the way of nature. It's an unfortunate thing. But these things, yeah, I mean, do you can't up... complain that, yeah, you can't complain based was taken like it was appropriated by the right from like you know drug culture right yeah but also not just that but also we got to look at what are the results here because if we do like you know me geo i always stand barry weiss but when we have people like barry and okay listen look barry weiss (laughs) is nothing but a clinger on recently when it was safe for her to come out on bill Barr, the most mainstream of platforms now she talks about uh, what was it, CRT or some other? So would you rather? COVID, yeah. So would you Very rather she? Yeah. Okay, but would you rather she did not say anything at all? This is the argument that yes, I don't understand. she needs to go back and make some pastrami for me, love. That's <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, this is this I is would, what I don't I, get. I like you, you're, looking looking you're looking for perfection. You're looking for perfection 
from people who uh, we know that they I are going like to be in the particular. For our audience, love. <laughs> we know that the, a lot of people who are in the mainstream, they're going to be stuck in the mainstream. They're not going to be part of this more oh. esoteric, esoteric group of people. Let them help you. And you could say, exactly. well, they're not helping no, me, I but I, I've, I've seen more and more lately, like in the last few weeks, I've seen people say like, you know, I've seen people like on the right try to turn against, you know, you know, Barry Weiss is an example. She's kind of an easy target, but I've seen them like targeting, you know, uh, Jordan Peterson and Rod Dreher and Ben Shapiro. And it's like these people are not your enemies, you know, Um I mean, Jesus said oh, both. Oh no, but Rod Dreher, though. <laughs> Jesus said both. Yeah, yeah, I have to. I have to light So they're both applicable in different situations, Wait. and I think that uh, it takes some discernment to decide which is applicable in which situation. But yeah, I don't true, know. True. I mean, Gio, what's mm. your issue with Rod Dreher? I like Rod Dreher. I think like the problem with Rod Dreher is that he's ultimately like apart from like a lot of uh, his sort of like more urbanite type of mannerisms i think he's just of escapism which isn't going to like serve most people given like the current climate but i i mean there, there are people like i, well, I don't I know like i think that that's i think that that's kind of a, like a caricature of the benedict option though like i i he i mean he's well, constantly saying like it's not about it's not about escapism it's about like it's yeah. about like you know log off and like genuinely I, I like, actually, build community in your own life and in your own church and in your own family. Yeah, Gio, I, you know do you think it's the uh, do you think it's the Benedict Arnold more. option? Is that what you think it is? The Benedict Arnold option. Well, Benedict Arnold <laughs> option. Oh, I wish. Um, as a uh, British loyalist, no, I'm kidding. Um, I think that is there some deep lore. I want Rod Dreyer to come on BTR. Oh yeah, because he um we had back in the Thermidor magazine days. We had this thing where we would obsessively email Rod Dreyer to come and debate our friend Nathan Duffy, who was also a writer for Thermidor. And so imagine if that would materialize like five years later. This was back in 2016. Uh, if Rod Dreyer would come on BTR to debate Nathan Duffy, that would be amazing. I had um, dinner with him in New Orleans last year. Great guy. Oh, man. That's... So let's right, get some so more would, people in here. I thought, I thought Rod Dreyer was more a fan of brunch, though. Mm. So let's get more people in here. Let's get salmon fish. Oh yeah, salmon fish. Did <laughs> you get a chance to talk about the base question? Go for it. And then yeah, I, groups. I, yeah. I want to address this before it gets too complex with all the different things people have said. I just want to maybe establish like my basic definition of what based means. And to me, it's almost in every single case that I have seen an embodiment of some kind of virtue. And frankly, in a mass culture where like ethics or virtue of any kind has been subverted and inverted um, such that being actually the embodiment of some kind of virtue is often seen as transgressive or uh, countercultural. Um, we just kind of get that rebellious thing with it. Um, but then you talk about like, you know, the Daily Wire and and all these people like Barry Weiss. Um, who are basically fair-weather patriots. Um, and there's a serious concern with that, which is that um, you end up with... I think uh, I actually arrived at this conclusion a while ago, but um, Jonathan Pichot did a video where he basically equated this archetypally to Judas, which is that um, they were not fully coherent with the, um, with the ethic and so, like, that's potentially a million times more dangerous than, like, overt enemies because, like, when people argue all day for the, 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 the freedom of speech 
fundamental position. But then like I was literally censored by a whole bunch of people on the right recently. Cause I've been like secretly shit testing people. And then, uh, you know, that kind of thing, you, you end up with a real problem where it's like you get, you know, clingers on, uh, towards, you know, the end of a thing that's already been developed. And then they try and assert their dominance over it, but do so without actually upholding the virtues of the thing. And so fundamentally cripple and kneecap the entire movement. Um, and then I was speaking to uh semi-agog yesterday during one of his streams and, uh, he was addressing his concerns regarding Jordan Peterson and, uh, how some of these characters get about 75% of the way there, but never fully there. And, uh, I, I literally told him, yeah, I just drove down to Nashville to speak to Michaela Peterson to address some of these concerns regarding, um, truth as the source of power and authority, rightful authority, as well as like status within the real hierarchy. Um, and like the romantic tradition as the inheritance of the West and how embodying these things actually cures depression. Um, and how it's like the solution to the reproduction crisis and many other of our materially death spiraling problems that lack heart and soul. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. But, uh, but hold on, yeah, King, King Samovich, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta respond first. I gotta respond first, real quick. So when sure, you sure. were talking about all of these various concepts, that they're not talking about. It reminds me of the conversation we had in the stream where I think a lot of these people that you're pointing fingers at, I think they're specialists. And I think we do have an overly specialized uh, world today where you would have a doctor that only knows certain things about how to treat the ears or how to treat the, you know, whatever. But they don't look at it holistically. And I think this is a big problem for a lot of uh, speakers today, for a lot of intellectuals, where they're in their own bubble, they're in their own specific sphere, and it's hard for them to get out of that. So when you have people who focus more on the economy or focus more on classical liberalism, like I said, even though I'm a classic liberalist, a liberal, I was about to say liberalist, Sargon, anyway, even though I'm a classic liberal, I don't consider that to be the end point, meaning it's something that would have, you know, I think it would make a better society but that's not the end of the society now that you would have a society where certain things would be you know better off for people both economically and in terms of freedom now what and that's the bigger question that's the question of teleology what is the end goal for all of us as these experiencers of consciousness and that is something that i don't think a lot of people like you know much respect to you know, a lot of these uh, classic liberal economists, libertarians, but they don't focus on that. And I think why a lot of people are attracted to the more based, edgier content out there is that they seem to be one of the few people that, at least for them, give an answer to that. Why are we here? What are we doing? This is why I think somebody like Alex Jones and Joe Rogan have this kind of synergy, especially when they talk about the DMT elves. Like, you'd think that something like that that's, you know, out there and crazy, it's just like for the sideshow. I don't. I think that's something that points to, hey, like, what if there are other things out there that are beyond our grasp of comp comprehension? That is very attractive to people who I think feel like they're in a very materialistic age where uh, people don't really think about what exactly is going on beyond the, uh, you know, daily grind, beyond the adverts that they see all the time. It's a breath of fresh air, and that's why I think a lot of this 4chan culture is really attractive. 
of course it has its negatives yeah, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lev. I'm actually very optimistic. I, uh, I don't see, um, like there are certain individuals where you said I was like pointing fingers and criticizing. And to some degree that is true, but I'm frankly quite the optimist about like how various levels or different positions or specializations can be beneficial to the overall culture. But part of my problem has been differentiating between those who are fundamentally a detriment and are not actually upholding those virtues and like ethics. Um, because we're in a, in a modern situation of advanced signals, warfare and like false status markers. And almost everyone is susceptible to that Milgram experiment, uh, like incredible bias towards perceived authorities. So like, we really do have to differentiate, um, and maybe even just examine the importance of gatekeepers, um, in the sense of like, are these people fundamentally, fundamentally detrimental or are they just like a good stepping stone um, or just hang out for people that may never want to go further, but would ultimately be beneficial to the overall culture? Um, so that's kind of that's kind of my concern is that there are people who are who are fundamentally traitorous and like Judas level archetypally. And like that's that's highly concerning. Well, there is, sure. I think, a way can we I, could find that. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Yes. Okay, yeah. So, like, I kind of had three things that I was thinking with through all this. Lev, first of all, like, psychedelics are super interesting. There's a, a woman I know. Her name is Audrey something, I think. She's a, she's a journalist, but she, mm. like, did a ton of psychedelics and then, like, converted to Christianity. And, like, I think she'd be really interesting to have on a discussion wow. about psychedelics. Anyway, um, Salmon, uh, so I get what you're saying about gatekeeping. I think there is a real, a real value to gatekeeping to a degree. Um, you know, I think that, uh, kind of in the mid 20th century, I know it's really fashionable to, uh, to disparage, um, oh, what's his name? National Review guy. Uh, you know, William F. Buckley. Yeah. William F. Buckley. I know it's very fashionable to disparage him today. And like, there's certainly, uh, valid reasons to do so. William F. Buckley breaker. did do a lot to like purge, like actual insane anti-Semites from conservatism. So I think there is a, a role for gatekeeping and maybe, you know, maybe, maybe there ought to be some gatekeeping applied to, to Barry Weiss. I don't know. With Jordan Peterson, I mean, like that guy's out here, they're like literally saving people's lives. So I'm, I, I'm less uh, accepting of criticism of him, but I really liked what you said, like, yeah, but then, the, but then NRO, sorry, Gio, can I finish my point? No, no problem, no problem. Sure, yeah. So I really liked what you said, Sam Fish, about the idea of framing based as as virtue. Um, you know, like something is based when it upholds a particular virtue, and that like our society now just doesn't um, doesn't encourage that anymore. Um, so that was something I was kind of thinking about as I was thinking through what what based meant is like. You know, when I when I grew up, if it was like, you know, it was it was expected of me. I was told in my school and in my church and everything that I, I would wait till marriage to have sex, for example. Right. But like when it actually came down to where I was like dating girls and had to be like, no, I don't want to have sex. It was like it was a punchline. You know, it was it was a joke. It was cringe. It was like, oh, look at this guy. He's a he's a loser. He's a virgin, whatever. Like, but like, I don't know if I had the if I if I had the idea of like, no, this is based, right? Like being, being virtuous is based going against like the societal sexual ethic is based. Um, so that, that's why I said during the stream that like, I want based to belong to the people because I think that there's a lot of kids that grew up like I grew up that, that could really use that encouragement and that having that label could, could give them that. 
Interesting. And we have Rubes over here who's been waiting to speak. So, uh, Rubes, what do you think uh, is the definition of based for you? We, all, we also have the Columbus Bugle oh, okay. listening to us. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Everybody wow. subscribe. Um, subscribe sorry, to Rubes, sorry, sorry. Literally, mm -hmm. I literally woke up from a nap and like joined this space. And the, the one thing I love about your guys' um, streams and spaces is how chaotic they are. So this is just really funny to listen to. But I, I don't honestly... Okay. I came across base when I joined like, I don't know, right wing Twitter. So I, I feel like it, I, this is the only place I've actually heard it in. And then I wanted to like, I don't, what does it mean to me? I'm not entirely sure, but I kind of agree with what King, King Salmon Fish, Salmon Fish here was saying that, um, I don't know actually who said it, but it was about like how a lot of people use it to respond to somebody who's acting out of virtue. And not virtue, like the, the kind of virtue that, you know, liberal atheists would kind of um, assume, but but virtue in more of like the traditional and religious sense. And then Lev brought up the point of how uh, people like Alex Jones are more, um, I don't know, I guess kind of, they're more, their ideologies are more attractive simply because they talk about meaning and they address like, they address things that actually involve purpose and one thing that i have noticed is that the reason why a lot of these terms like based and a lot of like the right-wing ideologies are kind of making a comeback is because they're rooted in they're rooted in tradition and they're rooted in religion and even if people don't agree with you know maybe they don't believe that jesus is god or maybe they don't believe the actual detailed religious um ideology i guess they should they still have like this they still have this attraction to it simply because it does give your life meaning it does give you purpose it does give you an understanding of who you are as a human being or why you're even here and so i feel like a lot of these uh things that are now talked about they're not actually new uh, they're like ages old ideas that just now resurface because again like left said people find them attractive they 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 give human beings and they give actually, I guess people on our side of Twitter even a cause to fight for, which I think is really powerful. Yeah, I would say it's it is no coincidence that Jesus was literally an embodiment of virtue, as in he had to be embodied and exist. And this is like an innate, deep reality to the situation. So you know, for the people who don't want to go fully there. Um, you do get specialization in certain aspects of virtue. And I guess you could argue like a fallen world kind of situation where individuals are more or less ethical or coherent. But my argue is like the Yuri Bezmenov argument that demoralization um, literally means morals, as in being in line and coherent with reality, uh, such that if you're subverted, you literally cannot functionally act to defend your people. So that's kind of my position. But yeah, Jesus literally embodied. He was, that's important. And before we go on further, because we have John over here, before we go on further, I want to say for all the people who are fans of cats, there is a video where I uh, feed my cat, Steve, a uh, shrimp. And it's a looping video. It's really adorable. And if you guys want to see that video that's playing during the stream, go to breaktherules.tv, 
look at where this is streaming because this is streaming right now on YouTube at BreakTheRules.tv and in about 10 minutes or so we're going to be transitioning into the Odyssey portion of it, Odyssey exclusive. The link for that is bit.ly slash BTR Odyssey, O-D-S-Y, wait, O-D-O-D, I'm imagining the letters in my head. No, you know what, I'm going to write it down. Uh, O-D-Y-S-E-E, -E. so B-T-R-O-D-Y-S-E-E, -E. uh, that is bit.ly link, so go there for the Odyssey stream, but YouTube, BreakTheRules.tv, and also, if you want to have more of these conversations happen where we bring people together, patreon.com slash BreakTheRules, become a patron today. So, with that, uh, John, go for it. All right, well, it's uh, good to speak to you again, Lev, and uh, Eugeo as well. I think that a uh, based is more or less a sort of object at which one own self is uh, at the center. Like, uh, if you ask a Catholic what is based, it is Catholicism. If you ask a fascist what is based, it's fascism. If you ask a communist what is based, it's communism. And so I do think it has this sort of just kind of relative position. And we can project sort of what we want onto it, but ultimately... I think like any language, like, yeah, it is relative and it just comes down to yourself. Like your own position is based. Mm. Yeah, I, I just completely yeah, yeah, disagree. There's something to that, but I think there is I also... Don't, I don't sense. agree with that. I think there's also a sense of marginality to it. I think there's a sense of like, not only is this my position and is it right, but also this this position that I hold that is right is you know it is in the minority and is standing against the the dominant ideology yeah but so has exceptionalism always been throughout history a fringe position well uh rubes disagrees so rubes uh what do you think <laughs> well I, keep uh, raising my hand. I feel like i'm the only one actually raising my hand but um here's Okay, uh, we're all a bunch of Neanderthals. That's why Rubes. We're all a bunch of you know cretins <laughs> when it comes to internet etiquette. Okay, um, I wanted to say, um, well, it's kind of like uh, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it it's um, it's relative. I would not say that simply because it's kind of like uh, it's a it's very culturally specific. So. Um, it, it, like, say that you're standing in a crowd of people, right? Like, this, I, I don't know, this, just imagine that you're standing in a crowd of people and you all have, like, an inside joke, right? And then all of a sudden, like, a stranger comes up to you and, like, starts using your inside joke. You're going to stop reacting when that stranger uses that joke because, like, they're not, they're not part of it. They're not part of that culture. They're not part of that meme. They're not part of that inside joke. And, like, it, like this has happened. Like, this has happened to me. I've done this. Or like I, I've encountered people where you know they've tried to kind of get into a, a very specific inside joke and it just doesn't work. So I feel like base is kind of like that, where it's it very much belongs to a certain group of people. It's very much like predominantly used by a certain group of people, and I think when people outside of it use it, it almost doesn't make sense because it. Because it, it, I don't know, the the thing that they're doing is not based. Like it's almost like we've all uh, we've attached that word to specific actions. So when people outside of those actions, like if somebody says like 
support is based, are we going to be like, yeah, like, no, nobody's going to say that. And I don't think that people outside of um, this side of Twitter would even like use that term or like, I don't know if they use it, it wouldn't make sense if you if you know what I'm I'm saying. Yeah, I, I get I, what you're saying. I think I, there is. Um, well, can I can I sorry, throw something ahead. in yeah, there really quick? I mean, yeah, I do understand what you're saying. Like, you don't want the word to be adopted by other people who you feel like are going to abuse or misuse it. But I mean, I would ultimately just chalk it up to this and say, uh, can anything be based that you personally disagree with? Like, would you ever look at something that you think, oh, that's wrong, and then at the same time be say that that is based? Uh, you wouldn't, and that's because it does have a relative position. Yeah, if, if I'm wrong, basically. Yeah, I just think I'm right. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, but I think I think there is a sense of, of marginality to it. And I think if you take it back to the original definition of based, that really comes through where you know, based is connected to the idea of freebasing, right? Like, it's like, if you said someone was based, you know, when the term originated, it, it meant they were high on crack and acting crazy, right? So it, it automatically, just by definition, entails this idea of someone who's crazy, erratic, maybe a little bit threatening, um, doesn't, doesn't really care how he's being perceived by the people around him. So there is a sense of marginality in, inherent to it. So I think when you claim to be based, not only are you claiming to be right, as John said, which I think he makes a very good point there, um, but you are also claiming to be prophetic somehow. You're claiming to be speaking truth to power. Yeah, but how many people call themselves based? I mean, from what I've seen, it's more of like a comment from others on something that somebody else does. Calling yeah, yourself, no, you don't call yourself base. That's crazy. Yeah, it's kind of, that's, yeah. Um, that's crazy. <laughs> my uh, my, my <laughs> kind of argument here is um, we should definitely consider uh, the language manipulation and, like, redefining games. Like, once uh, something has been kind of concreted uh, mimetically and actually has some value and kind of specific definition, it would probably be of high-level importance to not let the relativists just completely destroy it um, and just like, oh, it just means whatever you want, man. Like, that is that is not the, not the case because that's kind of antithetical to the nature of something being based in the first place. So hopefully it's a resistant meme. Well, no, I think there is, I think there is something objective to it, which is like, who is actually the prophetic witness in society today? Who's actually speaking truth to power? Like Biden's uh, Biden's voting rights speech, I think, like some somebody on MSNBC said, like, oh, Biden's really speaking truth to power. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like Biden? literally. Oh, God, he's literally the president. By definition, he cannot speak truth to power. Like, so I think that again, I think that the reason people got riled up about about Cox and Palumbo claiming this title of base is because they were claiming to be marginal, to be speaking truth to power, to be prophetic, when in fact they are the mainstream, they are the dominant ideology. So I think that, you know, to put to put your mind at ease as about like it having a, a an objective definition, its objective definition is connected to that marginality, to that prophetic witness. And whoever is authentically giving that prophetic witness has the best claim to the term base. I mean, I would even be. Yeah, but for example, there's like. 
Well, my, my point is, like, should it serve well, its no, purpose and we actually society? Use the word bait like... Well, I mean, no, I've seen, I've seen, like, you know, socialists and communists use the word based where it's like, oh, we should, you know, guillotine the bourgeoisie, haha, based. And it's like, I don't necessarily begrudge them the word as I begrudge it the way I begrudge it to, like, libertarians and, and neoliberals because, like, they, you know, I think that they're wrong, but they, they do espouse an ideology that is genuinely marginal. Um, I think they miss the side of based that's based as in rooted, based as in grounded, um, you know, in, in something older and deeper than what we have now. But, you know, I, like I said, I don't begrudge them that term as much as I do the people who genuinely belong to ideologies that are dominant, but that seek to cast themselves as marginal, like progressivism. By the way, guys, we are going to be transitioning. I just found out, by the way, that the link tree, for some reason, does not work. So I'm going to get a verification link. It said that it wasn't verified. So anyway, we'll work that out, even if I have to contact the link tree people. But I really appreciate whoever sent that over uh, in the chat. I actually want to shout you out because I, def I definitely appreciate things like that. Okay, I'm going to shout you out a little bit later. Oh, it's Alex DeLarge. Yeah, it was, it was Alex DeLarge. Yes, yeah. I'm a big fan of Clockwork Orange, so I really appreciate that. I'm going to get to the bottom of what exactly is going on with the link tree. But anyway, we are going to be transitioning this into the Odyssey portion. So this is not going to be on YouTube anymore. It's going to be on Odyssey, which again... I'm taking a chance here because I really want to get those YouTube subs. So before I transition, everybody who is listening to this, and I mean you, I mean the person who is listening to this right now, who is hearing my beautiful Russian voice coming through with the accent because I can talk in a Russian accent too. I can speak like this. And I can tell you right now, it is very imperative that you subscribe to BreakTheRules.tv. Go there right now, it is our YouTube channel, and it will make me very happy. It will make me happier than a Russian bear who got a big pot of honey and is licking his uh, gigantic paws uh, with the honey. Anyway, thank you so much. Please be sure to subscribe to BreakTheRules.tv, Patreon.com slash BreakTheRules. My father is a great artist who makes these uh, wooden magnets, and he will be able to make a beautiful wooden magnet for you if you, be, if you become a $10 patron. And, uh, wait, no, 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 sorry, sorry, no. Wait, $10? No, no, my mistake. Ay, 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 what's going on with me? No, if you become a $5 patron, you are going to get uh, the MP3s of the episodes after they come out. Uh, you are going to get um, uh, Patreon-exclusive uh, uh, episodes, and you are also going to get my undying affection. When you become a $20 patron, you are going to get beautiful uh, handcrafted uh, wooden magnets created by my genius father alexander polikov and when you become a 30 dollar patron you are going to get beautiful prints from giovanni panacciati panacciati bella Mwah. Uh, mamma mia cheesioso molto bene delicioso and when you become a 50 dollar patron you are going to get all of the above plus uh, a custom wooden magnet whatever design you want uh, well within limits my father is going to make it and when you become uh, no okay that's enough uh, no you're also going to get it's not enough you are also going to get <laughs> what's going on you are also going to get 
the uh, Warhammer 40k figures uh, by Jules Hamilton. You are also going to get another beautiful painting from Geo of the uh, Bob Ross style. And uh, you are also going to get, uh, once again, our undying love and affection. You are not going to get the undying love and affection for $20 or $30. You're going to get that for $5 and $50. So that gives you somewhere to progress to so you don't feel like you're contributing enough by being a $20 or $30 patron. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to uh, me talk about this. I am now going to transition from YouTube to Odyssey. And I am going to post the link. It is a bit.ly link to bring you into Odyssey. It is bit.ly slash b-t-r-o-d-y-s-e-e. That is the Odyssey link. We are live streaming on Odyssey right now. So I am going to go into my Android uh, emulator here and I'm going to uh, put that in the description. So there we go. Okay. Now it is a f okay. It's it's going to stream on Odyssey in one second. I just have to go into here and get rid of YouTube. Oh, man, I feel so bad because we have 53 people watching. All of you, go to Odyssey right now. Okay, bit.ly slash BTR Odyssey. Go there right now. Go there right now. Go there right now. All the YouTube people. Oh, wait. No, I can't do that yet. Here's why. The reason I cannot transition yet. Here, I'm going to go back speaking in the Russian accent. The reason why I cannot transition yet is I have to be very, very fast. Like uh, like Russian Wolf. I have to be very fast. Listen, Lev, we, we all support you in your transition, all right? I appreciate that. What I have to do, and this is actually very important, what I have to do is I have to open up another link here on uh, the YouTube channel because YouTube has been kind enough to actually uh, let the content creators of its channel post the uh, next in line episodes. You know, like they could you could post trailers and you could also post the episodes that are coming up next. So that is what I'm going to do here. I forgot to do that. So I'm quickly, as quick as I can, going into the settings. I am um, I'm going into the edit edit sphere here and where it says over here in the bottom, where is the customization? Redirect, add, here we go. So the stream that I'm adding, this is tomorrow. This is a shout out for tomorrow's stream. It's not actually going to be at six. I just spoke with James. It's going to be at seven because Graventus is coming at eight o'clock. So it's going to be a stream about Christianity, whether Christianity was invented by the Roman elites. It's going to be a hot debate. And we are going to have uh, James Valiant uh, versus Lambda of the Lambda Bible study. So be sure to check that out. It's at seven o'clock, not six, seven. I'm going to correct the date. Don't worry. So anyway, with that being said, is everybody on Odyssey yet? I hope you are. I hope you are. So here we go. I am ending YouTube. Be sure to uh, uh, subscribe for uh, YouTube. Anyway, here we go. So, all right. The only place this is going to be streaming now is Odyssey. Here, I'm ending the stream on... Uh, oh, it's already ended on YouTube. Okay. We are officially on Odyssey, everybody. We are not censored anymore. Well, I mean, we are on Twitter too, so don't get don't get too excited, okay? Don't get too excited here. But uh, anyway, Gio, what do you have to say? What do you have to say about uh? I mean, you are on Twitter, so be careful. But hey, still. Lev, before we before we get Gio in here, how do I how do I join this thing? Oh, you're you're still here. There's no change. I don't know why you guys aren't speaking. Uh, you're still part of this Twitter thing. Now we can just, oh, I get... just stay here. Yeah, just, just yeah, just, yeah, just chill here. Yeah, no, there isn't any other transition because my goal is to actually bring people from YouTube and from Twitter into Odyssey. 
See, this way I get both I get both crowds into Odyssey. That's my master plan. Bingo. Because I don't I don't want to just from, rely on you. I can see Geo Geo's on listener right now. I don't know if he can talk. Geo's on what? He's on listener mode. Like you might have to reinvite him to be a speaker or host oh, or whatever. Oh, I see. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. I don't know why that happened, but that is not going to so, be the case. Let me bring Geo back up here. So now that we're on Odyssey, I wanna I wanted to say, Lev, if you'll permit me, like if there's anyone in here who truly wants to make the case that libertarianism is based that that the truly based ones are the libertarians like i hope that you request to be a speaker and come on in because i feel like that's kind of the question that we started with and i mean john's laugh reacting but like you know i don't i don't want to just be an echo chamber here right like i feel like this is uh you know this is a little bit of a very online like kind of new right uh milieu and i oh i'm back here from a a a voice that from the perspective of this particular chat would be a, a dissident voice arguing for, for libertarianism as based. Can you hear me? I had to. So if you, if you are of that persuasion, I hope you will request to be a speaker. Yo, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, let me add you as the uh, host as well. Oh, oh, we have to add Yeah, we have to, I'm going to add nightmare vision because we have to get his, Oh my god! Yeah. And by the way, I I love oh, sorry, real quick. And uh, shout out to Anna, Anna, uh, Anna Comdene. Uh, I think I think it was oh, yeah. earlier yeah. today. You had this tweet that was the best Ukraine take I've seen, which is that Russia should be part of Ukraine <laughs> because Ukraine was the first the first Rus uh, principality to That's be true. Christianized by Byzantium, and all Russia did was I'm paraphrasing, polish. Um, Polish Mongol horse penis for 300 years. Oh, God. Now, East uh, Ukraine and West Taiwan. You know, I actually kind of agree on that just because, again, exactly. much, West Taiwan, East much, yeah, much respect to the Russian people, but that is a pretty big trauma that they faced with because they were under the Mongolian horde for a very long time, and that does, uh, that does fuck you up. So I uh, hope that Kevin, they... Kevin Roos was based. I mean, like they, like they, uh, you know, they were Christianized by Byzantium, and they actually, like, interestingly, um, when they were Christianized by Byzantium, they mostly adopted Byzantine law. But there were like aspects of Byzantine law, such as like mutilations for particular crimes, that they were like, "Oh, you, you've taught us this religion, but you've also taught us this law code." But we feel as though this aspect of the law code isn't commensurate with the religion, so they actually abolished mutilations as punishments for crimes. Just sort of an interesting mm. Kievan history fact. Interesting, but the Kievian Rus themselves—they, I think, came out of the uh, Scythians. There was partly from the Scythians, partly from—I mean, they were conquered also by the uh, like the Norwegian, Swedish people, you know, by the the Nordics, basically. If we're talking about uh, like the uh, the official founder, you know, like Rurik. Rurik, he was a uh, he was a Norseman, and throughout uh, throughout all of Russia's history, pretty much it has been the case that up until pretty recent, the people who ruled over Russia were not Russians; they were uh, you know native uh, Swedes or Europeans or I mean the whole Russian czar nobility. It may have been just like a completely different, like alien race in comparison to the people there. And I'm not speaking this biologically. I'm speaking this more mentally. 
even when you had Russian upper class people who were like wealthy merchants or the intelligentsia, those people, they were still a planet away in terms of their level of, uh, I wouldn't say level of understanding because I think they were smarter than the royals. They were smarter than a lot of the aristocracy, but they were just different. You know, it's, it's difficult to describe. Yeah, no, I mean, in the 19th century, like, you, you know, the Russian, uh, the, the 18th and 19th century, I think the Russian, uh, the Russian intelligentsia and nobility would speak French to each other. Like they were, they were embarrassed to be Russian, you know, yeah. you get a lot of this in uh, like Fathers and Sons by Ivan Turgenev, which is a great book, but, uh, they had to relearn yeah, Russian when Napoleon was invading. To it. Well, I think the self-loathing also comes from being under the thumb of uh, other uh, other regimes. So, I'll give you an example. The Decemberist Revolution that occurred in Russia, and this is originally what Pushkin intended to write about before he wrote War and Peace. The main character of War and Peace, uh, Pierre uh, Bezukhov. You mean um, you mean Tolstoy, right? Tolstoy. Yes. What? Wait. Who did I say? Pushkin. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Yes, Tolstoy, of course. You call yourself a Russian. Oh, oh my love God. is a fake show. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is wrong with me? I can't believe I said Pushkin. Yes, Tolstoy, of course. Lev Tolstoy. He even shares my fucking name. Okay. Anyway, when it comes to when it comes to war and peace, Pierre Bezukhov was supposed to have been the Decemberist revolutionary, and it was supposed to be about him being the Decemberist revolutionary, that was not the case because he ended up writing backwards. Like when developing a character, sometimes you would write their biography, what they did before they, you know, started on this particular quest. But he ended up turning that biography into the book, which became War and Peace. But the Decemberists, what was interesting about them, and this is again, like I can't give you an official document and say, this is how it happened and this is why. So just like cut me a little slack here, but what happened there with the Decemberists was a lot of these were, you could say they were kind of pampered youths. You know, they were people who grew up with privilege. And when they led the revolution, also in the revolution were, you know, serfs, and the serfs and the Decemberists, uh, the, uh, sorry, like the nobility people, they all were exiled. And they did hard time, hard labor, some of them were killed. Those who did the hard labor, who were of the nobility, they ended up outlasting the serfs. And you'd think that the serfs would be physically stronger, but mentally they were weaker, because mentally they were raised with this idea that I am lower than. You know, they were not raised with the idea that I could overcome whatever odds happened to uh, come at me. So it's almost like a gazelle that is eaten by a lion where at a certain point it gives up, that was the mentality of a lot of the Russian serfs during this uh, period of exile. And a lot of these, uh, a lot of these, you know, pampered, prissy, you could say, nobility people, they got strong, you know, they got muscular, they got ripped, and they were able to survive this thing because inside they knew that, you know, they have what it takes. So it's very interesting just like how you were raised, what principles are given to you, how that affects whether you could survive a situation like that. And it's also interesting where, yeah, well, anyway, I, I said enough about that. I just wanted to, that's my spiel. Yeah, yeah no, so I, this I, is I, the, the low-team lab problem. If you win in any context, perceptually, your testosterone levels go up. But if you think you're a loser your whole life, uh, yeah, you could get... You're gonna be submissive. Like the lobsters, man. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, oh God! Could I make a um? Can I make a comment on your the way that people are brought up? Um, sure. That reminds me of the. I'm sure you know the guy because you're. Uh, we have a couple Russians here. Uh, Russian history to me. I'm not Russian at all. I just admire the sort of struggle and how it m- almost mirrors in a strange way the United States and the way the people act and sort of the way that they see themselves. But anyway, one of the, one of the cast in the great had this general called, his name started with a P. But um, the interesting thing about him is even though he was a really good general and he saw some service during, I think it might've been the Crimean war and a couple other wars that he and and skirmishes that he won. So it wasn't like he was, just a general just because he just had a title he he earned his he earned his share sort of but he never saw himself as sort of equal towards the other generals so what i'm sort of saying is i think that the way you're raised certainly at um um influences a sort of mindset but i think as you become an adult you have a decision to go against what you were taught as a child because at that point you kind of have agency over over yourself and become and can become and do whatever you want to do for you know for good or ill you know so um i just think that some people are just like that like in the sense that they are sort of um have imposter syndrome where they're genuinely able to do these things but they think that it's just not possible for them it's really quite um perplexing Honestly, that some people, some great people in history don't really think much of themselves in not a humble way, but more of a, um, like I just said, a um, more that, oh, that, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. It, it was it wasn't me. I had no hand in this when in reality, they were really the one of the people to orchestrate or whatever master plan sort of sort of thing. It's just it's just mm. a weird quirk of human nature sometimes it's funny because you have it's funny because then you have our our current elite who don't do anything they achieve something or even if they achieve nothing like (laughs) you know say david petraeus they immediately go and write a book on leadership right i'm doing Mm. air quotes yeah literally they immediately go and write a book on leadership it's annoying because it's this idea of like oh yeah did you see hillary clinton crying over her book sorry yeah oh yeah yeah i so it's like yes my my success is totally attributable to my own qualities not in any way to like you know anything else right like Mm. here's my leadership philosophy in this book and that's that's a hundred percent of what accounts for my success yeah well, another. Oh, wait, can I say something quick? Sure. Great people in here, like Nightmare Vision. Um, my my friend who Bob just followed me, by the way. Thanks, thanks, Nightmare Vision. Yeah, Agent um, Agent Orange Sunshine, Kayla, how you doing, my my pal Anna K. So if anyone wants to speak, um, like Nightmare Vision, I tried to send you. Also, Saturnalia. Uh, for some reason, this Twitter space is being janky, or Twitter space is being janky. So if you, uh, Nightmare or Saturnalia or Anna K, if you want to speak, um, then like, or whoever, just like press request, because I don't know, for some reason I'm sending Nightmare Vision a request, but unless you don't want to speak, brother, it's firstly fine too. It Love your submission from Anna K, because again, that, that, that tweet earlier was a banger. Yeah, Anna K, uh, lovely, one of our queens, um, and also Saturnalia, shout out to Saturnalia, and, uh, also I think, um, 
who else is here? I think Tux Loves You is also here, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, carry on with... Uh, what were you going to say? About wait, the wait, which, wait, which Anna K are you talking about, Gio? No, Anna, Anna <laughs> Kamenian. Uh, I'm butchering her name. Not Anna K. Not your <laughs> mortal enemy, Lev. Anna K. Even though I would love to have Anna K. On I'm sure you would. Um, no, look, it's a Greek tragedy Dash because I generally... It's a Greek tragedy because I generally think they're very smart and clever. That's why it's the Greek tragedy. I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> hmm. Let's see a new speaker in here. Love with these conspiracies. So let's see, uh, speaker. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to make one point, then I got to get out of here. I'm going to go watch Salty Cracker and get some humor in my life. Go for nice. it. Um, so I think the term based is useful, even if it's appropriated by the relativists and like the crazy lefty types, because yeah. it, it, it literally is a particular meme that, fine, it came from the idea of like a pure injection straight into the blood almost kind of thing. But, like, the reality is that if they, um, in their land of false virtue signaling, um, appropriate that, that term and, like, continuously try and identify things as virtuous, they might even happen across some actually virtuous things. And I think that um, just in terms of meme warfare, that should theoretically help uh, increase the attrition rates and just kind of shift the numbers a little bit and affect people psychologically where you know they use the word based with their lefty friends but then it leads them go unknowingly sort of go to our side sort of sort of thing yeah because they had yeah. they had hijacked the concept of virtue and subverted it so like subverting the subversion effectively like yeah think, right he like uno reverse carding them sort of so to speak yeah also i just i don't think the elites uh quote unquote are particularly um winning a lot of the time anymore either to so that whole thing about um like testosterone levels and how that's relevant i think we're actually seeing a lot of uh like i don't know jordan peterson just tweeted about how justin trudeau is probably going to call in the military uh because there's a whole bunch of people such a fucking pussy by the way he's such a pussy. super insecure like you didn't you guys didn't just transgress the entire planet but you're like you're yeah you're super fucking insecure bro so I'm getting out of here. Dude, I, I have an idea, by the way. Does anybody else think... Uh, wait, oh, oh, wait, hold on, real quick, no, wait, real quick, real man. Quick. Can I do okay, quick? okay, <laughs> you do it real quick. quick yes or no. You do real quick. Quick yes or no. Is Justin Trudeau the illegitimate son of Fidel Castro? Yes, 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 yes. He's a bastard. I agree, he has brown nipples. Why does he have brown nipples? Yeah, it's good on there. He has brown nipples, by the way. I don't know that. It was during that boxing match. I can't believe Brazo lost. Yeah. That was by, by the way, everybody in the chat, if you think yes, press one. If you think no, press two. So there we go. Now I'm learning how by to the use way, Lev, wizard think... power. What? Yeah? Uh, he left, but um, we have to get Nightmare Vision on uh, BT. Definitely. That would be guy, that would be a lot of fun. I and look forward to that. he's got a huge that. audience, too. too mm -hmm. So, oh, okay, real, real quick, I just want to say, uh, hold on, I'm kind of thrown off here. Hold on, I want to say something extremely important, but I forgot. Oh, now I remember. Okay, so imagine, if you will, uh, if you have uh, Brad Palumbo and if you have Miss Cox uh, in a sketch with Ben Shapiro, where Ben Shapiro, this is like set in the nuclear, like post-nuclear apocalyptic age, but they're all like because of nuclear radiation, they're all yellow now. First off, Ben like, Shapiro's alive during that. How? Do you <laughs> hold on, like hold on. Some Let me, bunker. Like hold on. Know. 
Hold on. Uh, only only us Jews are supposed to know about these bunkers. So the I don't know what's going the, on. In the bottom of the temple of the mountain, the the dome, in the bottom of the dome, they have this uh, bunk. Never mind. Never yes, mind. exactly. So anyway, anyway, <laughs> Ben Shapiro. Yeah, okay. okay, so Ben Shapiro. There's the Ark he's of the running. Covenant there, apparently. Okay, he, he they've oh all God, they've all point. they've all gotten radiation uh, poisoning. Well, not poisoning, like superpowers. Anyway, uh, they're all yellow now. Okay, they have yellow skin. Ben Shapiro is running, and like his hair starts falling out. He only has like three strands of hair on his head. Uh, that's how the radiation affects him. He's running, Jesus and he he stumbles onto some place where he thinks he's safe, and he stumbles onto a farm where Brad and Miss Cox are sitting in chairs, where Brad is dressed like Chuck, and Miss Cox is dressed like Sneed, and they're just sitting no. in the rocking chairs, and they're calling him a city slicker, and that's that's the sketch. <laughs> That's what I wanted to share. There we go. Okay. So, anyway. Right, interesting. All right. Anyway. Who, yeah. That's who else? Who, who else do ben we Shapiro's have here? Ben interesting because I feel like Ben Shapiro is becoming more. Uh, you know, if I can, if I can uh, beg the He's question. He's getting better. By using He's getting term, better in my opinion. I feel like Ben. Th this is begging the question. You know, considering what the 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 chat room is called, but I feel like Ben Shapiro is becoming more based. You know, like he's. He's getting better. He's getting, no, I, mean, he's like, I don't know about that one. He did that like coffee shop discussion with Jordan Peterson, which like I wasn't going to pay real money to watch the whole thing. But in the, the clips they released for free, he was like, yeah, I think like he said, like, yeah, I think the whole like libertarian classical liberal proposition for for this society is breaking down. Um, so like I, I think he's getting there. And I mean, like, you know, with the Daily Wire, he's obviously like platforming, you know, Michael Knowles and, and Matt Walsh, who are much more like. Yeah, they're you know, cool. Who are much more based and much more like personal right. than, than Every, Ben Shapiro would have been. Um, real quick, you know, I don't think Ben Shapiro is like publicly broken with like, uh, kind of his his libertarian, um, you know, beliefs yet, and and, you know, he he recently, I don't know how recently, a while ago, he had like Barry Weiss on his his show and everything, but like, no, I think I think Ben Shapiro is coming around a little bit to realizing that like, you know, just like. Oh yeah, that's fine. Just like don't make just just as long as the government's not forcing me to do X, like isn't really a sustainable model for society. Hmm. One thing I think people forget about the Daily Wire is people never mention Andrew Claven, which I love Andrew. He's a quite a quite a smart guy. But, he's still um, around. Yeah, he's alive. He's alive. Oh now. man, he's still there. I used to watch his skits back in the like his novels from like the 80s and 90s have like blurbs from Stephen King being like, oh, the next great, like, you know, American horror novelist or whatever. It's so weird that like this is the second act to his career. Dude, he's great. He's such a smart man, but nobody wants to talk to him. Nobody. I have no idea why. Is it because he's old? Like, I don't get it. He's a great guy. Maybe I could but, get him um, on BTR. What do you think? Is it possible? Yeah. I think you could probably possible. get Clavin. It's possible. Yeah, I could get Clavin. You could uh, snag him. I'd love to have a conversation with that guy. But um, one thing, I, this is the only case I can, this is the only libertarianism which I, I actually like is the type that the founding fathers were, were um, responsible for crafting is that societal libertarianism or that societal freedom where being free didn't mean you did freaking crack and and fucked around. It meant that you were able to be free, sort of. And that type of freedom was that 
you restricted yourself so that you could remain free and not addicted and yes. chained down. Yes, That's freedom the sort from of desire. Freedom that I think libertarians should Bingo. really latch up on because that is the easiest thing you can grab on and say, whoa, okay, I, I and everybody likes me now. I'm not some degenerate who um wants people to fuck around and do drugs and have sex with robots i like that sort of yeah. or a furry libertarian or a robot furry. futurism thing it's just that scared. came up on stream sex with robots actually yeah oh fuck man yeah i mean i think i think this is the idea though right like i mean uh you know there's that famous uh there's that famous quote from john adams that like our our form of government is suitable only to a moral and religious people mm. right exactly and i think but- they you know I, I and i think the founders like didn't fully appreciate the degree to which the the moral Religion. foundations Religion of, the moral and religious foundations of society oh. would wither under this form of government or you know if you take the patrick janine approach like you know there was always this possibility for you know states to have their own established churches and and for just the federal government to not be directly involved in that sort in maintaining uh the fabric of society at that level i'm not sure the degree to which i i by Deneen's argument, I still need to like read more of this mm. stuff, but I, I think Adams's point is is very salient. I have I, I have a question that, for uh, for you guys. Uh, by the I'm, way, uh, do you think that would you okay if there was a trade off? If you would say we're going to have our base and trad pilled religious society, and the only way that we could have that is if we restrict a whole group of uh, a group a whole uh, amount of knowledge. Like the internet, for example, like a whole amount of knowledge of, you know, other religions or other points of view as to whether there is a god or isn't a god. Like all of that is going to be restricted. People are not going to have access to that. Would you go for that for the sake of having a more stable society? I don't think it's necessary. Only because, think about like this. Most atheists who truly get to know God, like truly get to, like get beyond the sort of soapy frosting sugary sort of catholicism that gets pushed out by the church in the united states or the sort of soapy protestantism whatever whatever branch you really want to say they become god-fearing people almost every single time and i think you need the freedom to see what happens when you go down the terrible path that is atheism and nihilism and existentialism to know how good you have it now because that's what led that's what led to the situation we are now because people thought they could just hide away all the all the bad stuff and so we'd focus on the good stuff and not learn why the bad stuff is bad you've got to know why the bad stuff is bad so you don't do the bad stuff well that's why uh, parenting well that's why the for example in judaism satan the figure of satan was considered to be the adversary meaning that it was a figure that was actually interested in you overcoming him, overcoming whatever uh, desires this adversary would put before you. So in a way, Satan would be working with God for man being able to get that over trans- right. transmute sure, this nature. Sure, but this becomes, this, you know, if you, if you take this to a certain point, though, it becomes absurd, right? Like, you know, there there's a sense in which you can say, Yes, a faith that is chosen over and above 
alternatives that you are aware of and have truly grappled with is more valuable than a faith that you merely inherited from your parents. Exactly. But at the same time, I'm not going to take my kids when my wife and I have kids to drag queen story hour (laughs) so that they can, you know, see what drag queen story hour is. And if they want to be drag queens, they can be drag queens. And if they want to be Christians, they can be Christians. I'm Mm going to raise my kids to be Christians. But you'll talk to them about that though. This is the big difference. I think a lot of parents don't talk with their kids. I'll tell them it's bad. I'm well, I would tell them, but I would like, tell them hey, why it's bad. This experience this, like I, ha- I'm not sure. Prejudice you about but, but I would still right? tell like, them why it's bad. Not, not, bad. not just. I wouldn't say it's bad because I said so. I would explain why, and I think these are things that yeah. can oh, be explained. I'll explain why it's bad, but like I'm going to tell them that it is bad. Yeah, I'm of going course. To That's say, not what like, I'm saying. You know, like I, I, I know, I know, like Christian families who are like, oh yeah, we don't talk about like Christianity to our kids until they're like eight or ten years old. That's ridiculous. We want them to, like, ridiculous. We want them to choose it freely, and I'm like, no, like, oh god, that's I'm terrible. Gonna, I'm gonna that's terrible. Man. I am going to indoctrinate no. you as a child. Like, you are going to be brought up in this because this is the truth. And no, I don't feel bad about that. But what I'm talking about is that you can't leave them at the at the floss in the frosting of that sort of faith that's taught you can't leave it at that if you're gonna teach them you gotta teach them you gotta you teach them hebrew Isaac. you gotta teach them hebrew that's what i say the original hebrew text they gotta read it and then they gotta compare or learn latin Sorry, that's... or like that no, but, sort of yeah well actually well, we're gonna we're gonna, gonna get into authors, that authors only quote the septuagint so i think all you need to learn is greek so yeah but isn't but that weird like... how they how they get all the information from a greek work instead of the original hebrew at least when it comes it to the old testament translation it's just a translation at least when it comes to the old at least when it comes to the old testament i would and i'm going to do this too i want to learn hebrew and i want to read the old testament fully in hebrew and then compare it to the uh, greek translation and see if it matches up that because it is weird to me not weird i understand why but the fact that it was you know, looked down upon or even banned in certain circumstances, the reading of the Torah in Hebrew in a lot of these Christian That's nations. People like people don't like Jews. Well, I mean, also the Jewish synagogues banned the reading of the Septuagint because they thought the Sept- after Christianity became prominent because they thought the Septuagint was too Christian. Also so, dumb. Know, also ways. dumb. I agree with you. I am in favor of more... I'm in favor yeah, for like, more yeah, knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I'm in favor okay. for more knowledge being spread out and have people learn from that knowledge. I don't like this idea. Like, I agree with you, Quay. I don't like this idea of just sending the kids out and saying, well, do your own thing. You know, like, you get to choose. That's not how you parent. Yeah, that is not yeah, how you I parent. Think one thing we've seen in recent years is this, like, is this, you know, the classical liberal idea of the marketplace of ideas and the truth will win, win through. <laughs> bullshit. Like, it's a joke. Like, how the hell did anyone That can only exist if you have a society idea? that wants to know the truth. Yeah, like the, you know, it's it's very like idealistic and noble to be like, ah, yes, let everyone have their say, and the truth will win. Like, why the fuck would the truth win? And um, it only works if you have the society which that marketplace works, which it's at, at one point in time, the U.S. had. At one point in time, people did their own re- did uh, well. Now it's starting to come back, and you know, but at one point there was a time. When people cared at all levels of society what the truth was, there was a time when that happened and when it existed. It, I, it existed well, in the founding fathers. That, that was because I would argue that that was because all that discourse was being conducted in the context of certain presuppositions about what 
what, what was right and wrong. fundamental truths were. Right. Yes. No, you need you need pillars of definite truth what's right and wrong. Like murder's wrong, right? Like mm. pedophilia's wrong. Um, There's two genders. all these different Yeah, like two genders, all these sort of pillars that keep the discourse and where it needs to be. Because at some point, there's just mindless bullshit, which we're in the mindless bullshit point now, which we need to move away from, oh, we need two genders. We just need people to say there's two genders and not elaborate. You don't need to elaborate. That's just what it is. Like, oh, shit. Casey Givens here. Hey, Casey. Like, um, who's the guy who was talking to those um, activists? Michael, not Michael Knowles. It was um, the guy with the glasses with the beard. What was the, what was the guy's name? Matt. Matt, uh, Matt Walsh. yeah, Matt, Matt, Walsh. Matt Walsh, that guy. He was talking to three activists, and he asked a simple question: "What is a woman?" And they started badgering him about it because they don't know what words mean. When you try to argue with pe- with a, with the other with your enemies, they don't know what words mean. That means you won. That means you won the argument right there. Whether Matt knows it or not, which he probably does from the tweets after say, saying his opinion afterwards, he knows he won this. He knows this is a battle, an easy one that that conservatives can win. They, but conservatives don't want to trample on toes here, which is why they don't do it. This is an easy win. This is an easy W. This is based. This this is this is based. You yes, know? back to the subject like, of the discussion here. With yeah, based. exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's just so easy, and he's recognizing this, and more conservatives are getting on board. Like. These people are talking out of their ass. They have no idea what they're talking about. What's a woman? I'll tell you what's a woman. Someone who has babies. Someone who, you know, is better at taking care of young than men on a more average general scale. Someone who is the um, head of the house almost, where it's like they are able to take care of the kids, take care of the husband sort of be the the manic of of that whole whole unit you know um it's just it's sweet loving the the uh the good woman killing the snake that sort of old old story that sort of maternal uh you know emotions only come from yeah women. but the yeah then their retort would be this typical the issue of deconstruction where it's like well you can't like logically pinpoint a woman beyond their like biologically essential characteristics and they're like well what is actually what oh sure you can like a, you know what I mean like that's the yeah yeah I get about, the argument that's just, just stupid it's it's like no when you're a woman you you act differently there's a different you get you um as people who've talked to women, everybody here, I hope, even a woman that's here could probably attest to this. There's, di- there's a difference. There are people feel. here who haven't. There's talked a to women, difference. Okay, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we got some monks here or some shit. Um, I'm gonna have to suck my wife later. So, so wizard. Uh, yeah. Like, can we get a? Wait. No. Notice how you said that. Gonna have to. Gonna have to talk to your wife. Gonna have to talk to your wife. Someone else then. Yeah, we'll get another speaker, and then, like, a quick point would be, um, I would say that if you want to go, like, really theory style, um, you could say that to meet them at their, like, uh, point, well, okay, can you logically, 
not logically, can you experience the same phenomenological characteristics of the embodiment of femininity as a man and vice versa? Can a woman experience the phenomenological comportment of what it means mm. to be a male subject? Well, now we can ask. We can ask Veronica here. Embodiment. Hi. So, hi, Veronica. Right. How are you? Hello. Veronica, Good. what does it mean to be a woman? <laughs> nice to meet y'all. Nice oh, to God, meet you. Wait, are you are you familiar with that uh, question, huh? Wait, Veronica, but out of curiosity, are you familiar with Break the Rules? No. So Break the Rules has been around uh, for about a year and a half now, and what we do is we bring very online people, you know, like from 4chan and stuff, together with more mainstream uh -huh. people so that they could have a conversation. So it's very similar to kind of what's going on in this space. So Veronica, since I take it you're not from that particular space, uh, let us know a little bit about yourself uh, first, and then I would love to hear your question or comment or whatever. Okay. Okay, well, I'm really terrified of 4chaners, so this will be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just, uh, I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm like a... Oh, no! I know! Dude, are you How sure? I be a lady. Are you sure? Like, yeah. you know, well, what is a woman, you know? Like, yeah, you know, among the very woman. online, I swear, among the very online, being married is like a superpower because you're just not scared <laughs> of women anymore. <laughs> Well, I mean, all in just, like, I'm just, I'm a 29-year-old Korean-Canadian woman. Um, I was a researcher in a past life, maybe, like, last year. I quit two jobs during the pandemic, and now I'm trying to make it as, like, a singer and a musician and an artist. So, um, also currently, like, wrapped up in legal battles with, like, mental health. Oh, jeez. How'd that happen? I don't really, I mean, I do know, but, I mean, my roommates yeah. called 911 on me. Yeah. If you don't want to talk, at like, yeah. You know, no, I can, but I mean, I just want to make sure that I don't detract from like. No, no, not at all. Mean to you and shit like. Not no, at all. I think it's part of it. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Totally I is. mean, my toxic roommates called nine one one on me, and I don't Why? want like four chan to like dox them or anything. So I just that's where I'm just like. Yeah, yeah don't worry. I'm we're not that. Like, we're not that close with four chan. Don't, don't worry. I don't even know how to fucking use that website. I'm on a four chan. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was more of an expression. I've seen some crazy things though, guys, on four chan, like yeah. on Reddit and stuff, and I'm like, yo, oh, yeah. guys, there's like underbelly yeah. there. That's no, like, I, I'd say well, four, four chan is more to, like the probably. Yeah. No, four chan is more like the womb out of which come all of these various memes and <laughs> oh, mimetic culture. Sakes, man. It's true. It's like, please be good to me. I'm okay. I come in peace. I extend my arms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, uh, Veronica. Um, so you're from... So you're from... Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Gio, can I ask you? You're from Toronto. Um, I, I'm actually... So. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So. You're where? You're in Niagara. Can I ask you a question, Gio? Oh, nice. Um, nice. Sure. I'm, um, Niagara, I'm near Niagara yeah. Falls, yeah. That's really cool. So, Veronica, I, I was looking at your uh, bio. I saw that you're a fifth wave feminist, and I was <laughs> oh, wondering. Get so roasted for this. I was wondering. I was wondering what what that meant because I thought last I checked there were only three. I didn't know there oh, were no, four, there's four five, alone five. And also, just there's Just the the seminal question of the space. What does based mm -hmm. mean to you? So yeah. those are my two questions. What's a fifth wave feminist and what does based mean to you? Yeah, I'll try to answer the easy question first, um, uh, which is the fifth wave feminist part. And then we'll get to the complicated question around based. Um, Haha -ha jokes. But in terms of fifth wave feminism, I do think that with every concept and with every ideology or any kind of theory, there's always an iterative standpoint to it so we know that with the first wave feminism it was like starting with women being persons and women having the right to vote 
and second wave, third wave, building on that with more players and more actors kind of um, figuring out what their place is as like we just dis- we discover for each other and for ourselves and for the world that we live in um, what equality means and what equity means in terms of gender and sexuality and so fifth wave feminism for me and there's a little bit of theorizing happening these days around fifth wave feminism but it really is deconstructing what it means to be like have a have a gender identity and have a sexual identity within a decentralized platform so when it comes to anonymity and things like 4chan and reddit and twitter where nfts are really booming these days too like what does it mean to like navigate those um tensions of like gender and sex like that's i think what i mean by fifth wave feminism and obviously the fact that like, have you all... yeah go for it what was the fourth, fourth oh is... sorry oh, sorry fourth is like fourth is like being like yo we have to cancel cancel culture we have to cancel like toxic femininity and we have to cancel toxic masculinity like fourth wave feminism to me was like thinking about how we failed as a feminist community and we really just like did you guys failed all right yeah we did we did we did so i didn't want to be a part of the community Um, anymore to be honest that that's great um i would love we would love to talk to you further have you read um sadie plant in particular when, it, when you're talking no, about uh, fifth wave, well, fifth, Sadie Plant, she was part of the uh, CCRU with like Nick Land and Mark Fisher, and she wrote this book. I think it's called Zeros and Ones, where she actually talks specifically about female identity and embodiment. In and I highly recommend that. Also, recommend my good friend, uh, default friend. She talks about these issues around like millennial feminism and sexuality and so forth. She's been on the oh, show hell yeah. multiple Default's times. Great. Yeah, that Catherine D. Uh, and I like. Do you? Uh, would you say you're more of like, like along the Donna Haraway, or like, what is your like main feminist theory inspiration, or, or do you not subscribe oh to any particular gosh, like yeah. theory? So, thank you. I mean, I fucking love Audre Lorde. I love um, Anae Nin, and like people that are more traditionally writers as opposed to like self-proclaimed feminists. But I obviously love Nin is fascinating. If men could men, as a if men could menstruate. Oh, and I also want to talk about a theory of mine, which is called interpretive justice. And it's like something that I've kind of coined, unless someone has coined it and I just don't know about it. But yeah. Go for it. Huh? Go for for it. it. Well, yeah, for me, interpretive justice is like the idea that you can have your own subjective understanding of karmic uh, retribution, so to speak. So basically... uh, uh, playing into the whole idea that like if you're upset about something and you decide to freak out and like throw a cigarette butt at the wall then that can be a form of interpretive justice for you if it's cathartic and a release of your energy so for example and i'll keep it really short and sweet this idea that like i don't have a driver's license and i don't drive but before i got into this hospital i was a pack a day smoker and walking through the streets of canada smoking it's so incredibly stigmatized and discriminated against and it was like I felt so upset why people were oh, yeah, judging me is. for smoking when I'm not even like, I'm just self-immolating at this point and I don't even fucking drive and emit carbon fumes into the, I'm just like, I was like, fuck you. So I would like throw a cigarette butt against the wall. But then interpretive justice for me would be like picking up five the next day, like picking up mine and someone else's. 
You know what I'm saying? Like the karmic mm -hmm. balance resort. Sure. So, so before, well, well, they have had other theories like yeah, primal scream. Geo, sorry. Before we get into anything else, I do want to have I do want to get Veronica's response to the other question, which is what does based mean? Oh, yeah, good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Oh my god, I'm scared. Based is like, it's like it's like based for me is like a real cuck. What? <laughs> what does that mean? Say I more. don't know. I don't know either. Like I feel like. If someone's based, it's like stupid. Like they're stupid. No, but can you define you can, how, can you how stupid? Elaborate. Um, because I don't really understand the lingo these days. So it's like when someone's like, "Oh, that's so based." I'm like, "Yo, are you're so lame?" Oh, I I see. Fair what enough. I mean, I, I see I'm what pretty, you mean. I'm pretty lame, objectively. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, what is based? There could be no, a defense. I mean, it's actually. I have to say to you, no, I'm no, like, oh, it's it's so a it's based. a very it's a very interesting thing because in a way, let's say you grow up and you're part of a particular culture, particular in-group preference, and then you notice somebody saying something that to that particular culture or in-group would be absolutely stupid. Then, of course, uh, the end result would be to condemn it. What I'm concerned about, though, is that there's not that much curiosity at finding out what exactly it is, what may be behind a lot of these things that may appear so offensive. Like, do you yeah, know what, what I mean? Yeah, what is based? Like, I don't really know what it is, and I haven't really looked it up on Urban Dictionary. Can I, um... No, I can, uh, I can give you the Urban Dictionary, what? definitely. All right, you can go for um, it. I kind of I wrote the piece on this that, that, uh, that got us here, so I'll, I'll do that, and then, Moz, you can jump in. Um, so, based, uh, based originated in, like, West Coast drug culture as, like, slang for being high on crack basically like you were just acting like a crackhead just being crazy and you didn't care what anybody thought or whatever and then it kind of evolved into like oh this guy doesn't care what anybody thinks like he's crazy you know like he's just he's just out there doing his own thing like um and then it got kind of co-opted by the the online right um as this idea of like pushing back against mainstream progressive culture where it's like you know, when you when you dissent from some of the kind of statements of mainstream progressive culture that are that are kind of universally accepted, it's like, oh, that's based. Um, and then there's also the sense of it being based as in based in like rooted in tradition. Uh, so it has this sense of like reactionary politics or like traditional religion as well. Wow. Yeah, he's he's right about all that. Um, but I'm kind of I'm kind of coming from this as a. Um, as a person who kind of uses it with other people who don't like agree with my sort of political stances and sort of as a layman's idea of what that word means instead of the great, um, the great definition say just gave me right now. Um, it basically means that you like, Oh wow, that's awesome. Or, Oh wow, that's cool. Or, Oh wow. I agree with you. It just kind of says all of that. And it's funny how different, how that's the polar opposite of what Veronica was talking about. Like yours is, Oh, that's really awesome. And hers is, Oh, that's so lame. You know, it's very interesting. Yeah. how yeah, exactly. but It's like almost like what Moz was saying, but in like a hashtag sarcasm kind of way. Cause mm. that's how I was. That's how I was um, hearing it in a lot of the scammer spaces that I was in. Which is like another story for another day, but it's like and people are being like, <laughs> "Yeah, why do you what? I don't what know is what this? That is. Yeah, you you can't just lay that Crypt out on crypto us scams. And... Well, there's like different. Were you were you spaces. right click save? Were you were you doing right click save as on Lev's on Lev's NFTs? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, no, I mean I was in like different like hostile spaces with scammers and 
there was like one particular scammer who was like trying to scam the scammers and then she was like oh like give me your that's money funny. give me your money and then i was like yo bitch get the fuck out of here and then she was like that's so based and i was like what the fuck and like, that's how i was introduced to the word based that's why uh, I was, like, well you're being you're being self-assertive there and i think that that is a quality that people see in things that are based somebody that's not just going to uh, you know <laughs> well, lay, let me let lay me down add and, it yeah. to the hot take if you if you don't mind um i can defend this based as stupid uh, connection there is this great um passage at the very end of psychopolitics by byung chil han where he says that only the truly stupid or like the holy fool can escape the machinations of like i guess you would call it capitalist realism and consumerism or what he calls psychopolitics because then you could sort of become like consciously in a way unaware or ignorant of like the culture industry productions around you and so it's like in a way being stupid like being sort of like drug brain it's like when it's like when uh you know there's like an outrage mob about like something pope francis said or whatever mm. and like the drag cats will be like i'm an illiterate medieval peasant i don't even know who the pope yeah, is right? exactly. yeah exactly <laughs> well speaking yeah. speaking it's of like the the bell curve meme like the really high iq and the really dumb mm -hmm. both like have this in intuitive understanding wait veronica are you familiar with that uh with the... pascal uh blaze pascal coined the term midwit in French, mm. like the equivalent of Oh my god. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Veronica, are you familiar with that bell curve meme? I think I am, but I don't know for sure. Bring it up. So many... Bring it up. Yeah, bring, bring it up. up on the Jumbotron, man. Yeah, yeah, put that shit up. Wait, are you watching this also, on uh, YouTube? I, I mean, that uh... word floating around everywhere, too, and I don't know what that well, means. Well, I was... Psychological operation, meaning, like, um, a PSYOP is, like, any mass, um, uh, it, it relates to like what the CIA was doing in various mind, MK Ultra mind control. Yo, guys, areas. I'm like literally in a massive psyop with this hospital situation. Well, I was <laughs> okay. about to ask you. Well, I was about to. I was about it. to ask you. Do you think that uh, living in Canada is one big psyop? Oh, it probably is. It is. <laughs> believe me. Oh my I god. I can't even talk about it here, guys. Can we get a? <laughs> Wait, are you in the hospital right now? Yes, sir, I am. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, man. Oh, my God. Oh, man. See, this is the kind of content you guys see on Odyssey. Okay, I think there's a reason we, why this is... You know is... what's funny is that on BTR, this has been at least the third time where someone has called it <laughs> a mental institution. Man. I'm not I'm even... Mental in a mental health institution right now. Like, I am in, I am in an insane asylum. How are, the... How are they I'm allowing you to have a phone? How are they Fucking howl, Allen Ginsberg, man. Yes, fuck yeah. Wait, 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 I, I don't understand that. Why do they allow? Why do they allow people in mental institutions to have cell phones? I was well. This is not the well, first no, time, no, obviously. For this right, Lev, I actually like actually asserted myself and advocated for my phone to be back. You were based. There oh, we go. That's based. Yeah. Right. Use your baseness to get your phone based. back. I've been here since November well, 26th, guys. So I thought you were gonna be like, guys, oh, I, I stuck in, I stuck in my. Well, ass, Veronica, so let's like... mutually each other. I know you probably would find my some takes of mine horrifying. But uh, I'm a nice guy, okay? So I'm. Oh, yeah, I'm God, follow God, I'm a Excellent, excellent. All right. I would love to. I would love to have you uh, back on uh, BreakTheRules.tv. By the way, subscribe to BreakTheRules.tv <laughs> while you're Man, while you're on your phone. Uh, advertise. Yeah. I Thank will. you. Thank you. I think you guys are cool because, like, I don't like the divisiveness between like. Mm. Alleged feminist and alleged break the rules people. Like I don't break like the rules people. Silos. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh we man, this is gonna become a term. No, I think. I, well, and so, Nina, Nina Paley. Ask you a question about uh, one at a time, boys. One at a time. What? Well, yeah, we I do want to ask you a question about feminism, feminism real quick. I can't hear. Sorry, Quay. Sorry. Sorry, I want to ask you a question about feminism. Go for it. Um. So, what is your opinion of um, women's rights or less? Come on. Sorry. What is your opinion of, of, of like women in the workplace? Do you think we need more women in the workplace, or do you think we need to like empower women to like make their own choices? And if that choice is to like stay home with the kids, we need to like respect that and empower them to do that. Oh, I think it's it's everything you said. Like it's completely empowering women to do whatever the fuck they want, right? Mm-hmm. We can't pressure women to work in the workplace when if they want to just like do something else with their lives in terms of projects or motherhood or like, planning. But here's, but here's a, here's no. a bigger question. Hold on. Here's, <laughs> here. I think, literally, I think literally guys, the ethos, like the one principle of feminism is like just even women and men aside, it's just like you are able to do what you want in life, which is be happy and healthy and, mm. and, and loved. Like that's it. But here's, that's here's, I think the, the big question though, when it comes to personal agency, we all know yeah. that we're in some way in a psyop. It's been this way for a long time. We have books like Propaganda by the, uh, what was it, the uh, nephew of uh, Sigmund Freud. Edward, Edward Bernays. Yeah, Edward Bernays yeah. coming out. These things have been around for a while. So the question is, like, why people latch on to something like Based is that at least it gives them some kind of a framework for how to live their lives in such a way as was in the past. And I think the problem that people are looking at today, and I'm not singling out women by any means. I think this is both women and and men when it comes to boys and girls who grow up when you're saying do your own thing have the freedom to do what you want how much is it you making the choice as opposed to some corporation as opposed to some advertising psyop making the choice for you that is such a good well, well, that's yeah, the exactly. critique like, of like like the democratic party like you've seen biden get up multiple times and you've seen the democratic party be like Oh yeah, we need to like pass this bill that gives universal pre-K so that it'll get more women into the workplace. And it's like, well, do they want to be in the workplace? And if you look mm-hmm. into the polling data, it's like actually no. <laughs> but but that's well, the critique of I, like I, millennial girl boss feminism that people have been like not even not even slay queen slay man slay. Well, you know? well yeah, this like, sort of liberal like girl boss feminism is really mm-hmm. I think counterintuitive. It's really just a capture of the system like towards something that was once like transgressive so oh sorry cut you off or anything no no no, it's all good thanks to you i think like when we come when it comes to even psyops and my newly budgeted understanding of that word we have to also interrogate the census and the ways in which people are surveyed in terms of what women want or what girls need or how to involve or how to empower because that also has an implicit agenda and it's political right so i think oh yeah 100 yeah mm-hmm. so even with the arguments that we use either against women in the workplace or for women in the workplace or for women in the home or against women in the home at the end of the day like as like coming from a praxis where i am a woman and i identify as a woman because I was born into this body, whether I liked it or not, was like, is like, just, we are constantly pitted against each other and we are constantly mm. pitted against a system right, that, wants, yeah. that wants to coerce us, that wants to oppress us, that wants yeah, us to be a certain way. And if we're in the workplace and we're always like judged for not being in the home more, if we're in the home more, we're always judged for not being in the workplace. And it's like, we're never good enough. And I think that's the issue with sometimes like 
the the the, That's the fair. intentions. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah. at the end of the day, it's like like statistics aside and policies aside, if we're able to like mature as a society into a season and a reasonable um, climate where men can be men and women can be women and queer folks can be queer and we can all just live under the same fucking umbrella of life, then I don't think we need to complicate it so much. Does that make sense? Can I answer you? Well, the first part, maybe. Yeah, but not- <laughs> Yo, I want to answer. I want to answer. Yeah, I want to answer. Fair enough. So one of the things I've heard, actually, a very interesting take that nobody has ever mentioned ever, and I don't think I've ever heard it, is that the people who made modern society were friggin' autistic. And mm. so that means they made things sort of less like human like human for like the feels and like the fact that like Robespierre was definitely autistic yeah like all these Mm. people that were like the brains of of modern society didn't care so much about the human like the age of reason the age of reason reason not like all these yeah behaviorism and yeah yeah like um if society was perfect we would probably have like people be primarily focused on being fathers and mothers and having work being orientated around that so that the next generation can be properly raised right and while you can still have work being done around that that's probably the way that yeah but it's important not not to restrict not to restrict work if somebody like if a woman let's say or a man whatever if they want to do some kind of work and they really 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 want to do it i'm not going to stand in the way neither should anybody but there should but there should still be some kind of bedrock understanding that who what what is like i always bring up teleology telos like what is the end goal that you want to get to here do you want to be surrounded by people who care for you and love you or do you want to be surrounded by uh you know just like some strangers in a cubicle or nobody you know what i mean like this is this is i think the lessons that people are going to learn as we advance through having a lot of these freedoms and yeah it is going to be hard it's going to be it's going to be a tragedy for a lot of people who let's say took a certain route and then decided like hey like uh i i did not do a b and c i did d e and f and it didn't work out but those will be the people like i remember adam carolla had this bit where he said that he wants to bring his uh, son and daughter to home depot and just go up to one of these like 40 50 year old dudes who's working you know in the vest and just go up to them and say what went wrong what happened kind of like a scared straight you remember scared? Well, you don't remember, but uh, there used to be this thing called scared straight, where oh, they used to bring that, these. Man. Yeah, that they used to bring the kids shit. to the uh, yeah, to the yeah. prisons and have the prisoners just scare the wits out of them. You know, by talking about you know all the horrible things that go on in prison, and you know they ended up taking the shoes of the kids, all that kind of fun stuff. But anyway, <laughs> the the thing that I'm bringing up uh. here is that there are examples you can look at in life of people who have not succeeded, people who have uh, led you know uh, bad lives. And those should be like the best thing people could do in that situation is to be a model for the next generation to say, okay, this is what I did wrong. This is what you should avoid. And I think that that is also a kind of wisdom that people can utilize and, um, you know, see see what happens from there. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's insane to build a society where we acknowledge like women have babies and men don't. And that is a very big difference. And like, yes, men and women should have full scope to explore their 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 potentialities and fulfill their 
their potential, right? Like if, if there are women who have the ability to do like really amazing things as, as engineers or whatever, they shouldn't be held back from doing that. But at the same time, like we do need to acknowledge the fact that women have babies and men do not. And I think that the current system we have where we try to make women equal by doing all kinds of weird dystopian sci-fi shit is, is not sustainable. Like, I don't think I like, I don't like the idea that, you know, to say like, Oh, we need to make women equal. And for women to be equal, they need to abort their babies and they need to freeze their eggs. They need to be more like IVF for women to be equal. incredibly fucked up. It's just like renting the womb of a poor woman. So you can traumatize her body instead of yours. Like, like, I, I think that's all really fucked up, which is why I'm in favor of, like, more paid family leave and and uh, increased right. child tax credits and stuff like that. Oh, Veronica, you have your... Society, again, where Veronica, you have, a, you have your... Have babies and men don't, and that's not a problem. You have your hand up. <laughs> we are we are going to be after going soon, by the way, so uh, we will leave some final words over here. Veronica, Krakadil, Krakadil. I'm back to speaking in the Russian accent, yeah, by the way. Yeah, he had his hand up first, so I would... Yeah, I'd love okay, to Krakadil. Здравствуйте. Очень приятно с вами говорить. Yeah, so I totally agree with, with Quay in the sense that, like, that this kind of old like libertarian type idea of just like uh of you know this that was what was considered right wing was this very uh free market capitalist kind of stuff which you know and then like that kind of coincides with this with that girl boss feminism that Gia was talking about and the problem with that stuff is it it, it, it totally leads girls or, or it, it leads girl it leads girls you know girls women to like the fucking meat shredder because all this all this talk of like you know of like all this sex positive stuff you know, just it, it leads to like not I mean, like not just physical danger, because, you know, just like getting drunk and going going home with strange guys is definitely much it, more it inadvertently helped like a small percentage of men. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So like the, the whole and like, yeah, like especially with all the trans stuff and all the like sex work. I mean, the fact that prostitution got like got got like relabeled as sex work. You know, it feels fucking satanic in the sense that, like, this is what feminism is now, too. And then with, with like, OnlyFans being considered, like, empowering. Even that very word empowered is, like, it's like, what happened to feminism? It's it's insane. And so this is kind of where I feel like I'm I, I, I'm really on, on board with all those turfs. I think those, I think those chicks are really brave because they're, like, way on the front lines and people fucking hate them. Yeah. And I, you know, I understand where, you know, all of you are coming from and, like, it's frustrating. It's honestly really frustrating to feel like we're constantly battling these silos of understanding where people are coming from or what communities have to say about the other side. And I am sex positive. I am sex workers. Like I, I advocate for sex workers and um, anyone who feels like they're othered or marginalized by society. And I feel like at a certain point, we do have to reckon with the different intersections and I'm going to sound a little bit SJW here, so I apologize if that's triggering for y'all. <laughs> but I do think, like, the intersections of, like, race and class and oppression and, like, money and wealth and power, like, these things are constructs that are, like, have to be negotiated. Because when it comes to things that um, uh, Quay said and Crocodile is, like, when it comes to things like abortion or, like, women's health, reproductive rights, like, I know it's a really sensitive topic and I don't want to, like, get into the weeds with this but I think we are modernizing so rapidly as a society and as we do so and as tech evolves as AI evolves as VR evolves as like um, communities evolve and like 
um, borders are negotiated and renegaded upon, like we do also have to remember that women are not left behind in that equation. Women are also figuring out what their place is in society and who we are as people and who we are as partners to men and husbands and the, the, the gray zone in between. And I think one of the things that was said about autism and like how the modern society was built upon the um, shoulders of great giants who maybe saw things more in extremes and polar opposites and binaries because that's just how their brain worked in categorizing and shifting and organizing the world around us. I think we're coming to a better sense of like a matured sense of like, mm -hmm. yeah, well, you know, there's these categorizations of human nature and human law and human order, but we also have uh, the gray zone in between that a lot of Ginsburg's work and like Jack Kerouac's work and like a lot of the theolo theology and the phenomenological understandings of who we are as humans can really be negotiated. So I, I, I do agree to a certain point, but I also disagree. And I think that's beautiful that we can have conversations around this. And hopefully it's just the beginning of um, me coming yeah. into. Absolutely. I would definitely. Well, let me just good. say. I'd love to have you back. back. I, I agree with a lot I mean, of that. wrong about stuff, but you sound sane as fuck. Thanks. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny what um, <laughs> Michel Foucault said about the in madness and civilization. Oh, I love Foucault. I love Oh, yeah, I'm like one of the only like right-wing people who have uh, taken a lot of flack from my love of Michel Foucault. But I Veronica, Foucault. Yeah. I think I would love to, uh, we would love to bring you on, break your mm -hmm. rules also. If you ever want to talk, I have a YouTube channel as well, Giant Productions, uh, if you want to like shoot the shit about Canada. Because uh, I think I'm uh, falling in love right now. Like, <laughs> oh, can I sing for you guys before I leave? Oh, please oh, do. Okay. Um, everybody, everybody. <laughs> so capable of extraordinary things. Your mind so free to be anything you want to be. You are so powerful. Time to raise your voice. Yeah, that's me. Um, that's just a little bit of me. Amazing. <laughs> I amazing. like that R&B flavor. And Veronica, <laughs> one, one, one thing that I would say there, which maybe, I mean, we're not going to have time for it right now, but with maybe a future disagreement is I thought that, that was incredible. That was beautiful how you were able to sing. What I personally care about is not identity as much as what you can bring to the table as a human being and what you brought to the yeah. table right there. I think that is something that I think is the big uh, is the big frustration that people feel when they, uh, you know, they don't want to be looked at, you know, including, uh, you know, whatever you could say, whatever race or uh, whatever. People don't want to be looked at as I am this particular uh, color I am of this particular place. Rather, I think there's so much more satisfaction and so much more empowerment as being looked at somebody that was able to create something, that was able to bring something into fruition. And as soon as I think the concentration goes on, what do you bring to the table as opposed to what hashtag you put in your profile? that's when we're going to see real change and that's when i think we're going to see less depression we're going to see less of this uh you know confusion that a lot of people are in because they will have satisfaction in knowing that they did something great and that's that's all i want to say well i think we're gonna have by a... the way that was beautiful i love your voice thanks it's a part amazing. of the song but i didn't want to take up too much like space with that so i just cut it short no but problem maybe well, I, well i wanted to get for final words uh, my friend fog Green, but 
Lev, I think we have a Catherine, my good friend, default friend, is actually coming on the stream soon. Nice. So maybe Veronica, we would invite you on to come. With, and also Billy Pratt, my other good friend. Well, we're going to have a stream about video game man. culture, and we're going to have a friend of mine who's a New York Times writer who did not write great things wow. about, about Gamergate. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a chance to talk uh, with them about that. That will be very exciting. I'm looking forward to that. That's awesome. So, Fogbrain, final word. Take us out, brother. Oh, man, the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a beautiful discussion, I thought, and I think that we've come to this, like, very um, matured perspective on both sides of the, uh, the sexes question. And it's really kind of speaks to the broader point about where our generation and to some extent where the Zoomers are heading about um, how we're going to tackle this kind of brave new world that we're entering in both digitally and socially and whatnot. So, um, and it all comes to being based to a certain extent in a, in a kind of new reality that we must like forge for ourselves and having these kinds of conversations are, I think really drive that sort of um, not only obviously the discourse forward, but like action, which is more important than the discourse forward. And I think taking action to some extent and doing these live streams and, you know, having people like Veronica on and getting different perspectives in is, uh, is a really beautiful thing. And um, yeah, I think we'll be finding some ways as we get older and as we learn to uh, really come to sort of more definitive answers rather than be more vague about because we're still to some extent and especially with like how women um, are going through what they're going through uh, kind of figuring out what it means to be a woman and for us in on the male side trying to figure out what it be means to be a man and um, yeah that's probably all I have to say on that particular subject that, um, that you was... guys are all very based <laughs> lost a lot of guys in Full circle. Yes. In our religion, yes. And how to be a man or a woman. That so, was that was well said. And a lot of the idols, a lot and, of the stone idols that have been erected in the manosphere, they seem to be uh, toppling uh, as well as Geo. You've so uh, well, well go uh, to talked my about. Stream. Yes. Manos and I think for better the manosphere and aporium. I think for better. Yeah, Geo's video on the manosphere is probably like the greatest takedown ever made. It was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I think I think for better or for worse, if we're going to become if we're going to become based again, you know, if we are going to recommit ourselves societally to something larger and deeper and older, like we do need to do it with our eyes wide open, right? Like things aren't things aren't working on on rails anymore, right? The the train's off the tracks, and if we want to put it back on the tracks, that's going to be a very conscious decision on our part to do it. Yes, well, exactly, indeed. Based. All right, guys, we're gonna. This is it. This is the end. Thank you so much for watching. I'm closing this once again. Subscribe to BreakTheRules.tv. If you enjoy these conversations, consider becoming a patron. Patreon.com. I'm gonna do it in the Russian accent. Patreon.com/slash BreakTheRules. Become a patron today. And also, we are streaming this on Odyssey. Beat.ly/slash B-T-R-O-D-Y-S-E-E. -E. That's the Odyssey link. Everybody, go there. Oh, good yeah. Oh, good night, everybody. God bless. Good night. Goodbye. Goodbye.